Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder, James Boyd came to give them life. The Blackest Wrestling Podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they're kicking trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in. That's on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit a talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation This is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio uh, this is Kenny Omega, we're listening to One Nation Radio Check it out guys, these guys know what's up Big Kenny Omega fans, that's all it counts to me Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special edition of One Nation Radio. This is a 2019 year review for each promotion. Uh, we're going to be covering New Japan on this particular episode at the beginning, and on the back end, you'll get uh, our review on Stardom. Uh, but right now, I just want to introduce to you guys uh, who we have with us. We have the unofficial third member of One Nation Radio, Jeremy Donovan. What's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Just chilling. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You know, Josh can be furious when I say he's third. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. also with us uh, is Rich as usual. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a what up, man? It's, it's a color thing, uh, Josh. Oh. Right? Oh my god. <laughs> BWB. Oh man, you know he's still upset. He's uh, not in there, and I'm like, you know. dude, you're not in there for perfectly fine reasons. Like I don't. <laughs> <laughs> John knows we love him. Yeah, but anyway, um, you know, we're going to start at the top. It's going to, uh, it's going to be the release first. Uh, it's going on first on the stardom in New Japan side because it is critically the best professional wrestling in the world. We're talking about 2019's New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, it's, it was a weird changeover, especially beginning of the year because of, uh, the departures of uh, people like the elite and, and whatnot, but you know, I felt like the star creation machine just keeps chugging along. It doesn't matter if they lose AJ Styles or Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, they'll just find somebody else, including, even if it takes it, signing someone to a lifetime contract. <laughs> so, uh, you know, where do you guys want to start off with this, Jeremy, uh, in particular? Where do you, where do you want to start with as far as just talking about all the big things that happened in New Japan this year? Well, since you mentioned a lifetime contract, let's go ahead and talk about that first. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the year after Wrestle Kingdom 13, after Kota Ibushi lost to Will Ospreay, he was gone for a little bit and came back and said that he 
signed a lifetime contract with New Japan. We know there's a lot of questions up in the air whether he was going to, you know, go with Kenny to AEW, if he's going to try and do both or just stay with New Japan. And, you know, one of the big, you know, kind of things that have held Ibushi back this whole time is not having a full-time contract. So they're never able to go all the way with him. So it's kind of a big deal that he, not only does he sign a contract, he says a lifetime contract. We don't know the exact, you know, terms of that. Like, no one knows what it means. So, like, I make the joke, like, is it the Bret Hart contract? Is it the Magic Johnson contract? Is it the Wayne Gretzky contract? What does this contract mean exactly? Like, I, I'm, I, I feel like that is one of the best subplots in the entire, like, world of professional wrestling this year. It's like, what exactly is on paper? Is this him just saying this? Who knows? Yeah. Do, do, do you think Abushi got a lawyer? Like, <laughs> hell no. Gato's like, here's the contract. He just signed it. They didn't even read it. Signed over his life. Yes. <laughs> Look, for, for Look, all, all I know, all I know is when Kodobushi signed that contract, Tetsuya Naito fans were shaking. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I had always thought that the second that he actually signed with New Japan for real, that like, okay, that it, it, it's game time. Like we are now on a on a um, crash course towards him winning. Uh, the IWGB title. And like my, my, I thought he was, I thought he was like the clear cut favorite to win the, the G1. And we got there. It started off shaky, uh, but we got there at the end. Um, but I just, I think it's, um, I think he had a really good year. Uh, but I don't know, man. Like now with the night toe thing, with the, you know, him getting a, a what do you call this? Like a fifth chance, <laughs> a sixth <laughs> chance, uh, at this thing, like, you know, on the ground domestically, like it is clearly still Naito. So I like, I mentioned to see like, you know, our reactions compared to, to, um, the people that are actually on the ground over there. And like, I just wonder, like, are we going to come to some medium? Because like, you know, we talked about it a lot this year, like the Naito stuff or the Naito, like, you know, his, his, how much how much more he has in the tank in that sort of situation and what he puts his body through like i think it's going to make for an interesting thing in the future because like i think night is going to win and like i think a lot of us are going to be like good for him because he's he's a he's a top draw but like we're not really concerned about the draw stuff critically right so i'm wondering how this is going to go over do you think he has enough credibility I think it'll be fine, like match wise as a champion. I don't, mm-hmm. I expect everything at minimum to be good. Um, mm. you know, I, while I can go without him taking five minutes to take his pants off and, you know, <laughs> everything else that, you know, that starts the front of his matches and, um, you know, you, you never know about the effort levels, like if it's the gimmick or if it's the, a shoot or whatever, but I, I think it, it it'll be fine, but I, I you know, I'm not expecting, you know, Okada in 2017. Right. And I think the thing with Naito, mm-hmm. like his story doesn't need that Okada long title run. Like the main story here is finally beating Okada in the Tokyo Dome for the IWGP title. I think once that's done, he doesn't even really need a long title run. Like I think he's probably going to get to at least Dominion with, with the title. But I mean, after that, I don't think. You know, he can lose a belt and he'll, he'll still be fine. He'll still be a top star. He accomplished, um, you know, beating Okada. They finished that big kind of story arc with him. And then you can go on. And then I think, you know, get your eyes set on Ibushi after that. Oh, God. 
we have to go back to this. I'm, I'm not saying Abushi beats him. I'm just saying you get Abushi ready to win the title. Okay, okay, okay. So maybe Abushi wins a G1 again or wins the title down the line somehow, and he's going into Wrestle Kingdom as a champion or the challenger at Wrestle Kingdom. So we'll see what happens. And I and I just want to want to back up. We jumped into the Bushi thing, but we didn't right. really talk about like Wrestle Kingdom thirteen, um, and yep. what a big kind of thing that was for New Japan. Like they sold the dome out for the first time in shit. How long? Like, <laughs> like the it, it was like the uh, the the pinnacle of everything from Tanahashi essentially reviving the company there beginning of this decade, and then right there it was like they made it all the way back. Or whatever and they had a lot of different elements in place and uh i really loved that show like it's you know one of the best shows ever yeah great show and kind of like a, a turning point essentially for new japan you have you know kenny omega and the elite leaving the company and tanahashi wins the title and it's just kind of this weird kind of thing where it's like you know if kenny had stayed he would have probably won and then we'd be in a whole different spot than we are right now, but he's leaving, Tanahashi wins, and we're just kind of launching into this very successful year where there was multiple sellouts, there was an increased schedule, a lot of the shows were in bigger arenas than they were last year. Yeah, um, like, you're absolutely right, and Wrestle Kingdom was a great show, um, it was one of those shows that goes for hours and it still felt too short, right? Because, you know, we got, <laughs> you know, we got a 12 minute Ishii and Saber match. We got like a 14 minute or 15 minute, um, Omega and Jay White match, you know, uh, but Okada. At the end, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Jay White and Okada. Yes. Um, but at the end, you know, when we get that epic match between Kenny and, and Tanahashi and you're just like, this pays off what was laid down in the G1, like, the you know the the gunslinger has has one last bullet left in the chamber. He's going to ride one more time. Um, I wish it had lasted longer, but you know politics, right? Politics as usual. Um, but you know, I guess moving on from there, like we talked about Ibushi, we talked about Tanahashi, and I think Tanahashi has a very underrated G one um, that should also be mentioned, but. I mean, we move on with the title from there. Like, um, do we go straight to talking about Jay White as the new, you know, one month later, two months later, uh, becoming the champion? I, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, we go to that, you know. So, yeah, so Jay White, he, he um, you know, the, the big upset beats Tanahashi for the title. I believe it was in February. Well, first, that- well, first before we go there, um, he, the New Japan Cup was after that, correct? Correct. Yeah, right, yes. right, right, right. He ended up getting a title shot because he came out and challenged Tanahashi because he's like, I've, I've been you before. Right. Right, right, right. Yes. Uh, okay, so get to that match, and it's, Tanahashi just puts on a clinic of, of selling, and I think, I don't think I've ever seen somebody sell, like, the leg better than him. I mean, maybe, you know, Abushi in the, in the G1 and the first night in Dallas, you were there. But that might have been legit. That might have been a shoot for all we know, right? <laughs> or, 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 at least, or at least we're led to believe it was a shoot. But, yeah, just the dude put in a, a classic performance uh, to help get his guy over. Do I think that his shenanigans helped out the story? Not until the end. But um, 
but that, but you can't say that wasn't a great match. Uh, and then we move on forward, and it's you know we were thinking like, all right, he's a champion now. He's probably gonna have a short run because of, because of history. That's how it typically goes. But I was interested to see like you know who he was going to take on you know at that like i think he took on um an anniversary show he was uh osprey right right well osprey yeah Yeah, the normal anniversary tradition is usually the current junior champ versus the heavyweight champ yeah i mean i'm just and i'm just going through in my head like well jeremy it's this is your territory what were your (laughs) impressions of of the the propelment yeah propelment of of a propellatory whatever uh the 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 launching of the rocket strap to Jay White uh, at the beginning of the year in the spring. Yeah, you know, when Jay White first came back from Excursion, like many people, I was very wary about him, especially after that match at Wrestle Kingdom 12. I was like, not sure what Gato... Like, I've seen Jay White before Excursion. He was, you know, great in Ring of Honor, but, you know, he's doing a different character, different style. Wasn't really feeling it at first, and I think he spent all of that, um, you know, 2017, or excuse me, 2018, kind of establishing himself, establishing the character, establishing his style. And then 2019, we just kind of saw like, you know, the kind of crescendo of all the work he's been doing and just kind of what, what Jay White really is. And I thought, you know, 2019 was a great year for him. And yes, he does have a lot of the shenanigans and the cheating and the interference and all the bull club stuff. But when it comes down to just him wrestling and some of the selling and psychology of his matches, I think he's really excelled and uh, definitely one of the top, you know, guys they have right now. It's just a different style, like, and it's not like the guys that were in the role um, before him, like your AJs or your Kennys. And I just think, you know, familiarity is the best uh, asset that White has going for him at this point because it's not new what he's doing. What he's doing is, you know, these things that are tried and tested that are actually like um, getting them booed, but at the same time, he's figuring it out you know, slowly but surely how to um, have his his matches connect a little better, of course. And I said it on the O&R uh, show, like his 2019 blows his 2018 away. I think he's <clears throat> rounded into uh, a, a bit, maybe a better fitness plan or something like that. But he's like, like he's super shredded now. And it's like his body is totally transformed uh, even from 2018. So that's helped him in the ring, I think. And, um, I won't forget like being in Madison Square Garden watching him versus Okada. And, you know, I was disappointed we were getting that match because, you know, the rumors, it was like, yo, that was going to be Okada Omega 5. Like, we were going to see that shit in person and whatever. But Jay White came in there that night and he was like, he was no longer a dude that did, that was unconfident. He was no longer a guy that just felt like they were shoving him to be there it felt like he was there like in um him and okada had a great match one of one of my favorite matches of the year uh spoiler alert and uh i'm I'm getting a a a slight uh more slightly more of an appreciation for for what he's doing uh i could go without all the fucking around and cheating but like you know uh once you once you get past that as i mentioned familiarity you're more familiar with it you can you know start to draw the lines up wherever you know but I, I, I'm I'm interested to see. Um, you know, I've always heard people say, "Yeah, his babyface run is going to be great." That's I, I want to see it eventually one day because he's going to have to do a whole another style. I could because I don't see this as as no babyface style. 
Right. Yeah. And, you know, some of his stuff, if you see some of his um, excursion work in Ring of Honor and like Australia, he was rich out of pro wrestling. He was out there doing Fosbury flops and shooting stars and dives. So I know he has that babyface move set within him. And so, yeah, that babyface run will be very interesting to see down the line. Mm. Well, my question would be like, how much weight has he put on since then? Like, has mm. he put on like 20 pounds of muscle and thereby like his new I felt like he's that got- sort of thing? I, I don't feel like that's the case. I feel like he used to be bigger and he was like softer than now he's mm. like more shredded and like, okay. you know, kind of got like a different pair of legs under him, like for whatever reason. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, at what point do we start talking about the new Japan cup? I mean, it, it, I think they said a great uh, story at the beginning where they, you know, um, they have Jay White in Bullet Club, like, lay out all those guys. Or lay out um, Osprey, and then you have Tanahashi and Okada. And basically, babyface locker room coming out to, you know, rally rally around. Uh, sorry, it's Ibushi I'm thinking. I'm sorry. Um, so, I mean. They had a new format doing? for it. Like, um, they, yeah. it was single elimination. It was, like, 32 guys. They were like, yeah, we got young boys in here. We got juniors in here. And we got top stars. Yeah, that was a, a pretty big deal. So, yeah, New Japan Cup's always been single elimination, but then they, they doubled the field from 16 to 32 and gave a lot of guys shots. I mean, you had, like, guys like Eugene Nagata in there, Chase Owens, um, you know, Hikaleo, some, uh, Shota Umino. A lot of guys that are, aren't normally in this tournament got a chance to shine. And, you know, with that whole – with the prize being the winner goes to the Garden – to face the IWGP champion just to kind of raise the stakes of the tournament. Yeah, I mean, and obviously the the main event, um, you know, Okada winning it, 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 it's it's, I don't know. Uh, I love Okada, but I felt like this year, and especially you know, once we start with like you know, he gets a huge pop because he pulls off and he has the pants. It's like, yay, we got the same Okada that we've had for like the the last. Um, I don't know, 2012, would you say? 2013? Yeah. Uh, like we, we, yeah, we're getting that guy back, even though, like, when we, when we had him, like, we always cheered for the other guy that he was wrestling all the time. So, <laughs> it, so, for, it, so it's kind of weird for me to, like, we're at this point to where, like, you know, they're happy that they're getting, you know, vintage Okada, uh, to paraphrase Michael Cole, but, you know, he's chugging along, but, like, it felt like, from from that point, and then he wins the title back, and in Master Garden, we're there for it, and you know, I'm, we're all loving it. But you know, you kind of feel like, all right, we're still kind of headed towards more of the same. Like, it's it was interesting. Um, it was just interesting to see like the Sonata stuff and the build towards you know towards the end of that feud. But um, I don't know. Like, what are your thoughts on now that you know? we go through that and we talk about Okada, like what were your thoughts on his overall year? I mean, am I overstating it? Do I, am I, you know, feeling that it's too much of the same or am I, or am I tripping? Or do you think like, nah, the dude just excellent as always. And like, we're just, you know, people getting numb to the greatness. Yeah. I think you uh, hit the nail on the head. I mean, you look at his cage match, his grapple, all, you know, the Meltzer ratings, it was another great year in ring wise for Okada still having great title matches, great main events, great G ones. But like you mentioned, it's just kind of the same old, same old with Okada. It's like same old greatness. <laughs> yeah. And there, there yeah. was, 
And I I mentioned it on the um uh I think on the keeping it strong style like award synopsis thing. It was like kind of how I feel about Kenny. It's weird. Like they need like somebody to push them to like like it, it goes beyond their their output. Like there's somebody that needs to like challenge each of them, and unfortunately, they are no longer in the same company to challenge each other. So like the, I feel like the Sonata thing was like them trying to make Okada be a challenge but no nah, Okada's just better than Sonata like I'm I'm sorry like so it's, <laughs> it's not something where you see like Sonata can possibly take the throne like a Kenny thing so it's like there's something within it like Okada's yes his star rating is, is, is going to be you know the same you know yes you're, you're 35 40 recommended matches but like what's with Okada is actually like the narrative that's you know there it's like he needs someone. He's at a prime. Like like Simmons wrote about stuff like this, like NBA players in their career. You're at mm-hmm. the top of your game. You have no one to push you. What's next? Right. Gotcha. Yeah, I think, too, with, like, Okada's title run this year, it was, like, a lot of uh, repeat title defenses that we saw in previous years. There wasn't a whole lot of freshness to this. And he had, like, a four-match series with Sonata. So it was kind of a lot of the same matches and challengers. There wasn't anything new or fresh about the title run or what he was doing this year. Yeah, like, I mean, to be fair, I absolutely believe, even though he only got the one win in the G1, I absolutely believe, believe that Sonata is in a better place having come on the on the back end of this whole run with Okada. But mm-hmm. I... How old is Sonata again? Sonata's like 30 or 31. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, it's like 31, 32. Like... It, it felt so much like this This program was like, imagine if Okada had came in um, after Excursion and Okada, I'm sorry, and uh, Tanahashi just kept beating him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, but the thing is, like, the story would have been like, oh, he's going to get there eventually. He's going to get him eventually. But, but then you look at it and like, Sonata's never going to get him eventually. They're the same age. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I kind of feel weird about it in that, from that extent. Um, but I, I just kind of feel like, and as you mentioned, like it, it is kind of, you know, samey at the top because we kind of, there hasn't been, there's been, you know, some churn at the top, but not as much like, you know, this, the top six is still like the same, you know, about four or five, of the same guys from, even back to almost two and a half years ago, right? Um, you know, you know how they could, uh, you know, swap that up and here and, we go. Add, add some, you know, <laughs> some life, some some freshness to the are, top of this. Are we going to add in? Are we going to add in? Are we talking about? I'm I'm wondering how this is going to go because I'm thinking you're going to add somebody that's like been in the mid card, uh, been in the mid card for years and has fought all these guys too. But go ahead. Tomohiro Ishii, <laughs> break the glass. <laughs> okay, well, speaking of Ishii, you know, we were, we're pretty much talking about the New Japan Cup. So, I mean, he had the match with, with Okada. And, you know, I almost feel like he's in the same place, but the company year after year keeps getting bigger. But he's still in the same place as the the quote-unquote universe is expanding and, and or the weight of the company is expanding. So it's kind of like... In a way, things are the same, but because the company has grown, it feels like he's kind of, you know, not keeping up with that as far as like the way he's, um, 
been pushed. So I mean, maybe maybe I'm overstating that, but like, just you know, you watch his G one, you watch that match with Okada, and you're just like, it's incredible. Him, him I don't know Yu, him versus Yuji Nagata, That's him right. versus Tai Chi, yes. like the whole New Japan Cup. He was like the MVP, and just uh, of course he's the best guy in the G one. It's just like, yo. <laughs> what, do, what do you think? Like, I mean, what 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 do like, what, what do you think about what his future, it has to be because he's future. old. Sorry, it has, it has to be because he's old. That's a, and and short and he's ugly and <laughs> you know he's of right. a weird it's, body type. Like a, that's that, that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the thing with Ishii, he's just the guy you can always kind of count on. And it's like, all right, we need a, a challenger for destruction in, you know, Beppu. We'll put Ishii versus Kenny. We need, we need somebody to carry the, the never division. We got Ishii. We need somebody that's going to, you know, tag team with Goto, team with Yoshihashi, team with Toriyano. We're going to put Ishii. He's that utility player that can do it all and they can put him wherever they want, but they're not, for whatever reason, they're not, not going to put him in that, you know, main event IWGP title picture. Like he's never going to get a title run, right? Never. No, never, no, no, no. I, don't, no, no, I don't mean he's never going to title. I mean, like, no, like, what is his thing? Like, you talk about like Cody with singles, never. With Kamurishi, with Ishii, it's always was it what are you going to do with him? Never. It's always a never title, always. Right. Yeah. And I think the thing too, it might be with Ishii. Like, I don't know, like, how much of this is like kayfabe and his character. But no, when we were interviewing him in Dallas, you know, he was saying, you know, all I want to do is smash. And so I don't know if it's like for him, like he doesn't care about like getting a top spot. He's like, just put me out there and like let me beat somebody up and I'll be happy. Like I don't I don't want to be champion kind of thing. So Okay. Okay. I never really thought of it from that perspective, but I'm like I mean you can you can smash in the main event, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Smash way up there. Um another guy, of course, I don't know how we've gotten this far on the show and not mentioned him, and I think this is a great way to roll into uh, Best of Super, Super Juniors. Juniors. I mean, we can touch on uh, them in Madison Square Garden as well, but uh, Will Ospreay, like the year 2019, like continuing like Okada 2017, Kenny 2018, and just going to a higher level in 2019 with Ospreay. Like this shit that he did this year. Yo, I, I look, man, like, I, I say never it. thought I, <laughs> say it. I never thought, well, say what? Say it. Say what you about to say. Say it. Oh, I was going to say, I, I never thought I'd be like such a big fan of him as like I've become because like I always like Ricochet more and I always was like, oh, that's white Ricochet essentially. And, <laughs> you know, like, and with seeing what was happening with Ricochet's where it's like, wow fuck and then like you see this guy you know doing all this stuff and it's just like well uh, I was wrong <laughs> he's clearly uh, his own man and uh, I can't wait to see him as a heavyweight whenever it happens but uh, this junior shit that he did last year was like yo I shouldn't even be here but what I'm gonna do is I've got my own division so I got my own set of opponents and I've got my own set of independent work so every every show the man's a fucking Iron Man like I ain't never seen no shit like this. Yeah, Osprey is incredible, and he you know dominated our Keeping a Strong Style Award, won Wrestler of the Year, Junior of the Year, Match of the Year, Junior Match of the Year, Gaijin of the Year, the Fighting Spirit Award. He he cleaned up this year and just had an incredible year. And just look at all the stuff he's done. 
he wrestled in multiple divisions. He was wrestling in the heavyweight division for the Never Title and in the G1. He was in the junior division in Best of Super Juniors and the Super J Cup in the junior tag division with Robbie Eagles and the Birds of Prey in the Super Junior Tag League. Like this guy was literally doing it all. And you look at, you know, the match count, you know, he's had the most, you know, most matches, most, um, hours logged in the ring, you know, one of the best records overall. Like this guy's is phenomenal. He should be in the double gold dash. <laughs> um, I mean, I understand why they decided to do what they did with the double gold dash. Um, but I mean, I think when we get to talking about, you know, forecasting 2020, I think Will Ospreay is going to be talked about a lot. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, you know, to go through, I mean, I guess we're going to get to best super juniors. I mean, what a, what a tournament. I mean, obviously it's not the G1, but still what a tournament. Um, I, I think that, you know, I don't, I mean, if I think the two perfect right people, um, end up in the final and, you know, they kept them separate. Uh, and we ended up where we ended up. I mean, the story of making Will Ospreay into underdog was like shocking in how well it went over to me. Um, I don't know what your thoughts were over at the time were, but um, I just I just could not believe that like they had this crowd living and dying with this white man against <laughs> with, this, with this with this taller white man against. Uh, Sh- Shingo, I mean, this dominant, you know, almost like to, you know, pardon the pun, like Dragonian type of presence of like, <laughs> you just like, dude's just brutal. He's just brutal and cold and like, he keeps hitting you and he keeps coming and like, you know, if it, it felt like at times, especially like the show match, you have to stop the match. You need to stop the match. He's going to kill this guy. So I, 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 I mean, you guys take it from there. Like, those are just my takeaways in the general. But, like, I mean, you also have the, the Osprey stuff with, like, Rocky, for example. Yeah. Uh, with, with Shingo, this is such an excellent job of just building him up, you know, being undefeated and not taking any pinfalls. When he hit that last of the dragon, you knew it was over. Nobody was kicking out. They made him the unstoppable juggernaut monster. And going into that match, I'm like, oh, Shingo, it's going to be a great match, but Shingo's going to beat Osprey. And Shingo. He's going to march on. He's going to have a run as a junior champion. And then he's going to eventually drop it to somebody and then transition into heavyweight. Like, that was my thinking. I, I was like, there's no way Osprey's beating this guy after the way he's just, you know, just bulldozed through everybody in this tournament and everybody in the junior division. Um, so they did an excellent job setting that up and making Osprey that dragon slayer and um, the underdog and just coming back from underneath and just slaying the dragon. Dragon Slayer. Seth Rollins must be upset. That, that's, yeah. <laughs> me, me and Rich both picked up. We were like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another thing about, you know, that story is I thought all along the whole setup, all of this with Shingo was setting up towards an eventual match with, with Hiromu and Hiromu winning mm. back the title. I thought that, you know, all that whole, all of the momentum. Uh, built up a tournament and you know the whole year leading to him being undefeated in the best of super juniors i thought that that was going to lead to him putting down osprey and him moving on and taking dragon lee's title and taking it to you know the eventual landing uh, the landing spot being against Hiromu when you get just you know unsurmountable giant or unsurmountable monster of this division that's just beating everyone and, and, and he's going to take on 
the person ever lost his title and it's going to be, you know, people are just going to be so fearful of that guy's neck, but we're still going to be just as fearful for that guy's neck because you know what Osprey. So, <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 that's what I thought, that's what I thought was the direction, but they went somewhere else and I felt like, you know, I felt like it was just as grand as, you know, even my wildest imaginations were. Um, yeah. So, I mean, speaking of Osprey, um, and winning that title for him to go to Dominion and win the title from Dragon Lee and like, I don't know, is that is that list on your um, top ten? Yes. Rich, I may have left it off, but it's not far outside of it. Okay, it's definitely on mine. Like I, I got to remember that is the match that made Naito and Ibushi say, "Hey, let's try to just break each other's necks to try to try to match try to match it." Let's 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 do that. Like <laughs> that's how good that match was. Um, I mean, so uh, where do you in the calendar and after Best Super Juniors? Where do you want to move on from there? Well, before we move on okay. from as uh, far as like time wise, one thing I wanted to cover before we move on is um, Houston Thunder Liger announcing he's retiring. Yes. So he has the the junior title match against Taiji Ishimori in uh, March on the anniversary show. That's loses right. loses that match in a very great match, and then after that has a press conference says he's going to retire in the Tokyo Dome in 2020, and then we kind of start this, you know the Liger retirement tour and he's traveling all across the world in multiple promotions and kind of having his farewell matches with some of the, the people that were important to his career and some of the pe- people that are kind of the future of wrestling. And so, you know, we got to see Liger wrestle live uh, several times this year and literally be right in front of him in, you know, downtown in New York. So um, just pretty great. Just watching this guy that we saw, you know, in 96, 97 WCW and just the career that he's had and, kind of how it's all ending right now just just so beloved literally um the i always tell the story like of my first like you know wrestling show i can really remember having um you know memories of star k95 the Mm. opener chris benoit versus jushin thunder liger so from the very beginning of my wrestling fandom uh i was watching jushin thunder liger i didn't know he was you know in new japan or anything like that it was just like this is wrestling or whatever. So, um, of course, you learn about, you know, his, the work that he did before that. And, of course, that he went to go on and do after that. And it's just it, it sucks anytime you lose a legend. But, I mean, dude's old as hell. Like, he's 50 he, and he's still, like, good or whatever. And then, you know, there was a thing that famous that of he was always in the PWI 500, like, every single year. Um, just you know, did it through fighting. What was it? A brain tumor before? Yeah, it was a brain tumor back, back in the nineties. Like, come on, man! Like, and then you talk about being the 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 greatest junior heavyweight to ever live. Um, everyone loves Liger. I don't know anyone that's like, yeah, man, I really ain't on that Liger shit. I I I have not met anyone yet. Yeah, yeah. Like, <clears throat> I'm trying to. You know, I'm sure. Maybe not ninety five is what I remember, but but definitely for sure ninety six when you know him, Ultimo Dragon, and and Ray all come in. Like that's that's what I all mostly remember my childhood of of, uh, of juniors. You know, Eddie, of course, Jericho. Um, yeah, I it it was it was weird to see this like it's appreciation. Like I didn't see most of his best stuff because I you know obviously wasn't um I'm, I only got to see you know him in the cruiserweight division um back then, but. Just to see the appreciation all throughout the year, it was like it reminded me kind of of like Tim Duncan's retirement year, in a mm-hmm. way, of just like yeah, 
he's past his prime or whatever else. Yeah, he's been out in the limelight, but he's been on these cards for a while and kind of a mainstay. And like, I, I, in a weird way, maybe if he had retired like sooner, uh, maybe the the fanfare would have been more rabid. But like, I feel like in general amongst the fandom, at least, at least on the Western side, is it's it's kind of like, yeah. I like I remember that dude win and that dude's one of the all time greatest. Um and you know it was it was funny because when they did the Keisha Lager stuff, um I I actually watched I finally watched the uh when he unleashed it on Muda. And like to see that dude once he rips off that mask and you're just like, Oh my god, like even even when he had the mask he was always like a uh, a nine or a ten for charisma. But, like, once he takes off the mask and he's, like, doing, like, this wounded, like, cry pant thing, you're just like, yo, this dude was, like, an 11 with the mask off. Like, I I mean, obviously, he's one all-time greats, but, like, there was even another level. He was he was putting restrictions on himself to make it fair for everybody else, right? Uh, so, so, yeah, like, it's... It, doing it with the handicap. Right, right. And then, you know, you get to, um, you know, the match with Suzuki, I... I thought it was a, I thought it was a really good match, um, but yeah, I I'm a, I miss that dude as you know, kind of like you know the the comfort of like you know when in doubt or you know you see him on the card and you're never just like oh okay I'm kind of you know I've seen this before like it just like this familiar face that was always around and always brought you a level of quality yeah so at this point so I'm I'm gonna miss him yeah definitely gonna miss Slager. Um and then. Moving on into uh, kind of following the calendar year, I think we've got to talk about next kind of uh, two big debuts that we had at the end of May, <laughs> beginning of June. We had we had uh, John Moxley and Kenta yes. debuting. Uh, Moxley debuting at the Best of the Super Junior Finals against uh, Juice Robinson. Um, and then Kenta made his appearance at Dominion. And on Dominion, Moxley also faced uh, Shoto Umino, which started their relationship with him and Umino and the whole shooter uh, gimmick. Yeah, it's funny that like you know they they both landed in <laughs> they both landed in New Japan seeking asylum from WWE. Uh, yeah, I mean we'll take your tired, we'll take your sick, like we'll, we'll take your poor. <laughs> like on this list, you're gonna see uh, when I get through. But like just Moxley and Kenta showing up, and obviously you know he Kenta has more heat than anyone in the entire promotion right now. But but yeah. Uh, that 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 Dallas match. Who do you, uh, who do you face in Dominion? He, who who? Kenta, because uh, I'm blanking on right now. So in had, Dallas, he fought Abushi. Right, right, right. I know that, but who did he face in uh, Dominion? He, he didn't have a match in Dominion. He just he, he just he showed up. Yeah, he's okay. got a promo okay. thing that he was okay. entering the G1. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Because he came out with. That's right. He came out with Shibata, and it led to. Yeesh. Okay, so, um, yeah, just. It's so interesting to see, like, Moxie show up and, like, you know, Juice went out there and, you know, risked his ass <laughs> uh, to get the match over. It was a great match. It's, it's... Which match do you think is better between the Juice and uh, Moxley or the Juice and Jay White from, um, Long... not Long Beach, but from the Cal Palace last year? Which match do you think was better? 
Oh man, that's hard. Uh, yeah, I think I'll take the Moxley match. Yeah, I think I'm leaning a little bit towards Mox, but I mean that Juice Jay White. That was like Jay White's best match that year, and it was just yeah. incredible because everybody just wanted Jay to lose, and everybody was behind <laughs> Juice. It's just a, gr- a great moment and a great match. But yeah, this just a uh, Juice and Moxley match. It was great. It was violent. Um, we saw the John Moxley that we should have been seeing for years, and it was just like kind of like blow like in awe of like what was actually happening it's like yeah yeah like after that match you're like yo this dude is gonna like this dude's going to end up on you know you know brawler of the year thing in the observer like you just know he is at this point like he's going to the g1 you know you know you start thinking like you start connecting dots you're like oh my god like ishii like if shingo goes you know shingo it was kojima he wrestled right uh, to, to go, yeah, go heavy. yeah, Kojima. Like, if he gets that match, or you know, if he goes, like, he can have that match, and you start pointing out, and you're like, you start thinking of all the possibilities after that match. And you're like, we, you know, we thought high of Moxley. Um, we thought that he could. There was more for him in the ring wise for him to do. But once you see it, and you're like, yo, we we were wrong. He he's even you know better than we thought he was. It just it just moved, uh, changed it, changed the game. Um, and I, I thought, you know, his addition to the G1, like, it's just, you know, it just made it more interesting, like, on a night-to-night basis for me as a person that was familiar with his work compared to watching, you know, the next person in Ring of Honor or that would have been brought in or, um, you know, one of the old Yoshi Hashi or... Yeah, <laughs> or, or one of the old-timers that do their last, you know, their last run in the G1. Um, like, there's nothing like seeing somebody like rewrite the narrative of their career like within uh, like a match like or two <laughs> like but um yeah I I loved Moxley in New Japan this year and it was like well another one that Vince just ain't see for whatever reason but uh the rest of us getting to enjoy it right and you know, the thing too with like Moxley's whole debut like so he leaves WWE and it's like you don't know what this guy's gonna do like is he like just done with wrestling like is he just gonna hang it up and then We've been seeing like these Death Rider vignette videos for weeks and weeks on New Japan. And we're like, who is this Death what Rider? What the fuck is, is this? Right. Yeah. Is this, is this, um, you know, David Finley's new gimmick? Are they, <laughs> oh, God. Are, are they bringing in Chris Brooks? Like, who is it? Like, there's so many rumors of who the Death Rider was actually going to be. And then finally, when the video was revealed that it was John Moxley, like, I was like, well, how the fuck does this work? Like, right. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think that's the main thing was you just like how, you know, we saw him in WWE and you saw like how little of a fuck he gave like the last two years or after he got hurt with the elbow anyway. Uh, and you're just like, how is this going to translate? Like, is he going to be okay with, I know he obviously he's the, you know, the, uh, deathmatch guy, but like, you know, those are deathmatch spots as opposed to someone beating the hell out of you. Um, you know, with stiff shots from time to time um, in New Japan. So I, you know, and he trans, he trans like a like a fish, not a fish, like a like a duck to water. So, um, yeah, but like you know, move on to the other side of that. Like the other the other person that they got freed, Kenta. Dude, hey, ho ho. <laughs> I thought that his uh his undefeated streak up into the Okada match was just I thought it was brilliant. I, I really enjoyed like seeing like even though people you know people will tell you like that's not the that's not fully Kenta but like damn bruh if that 
I don't know what percentage that is, but like that's strong ass dose regardless. Like that dude is clearly, you know, in a, was in a bad way with injuries. You know, there were some concerns because, you know, he kind of was soft um, compared to previous years. Uh, you know, people think that's because of the lifting uh, with the shoulder. But when he came out um, and he literally like beat the fuck out of <laughs> Abushi in Dallas is like that was a sight to behold. He's like, like he's kick, I'm here, he's I'm here ass. now. Yes, he's like he's beating up a kickboxer. Like you know what I'm saying? Like what? <laughs> like, he's, beating, he's beating the hell out of this dude. I it, and then I mean for me, uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. So yeah, y'all y'all thoughts on uh, Kenta and you know his entrance in through all the way through the G1. Yeah, you know he. You, made it very clear that Hideo Itami is no more. And just like John Moxley, he was kind of coming back to, you know, salvage his legacy and, you know, save his career and, you know, be the wrestler that he thought he should be. And, yes, you know, he did have, you know, a lot of bad luck with the injuries and stuff like that. But just like Mox came to New Japan, and, yes, it's not, you know, Kenta from, like, 10 years ago. Obviously, he's aged and he's gone through injuries, but – Still a great performer, still a great wrestler, and had a great G1, had a lot of hard-hitting matches in that tournament, and just led all the way to uh, the very end with the, the heel turn. Like, in Japan, like, you know, guys are heavily tied to the identity of the promotions they wrestle in. Like, seeing him come over from um, Noah, which, you know, he has a, a literal whole legacy, Um and, and then the trans- change of environment and seeing New Japan adapt to how he's being received. And that's all like awesome booking. And, you know, he's, I think he's in a perfect role right now. Uh, he, he can be like the number two guy in a unit. And it's like, yo, he's always a tough out. You know, like if this was, um, a baseball lineup or something, like, all right, it's going to be a real physical match and it ain't going to suck. So. Right, and I think he's still a whole ho though. So uh, for <laughs> for turning on my dog Ishii, and my dog will uh, re- get his smoke eventually. And with Kenta, like every time I've seen him, like he's always been better off as a heel, just being like this total like dick, like prick character that's just so cocky and arrogant and annoying. And he fits that role perfectly. So I thought the heel turn to Bull Club was great. And I don't know if that was Gato listening to the crowd or if that was like planned all along. But regardless, mm. like that was a great turn. And now Rich mentioned he's in Bull Club. It was a great spot for him. You know, number two behind Jay White. Um, kind of like that, that guy you get before you get to the big boss and still have, you know, these great matches. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking of like that run and up into the Okada match. And I remember like the Tanahashi match it was so built as like, you know, Tanahashi is just so, you know, nah, no, like here, <laughs> but no, like we, we are not like, we are better than you. We are new Japan. Fucked. Like fuck everything no. that dude ever uh, like did. Nah, ain't no handshakes. Right. Exactly. Right. And then, Look, you know, Tanahashi was right too. Yes. Saw the character yes, of that man. Yes. You know, Tanahashi be letting you know, evil lurks. So <laughs> he, he, uh, and you know, you know me, like, I talk about this all the time, like, whether it's the Okada dropkick or it's Tanahashi just, like, deciding, I'm just gonna slap the, sh- the fire out of somebody, like, and then the match just goes on from there and progresses into, like, these moments of greatness or ma- the, where the magic happens. When they're having an exchange and, like, Tanahashi goes to hit that big slap and just 
Kenta just outpace him and beats him to the beats him to the punch with that open hand uh, palm strike. Just like, yo, like what is this? I ain't never seen somebody like normally <laughs> like. Like I'm used to, I ain't used to the slapper, you know, the all time greatest slapper of all time getting slapped and not doing his shit like this. So I, I, I just really enjoyed uh, that that run at the beginning. Like I mean, and for me personally, like I had tailed off like after probably like night seven the G one, but I end up catching on the back end. But like that at, at the beginning, like I thought that the bills on both ends between um, Kento on, on in the A block and on the B block, Moxie, I thought like. That's how you, that's how you establish. You bring somebody in and you just have them beat people and beat people with credibility. To you, then you can have Okada put them away. You know, then you can have um, was it Jay White gave uh, gave Moxley you can have Toriano beat uh, John Moxley. <laughs> you know, the the G one. You know, j- just another awesome G one for Toriano, just shocking the world. You you want me to turn this off, don't you? <laughs> that's what you're asking. For. Okay, so. I mean, the parallel that we talked about the since we're now in the G one, and we talk about the uh, the parallels of the bills at the beginning. We can talk about the run at the end, where Naito, like in ring results and also performance wise, said, "Oh my god, I, I I am slipping far behind. Let me like unfuck myself and like just go on this crazy run." Um, Do you feel like that was actually the story? Okay, do you think that he's such a worker to where like his perfor- his performance will match like the results of his matches, or do you just think like it just happened to be the right guys at the right time? Whether it was Shingo at the end, Ishii at the end, and Moxley, or, or what do you, what do you think? All his uh, shit Jeremy? was backloaded. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think it was the right guys at the right time. I mean, I feel like Naito, as far as in ring performer has kind of, uh, it's not, it's not been the same. He's definitely, you know, decreased in ability compared to last two years, you know, with injuries. I mean, his knees are all taped up and, you know, having these, uh, flat neck bump matches with Abushi is not helping. Um, and so yeah, he, he's banged up and he just doesn't move the same way, but that ending stretch, he had all the right guys and the right timing and maybe him going over helped too, but it was like the perfect storm there at the end for him. Yeah. Like, I- He's definitely like at this point he, he reminds me of like the the 2012 2013 Dwayne Wade where he's like yep he's going to pick his spots. Mhm. And like, you know, he's still great but it's like Well, Naito need low management. Oh god. <laughs> yes, Naito does. Look, you say that and when they start, you know, start sending some of the big some of the 18 guys over for the New Japan of America stuff. Watch, watch all that travel and that lack of sleep catch up on that dude. Yeah. Like that's gonna be the IWGP champion probably. Like that means me picking his spots as the champion, as a top dog, Rich. <laughs> Boy, yeah, look, maybe a half year. Like look, maybe Kenny had the vision. Like yo, I'm gonna take like this half year off, mm. essentially. Like mm. <laughs> and then I'm gonna come back fresh. <laughs> <laughs> Not so. Nah, I'm gonna land on my neck. <laughs> yeah, you got a you got a point. I mean, um, are there any other uh, are there any other? Well, I mean, since we're in G one, we talk about the the A block at the beginning. It's just like every them going like to every, Dallas and yeah, but like once we get back to Japan, like every other day, it's like 
Ibushi versus Okada. Okada versus Osprey. Osprey versus Ibushi. I forgot what order it is, but it's like it was like back to back to back nights. He's like, yo, this is this is wild. We're just getting runs of you know three star caliber mat or sorry five star caliber matches. At the beginning, it was really hard. And then you had people just, like, delivering in ways you didn't expect. Like, you know, I think... Lance the, Archer. Archer. That's exactly where I was going. I never... You know, Osprey and Archer, that's, that started it off for us, right? That's just... And, and that was in Dallas. Right, was yeah. Like, that was, like, some modern, like, Shawn Michaels versus Big Daddy Cool Diesel, but, like, way more athletic on both sides. Right. Uh, type <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. With Lance Archer, you know, it's one of those things, you know, he was in a tag team with Dave Boy Smith Jr., Kill E Squad. Dave Boy was not happy with his spot in New Japan, leaves, goes to MLW, and that leaves door open for Archer to, you know, get this big singles run and he took he took <laughs> the there- ball. Before you move on, is there like a more ill-advised career move? Like, yeah, you know, I, I'm gonna leave New Japan for wrestling and go wrestle for MLW, where their contracts are written in crayon. Like, what? Why? I wonder why someone AEW, needs to explore this. Why hasn't AEW tried to go get uh um Smith, Davey Boy? Oh no, uh, I, I I think there's a lot of like stuff we don't like know. Like, I remember once I heard about like. Him like getting a fight with Jake Roberts or something like at WrestleCon, okay. and uh, yeah, he's probably got some you know stuff. But I, I think he's one of the their guys that's actually under an exclusive MLW contract. Mm. Oh man, yeah. Oh, so, so what, you think, what do you think they get? They give him extra what, like fifty dollars a month? He gets to be on YouTube just a little bit more. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. Oh my gosh. But yeah, yeah. Back to Archer. So Archer, (laughs) you know, gets that big singles chance, takes the ball and runs with it. Opening night in Dallas in his home state and just has this awesome match with Will Ospreay and, uh, rope walking and just, you know, just, just being this, being a monster and being super athletic all at the same time. It was awesome. Well, you ain't never seen no big man out of Texas like this. God damn it! Eat your heart out, Undertaker. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm still waiting on the on the Lance Archer, uh, you know, uh, Tope Kill Hilo, but but okay, all right. Uh, so I, I just thought about this as you talked about, uh, you know, he leaves and then Archer gets his push in the G1, um, and you know. He was doing a lot of, uh, you were there for that. He was doing a lot of work promotional, um, on the ground in Texas, uh, f- for the event. Um, so, like, is this, is this Gato Spike booking? We don't, you know, is this, like, as if this was another company and the tag team partner was, like, having a dispute and they pushed the other one, we would say this is Spike booking. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I think, Gato's always like both of those guys and, uh, with Archer, he's always, he always worked hard. Uh, but you know, he was just in a tag team role. There was not much he could really do in there. He's wrestling the same teams over and over again. So I think now, like, he got a chance to shine and he did do a lot of work helping, you know, try and get tickets sold, um, in Dallas. And so I think atop of his work and then doing all that, I think Gato wanted to kind of reward this guy and give him a spotlight in this tournament and moving forward. You, you know, there was only so much he could really do being in there with Tangaloa like 60 times in a year. All right. You gonna start talking bad about Camacho. Right? <laughs> hey man, I ain't trying to get no heat with these Tongans, man. <laughs> like, I'm still stuck on like, uh, 
NXT then now forever when I went on there and ran about how stupid it was and they said that this 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 guy <laughs> who's fucking Tongan is actually in fact a fucking Mexican. It's like are you Dude, like, it's, cl- I remember, like, going to some rants, like, dude, Tonga is closer to Antarctica than, than Guadalajara. Let's not do this. This is ridiculous. <laughs> um, I, wh- whatever. But yeah, t- yeah, shout out to, shout out to, uh, to, to GOD. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, there's so much stuff to go over in the G1. I mean, are there any other, uh, you know, people you want to make, uh, make special notes of in the G1? I mean, obviously, you know, you have the, the great runs of Ishii and, um, Ospreys going nuts, going, you know, nuts going in. You have, uh, you know, someone like Saber who had like a nifty kind of year. Tana, or, Boris uh, Tana Johnson! Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, I mean, Shingo in the G1 was great. Of Finally course. seeing him in heavyweight competition. Yeah, yeah, that, I mean, yeah. That, that match with Ishii, man, on uh, from uh, day sixteen on the list. <sighs> yeah, it's on my list. <laughs> on the list. On like, the list. On the list. That that like, I mean, another part that you said with Shingo's thing is like the last night of the uh, of the B block. He had the best match with Naito and Jay White, and that story of Naito, you know. Under all the odds and all the luck and circumstances, and he's not, you know, he's turning it on at the end to get that close and, and choke. In the choke, and when he chokes, he goes out there and has a four and a quarter with Jay White. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it, but in like two matches before, you see like Goto and and Shingo. Was that was that a five star match or was it close? I can't remember. Was that four and uh, four and three quarters? I can't remember. It was just yeah, an awesome. Match. I think I I think I rated it four point seven five. I think. Yeah, it was just an awesome match. It was the cap off the 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 year he had uh, that Shingo had and like Goto, you know, Goto started out slow as well and he caught up as well. Like I think I think in the beginning, like before we went to last night, wasn't he the leader? He was like two and zero, oh, maybe three and zero oh or something like that. Know what I mean? Like at the, going into last night, wasn't he the overall leader? Like, didn't Shingo have to beat him to basically not come out to open up the door for the end with um, Jay White and Naito? I think so. Yeah, yeah, like that was that was wild. Like the LA Dojo, I need look. I need to go holler at LA Dojo. They they get your boys right. I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't, look, I don't want I don't want no smoke with. I don't want I don't want to even meet Shibata because that's that's too, you know the danger, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but he like, might just chop you in the chest yeah, just, just yeah, to see. No, no, take your temperature. I'll, I'll call Kenta. <laughs> I love you, Shibata. You touch me, I'm calling Kenta. Don't do this. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think what are the, what, I mean, there's so much stuff in the G1. I mean, I mean, the way the transition, we can talk about, you know, immediately after the G1, where, you know, the most notable omission to a lot of people was no Minoru Suzuki. And he comes out and he, in a tag match and he pins. Okada, and then he cuts promo and saying like, "You bastards left me off. Y'all off in the pay, and we believed every word he's gonna say." He said, um, "I mean, what do you think of the immediate opponent uh, matchup of him with uh, in London? What do you, what do you think of that?" So I thought it makes a lot of sense. Suzuki is very over in the UK, and he's on a lot of dates for Rev Pro, which is New Japan's UK partner, and he's been Rev Pro champion. He's been Rev Pro tag champion with Zack Saber Jr. So that was kind of a a great defense for that crowd that they love Suzuki they love Okada and that's just you know Okada and Suzuki always have great matches so that was just a, a great kind of main event and a great guy to kind of you know somebody that wasn't in the G1 we didn't really see a whole lot during that time period except you know the undercard stuff it's kind of a great guy to kind of put in there and kind of get us through you know the end of the month and I think it works because like 
in retrospect now, they didn't want to blow uh, an Osprey and Okada match there. Mm-hmm. Um, they always got that in their back pocket. So it was like, well, you keep sliding down. I'm like, well, it's not going to be Sabre. So who else is over in the UK? Suzuki. So, like, I, I think um, they had a really good match. Not as good as their, you know, 2018 match, but still, like, a, a really good match at, yeah. at that. Yeah, Suzuki was slapping the shit out of Okada. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that was the night of slaps. I mean, we got, we got Woozy Kenta out here slapping the shit out of Ishii. Like, it, uh, you know, I think. <laughs> Thinking he wanted to smoke. <laughs> oh, come on now. That, it wasn't even like Ishii, like, hit him with something knocking him out. He got beat, he got basically knocked loopy with the, uh, the German. But, um. Yeah. Oh, uh, he's that dangerous. Even the German suplex, he like he he is he is suplex city now. Yeah, like I mean now, like I I rather have Ishii. Food I mean, rock. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not even a debate here. You know that one even I was getting at. Um, yeah, I mean you know transition on the end of the year. You have the you know some of the tag league stuff. I mean, is there anything else before we even get to like talking about some of the highlights of the tag league uh, that you want to talk about? Um, and that you know between London and was that uh. Not Duntaku. Uh, Power Struggle. Yeah, talk about uh, like El Phantasmo debuting, that oh, whole yeah. Birds of Prey and all that stuff, Jeremy. Right, yeah. So, um, and that kind of talks, uh, so we had a Super J Cup that happened right before right. Royal Quest. And so. Super delay. Yeah. With the, you want to talk about failures that, yeah, that's some of the American expansion stuff this year was kind of a hot mess. Um, but yeah, El Phantasmo, he made his debut, uh, best of the Super Juniors and then, um, he ends up winning the Super J Cup and, you know, Phantasmo, man, just, you know, he's from Rev Pro. He's the Rev Pro British Cruiserweight Champion. And this guy, I think he's awesome. And, you know, he, he has the flips. He has, you know, all the fancy moves. And I know a lot of people think he, they, they don't like him because, you know, he, he cheats and he throws people's hats and he does a lot of shenanigans. But when it comes down to it, like the stuff that this guy does in the ring and the heat he generates is, it's just, it's, it's fun to see. So why Josh don't like him? Probably I, I, he's probably saying Moxley probably don't think he hits hard enough or something. No, I think mm. the problem with Moxley was the fact that he was just like coming in and like steamrolling, like all these top guys. Oh, I don't know. Gatekeeping. Okay. Um, and then with Phantasmo, I think he doesn't like his strikes and the way mm. he sells and stuff like that. But every time I watch Phantasmo, especially in a singles match, maybe it'll come around. It's always like four stars and above. Right. Same here. <laughs> like, even, in, even in the best of juniors, I felt the same way. Like I thought it was quality. Like, I mean, even, you know, I mean, everybody is quality in this company. I mean, we got Rocky Romero, a dude is a manager for, you know, and do, does commentary utility stuff all the time and wacky stuff, um, and the undercards and he comes out and has a five star match, you know, like it, the, the level of wrestling is so far above like everything else that it, it, it is like, it's staggering and, you, and yet, you know, this is just, you know, a continuation of what's been going on for years now. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you know, back to lecture at hand. Um, I think there's a I think there's a real future in turning um El Phantasmo into like making well depends on if he he probably never um makes it to heavyweight um but 
at the time anyway, like if, if we're still going to have Osprey, you know, uh, double dipping, like I think he makes a great nemesis for him um, over the next, you know, year, year and a half or whatever else until he finally just becomes full time heavyweight uh, Osprey. Uh, because, you know, there was always a talk of, you know, um, last year, for example, like he, the, the hurdle for him that he can never seem to overcome was Marty. Now that Marty is, you know, doing whatever, like, I think that, you know, the way that they, they, um, presented Phantasmo made, he, he just makes the perfect, you know, next, uh, hurdle or obstacle for, uh, for Osprey. Yeah. And I think he fits like the Bullet Club aesthetic perfectly. He has that same kind of like cocky swagger that like, uh, um, white. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That, uh, that, uh, that Fergal Devitt had. He has the same kind of cocky attitude the Young Bucks had when they were heels in the Bull Club. So it's like he would fit in perfectly with those guys. And he, I feel like he kind of carries the spirit of like that 2015, 2016 Bull Club where these guys were just over the top, too sweeting, suck it. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yes. Especially like when they all get together and they all do the underhanded, uh, the underhand too sweet. It's like, oh, you guys are, God, y'all. Y'all ain't so shit. Yeah. <laughs> the worst. I mean, we skipped over the end of the G1 where, you know, that tag, Kenta betrays Ichi, and then, like, Shibata, which is my favorite, my, was one of my favorite, like, uh, sub, uh, unintentional funny things is like, the whole story is Shibata left and then came back. And it took years for the crowd to like the crowd in the locker room, including like someone like Tanahashi to like forgive him and like let it like let the water, you know, be under the bridge. You abandoned us. And then like the whole thing is like, you know, I'm in the, I brought, I'm out here with Goto. I'm out here with, um, with Kenta and like Kenta goes out here and he wants to show his ass and it's like, I just got these people to, to, to like to stop. I just got these people to forgive me. You ain't even to come out here and ruin my good name as all the credibility, <laughs> all the stuff I had to do to like get them to come back on my side. You ain't, you are not fin to come. And he comes out there and he beats the hell out of everybody. And then Kenta just, you know, just shocking because I thought he, I thought it was never for him. I thought he was never going to do anything physical in the ring ever again. Um, and then he do, does, does, he beats the hell out of everyone in a, in like a, in much like a, Hulk Hogan after turning back babyface post NWO, like he puts the, the red and uh and yellow back on, and like you got the Steiner brothers is dying to bump like cartoon characters for him. That's what that's what happened. It turned into a damn you know. People are like, how, how good movie. can we sell for Shibata? Right, right. And then you know Kenta cuts it off, and then you know he he ends up you know he does the the crisscross applesauce on the man's chest. I was like. Fury, rage, like I'm yes. watching. I'm watching on delay. I'm not even, you know. I, I I'm heard the parachutes in New Japan. I'm just like this fucker. Like this dude, like was destined to become a uh, a future IWGP champion, but you know, injuries like derailed this. And then we get this hope spot, like the most incredible hope spot ever. And then like this dude, like does the most disrespect. Fuck this dude. Fuck Bullet Club forever. <laughs> Look, I was furious. Um. It, but yeah, like, um, just the, I don't forgot because we got be backtracked on that, but like, but, uh, back, but yeah, we but that, that, uh, that angle, but that angle was, but, uh, but that, we, that angle, that Shibata angle was awesome. I definitely yes. think it's one of the best angles of the year. It won our angle of the year award for keeping a strong style. And it's a great thing to kind of set things up for the future. Um, but yeah, back to Super J Cup. So we yes, had, uh, yes. uh, Phantasmo in there. He won the tournament. We also got the return of Amazing Red. Um, this is a guy who, 
you know, retired WrestleMania weekend. He pulled out of shows and was wrapping it up due to some injuries. But then, uh, Will Ospreay, you know, made a big campaign, um, to bring a red back and wanted to wrestle him, you know, just get that big dream match out of the way. And that kind of opened the door for red being like, I am still great. I can still do this. And now kind of being a, a regular, a regular of uh, new Japan of America. I can't wait for, uh, I can't wait to see amazing red in person. I hope he's on the uh, card when they come to Tampa. Um, just a huge, you know, fan of, you know, the style. Like before it was Rich Lattice Pro Wrestling, it was Amazing, amazing Reds Pro Wrestling. <laughs> I ain't take near a bump, but, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know. He's kind of like the American Shima, right? Would you say? Yeah, in a way, because, yeah, he's a lot of the spots you see today, you know, the, the code reds and a lot of the dives and twists and. Um, you know, tornado conios and stuff like that. Like Amazing Red was doing that stuff on the Wednesday night pay per views on Impact that not many people are watching. And you know, he was innovating the game in Impact and all the indies he was in, Ring of Honor and you know, House of Glory, all these places he wrestled. And a lot of guys, you know, your AJ Styles and a lot of those that class of indie guys learned a lot from Red and took that into you know further in the mainstream. And so he doesn't really get the credit. For a lot of the innovation that he's that he did, yeah, always good to see a legend get theirs. Yeah, so <laughs> I mean, um, from there, uh, I mean, do we talk about power struggle or do you want to move to um, tag league or where, where Chris you... Jericho was here? I, we didn't mention him. Oh, he did two yeah. big matches. He had that. Um, he had the one great match, one of the best matches of the year in New Japan, and then he had the other match. Yeah, so Jericho, like, uh, he came with the IC title. Um, yes. And he did the whole thing with Naito. That was a hell of a match. And um, then he did the Okada match in Dominion. Yeah, it wasn't as good as um, I thought. It was, I still thought it was a really good match, but it, there was a lot. It seemed like there was a lot at play behind the scenes that, you know, kept that match from going, like, you know, another level. And, you know, Jericho's like, wrestling an Okada match. Okada's trying to, you know, fit it to Jericho. It, I don't know if it was a clash of styles, um, but I still like the match. And, you know, I like the post-show angle, except Tanahashi looked, like, really old at the end. Yeah, Tanahashi was like, oh, old man, old knees. Like, I've been sitting here and my muscles have gotten cold. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what that looked like. It's like, yo, this, oof. Oof. But you know, I, I expect them to have a great match um, in a, in a few weeks. I, I, yeah. I really do. Like I, the, I mean, how much wrestling was that? Uh, was that over? That's easily over forty. That's what almost fifty years of uh, wrestling experience, right? Jericho's been in business thirty years. I don't know how she's yeah. yeah, over yeah. over fifty. Over fifty. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and I mean, both of them were top ten. You know wrestler of the year or MVP uh, caliber wrestlers this year. So, I mean, you, simple math, like, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Like, barring injury or... I can't imagine that matches in the classic. I can't imagine it. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you, we talked about Jericho now. Um, we're already past... Um, Dominion, we're past, the matches, huh? uh, Super J-Cup. Uh, I mean, do you want to wrap up with Tag League or you want to talk about, uh, you know, Sonata being put down for the count or, or what do you, what do you uh, One quick thing. I want to give a shout out to the Young Lions. You know, there was the Young Lions Cup that made its um, return this year. And like you mentioned, James with Chibata and the LA Dojo. Again, you're right. We had Carl Fredericks, um, Clark Connors and Alex Coughlin 
um, making their New Japan debuts this year and being in the New Japan Cup and uh, Carl Fredericks um, beating Shota Umino to win the New Japan Cup. And, you know, those young Lions just, man, those LA Dojo guys are just great. And we have uh, Umino who's now on excursion and Rev Pro being Shooter Umino. And we have uh, Ren Narita uh, switching over to the LA Dojo and doing a lot of uh, U.S. dates now. So things going great with the young Lions. Yeah, no one's more uh, prepared for the future, I would say, like as far as like, hey, we can bring in someone from scratch you've never seen him before the new japan like the dojo system works it always has worked and everyone should adopt a dojo type system excursion you know thing it just works like <laughs> like like their, their their percentage tends to work out like better than you know having you know 350 guys and you know hope you get like 30 or something like that, or 150 guys hope you get 10 yeah by like all of them bottlenecking each other's opportunities to get ring time in front of crowds. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, I mean, it's, it's so funny. Like you look at our education system and like, it's obvious that like schools that have less students get more instruction, um, and therefore excel or have a better chance to excel. And then like, you have this this multi billion dollar corporation, and like their their whole thing is we need to make stars, and their idea is we'll make stars by packing the room. <laughs> it's like, I, it's so frustrating. It, let's, not, let's not let's not talk <laughs> yep. about them. Let's not let let's let's not let's let's move. Yeah, let's not talk back. about the, the other company. The, the, yes, the good stuff. Yes, the best stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, all right. So yes, I mean, good matches, right? Anything wrap up the year? Is there anything you want to put a bone on the year 2019 of uh, New Japan, or do you want to move over to um, the matches? I mean, I think we kind of covered a lot of the major highlights. So I think we could kind of move on to the matches now. I, I think one other thing I will say about New Japan, like a lot of the stuff is long in the tooth. Like, of course, like there's going to be like new spots that are needed for guys to elevate like Shingo and uh, Osprey and uh, even Sonata uh, to get put in those spots. Jay White being here should like create some new matchups and even Ishii and none of non-joking matter uh, or fashion. A lot of the guys we've seen them wrestle with each other for four or five, six years. Right. Um, I think New Japan of America is a positive, a very positive uh, thing because it's like almost it's its own other promotion that they have. So like, hey, if you're, we can send you over here for this amount of time, you can come back, um, and we can continue growing New Japan wrestling all over. So uh, hopefully they don't use it like it's in like a, a supplementary thing and use it like just another like division they have essentially. Mm. I mean. I, I agree. I mean, like, there's, there's only so many times I can watch Goto like fail against like a top star. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I mean, I I think. All right. Well, that's why uh, I kind of didn't mind that Kenny was leaving. Like, it was like, yo, all right, he's done like all these. Like, you gotta a, you can get him out of here. That'd be good for Kenny too. You can do new challenges, and right. uh, it would be good for someone to you know like Osprey to jump up because it's like we we need the the rotation. Right. 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 All right, um, yeah, uh, I forgot the part about, uh, about forecasting. Like, move on, like, okay, so what we think are, like, things that we're kind of predicting or you kind of have an inkling on about what we're going to expect out of New Japan from matchup-wise or ele- people getting elevated, people getting, you know, moved down for in 2020. 
So going in 2020, I think we're going to continue to see the elevation of Sonata. Um, you know, he had the rivalry with Okada this year for big matches. He's uh, finally having a singles match at the Tokyo Dome this year, facing off against Zack Sabre Jr. for the Rev Pro title. Um, I think he's going to win that match, get his first kind of, um, you know, major singles title, major win there on the Tokyo Dome. So I think we'll continue to see Hale's elevation this year. Um, I think Koto Ibushi will kind of be in a, a redemption year. I think he's going to fail at the Dome, and this year is going to be like him chasing and fighting his way to the IWGP title. Um, I think we're going to see Evil split off from LIJ. I think he's going to turn heel on those guys and um, kind of feud with those guys going into the year. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Osprey, I think he's going to um, lose to Hiromu and make the switch to heavyweight this year. Um, I think we're going to see Shingo pushed a lot more this year in the, the heavyweight division. So, yeah, I mean, there's so many guys that are going to be kind of moving up. And, you know, they're, once again, the, the schedule's increasing. We're having a New Japan of America shows going on at the same time as Japan tours. Um, you know, they're, they're doing Osaka, Osaka Joe Hall twice this year for Dominion and New Beginning in Osaka. Um, so there's a lot of big shows, a lot of big opportunities, um, coming up for New Japan in 2020. I'm going to predict Will Osprey wins the New Japan Cup. Mm. Um, I'm also going to predict that Tomohiro Ishii has a great, great, great year. And oh, then yeah. at the end of the year, you uh, will see him in some type of multi-man match at Russell Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rich. Thank you. Um yeah, um, I think also too we'll start seeing some returns of young lion. I think uh, Kawato and um, Oka should make their returns at some point this year, and then just some of the other young lions, but probably maybe even going on excursions like some of these LA Dojo guys. I think Carl Fredericks is ready. Honestly, I can see Carl Fredericks kind of skipping the excursion and just kind of come dead. right in. Yeah. Yeah. One other thing. Um, I think Minoru Suzuki turns babyface at some point. That's mm. interesting because some of my predictions, um, the takeoff of the evil, evil leaves Lij, I think he ends up a Suzuki Goon. Mm. I think he ends up Suzuki Goon. Um, I, I, I don't know how they're gonna hold it off, but like, I'm just gonna do it. I think Osprey's winning the G1 next year. I think he is. Um, I don't know how they're gonna be able to hold. I don't know how they're gonna be able to hold off like a dude that works like that. Obviously, you know it can all fall apart tomorrow because he's he's wrestling like you know like it's that match match every yeah. match. But he re wrestles. He wrestles like Iverson played basketball. <laughs> uh, That's funny because I would say that about Hiromu Takahashi, but <laughs> <laughs> there's all of them, all of them, all of them. Um, I, uh, I mean. You know, um, we, we, we've talked about this for about a year, maybe even two years now, like showing, yo, know, like singles, you know, what situation is with that. I, I, I think this might be the year. Um, I think Sonata becomes, um, inter, inter, or IC champ. I think Sonata, like, that's where we, this is where it's leading to eventually. Um, maybe by Dominion, probably. Um, yeah, I think, I don't, I, I really can't even see what they're going to do with, um, with Tanahashi and Okada right now, but I expect Naito to be champion. Um, I think you could easily, I think you can easily like put uh, Tanahashi as a challenger to Naito. Yeah. Like in in the spring at like new beginning, you can have him challenge 
I wouldn't do it at Dominion, but um, I would probably maybe Sakura Genesis if they do that. Um, but I, I would definitely anticipate the Tanahashi Naito match because they haven't done one since 2017. Yeah, like yeah. maybe, I mean, would it be outlandish if it suggested like Tanahashi is the one that, that um, like the first person to come starts coming on these um, New Japan, US, New Japan of America shows? He could. Like, I, I could see that it's like, all right, well, you know. This is what you'll. This is this is what you'll do as your legacy. Like you'll be the ace of this, um, and then like you know, it's time for big shows. We'll bring you back in because it's you, of course. But yeah. you know, try to keep you fresh that way. Yeah, um, I, I can see them do that. What about a mega ace of tag team? That's what I was gonna say. I was like, that's they unfair. Could... That's unfair. <laughs> that's unfair. Like I mean, I mean, it's better than God. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's like all right. So they're gonna be the champions, and then what? They just do we just bury them with the belts? Who the fuck's yeah. supposed to beat them? Well, I think that you you, you kind of create some other super teams based off of that. So you can yeah, find like the NBA. Kenta and Jay you know. White. You can do yep. that. You can, you do, can do, do that a, right there. You can do like Goto and Ishii. Mm. Uh, oh man. You can do like if Evil leaves, you do like Shingo and Sonata. Uh, That'd be fun. Like you can create some other like mega teams like to Will try and Ishii. Like, yeah, Will and Ishii. Oh, so but this time like Will's not the pain eater anymore. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Like they're actually equals this time? Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, but yeah, let's uh let's now move on to um talking about our top ten uh, matches of uh, New Japan this year. Uh, the list is whatever you want it to be. It could be you you know what you think of the ten best matches or what you were your ten favorites. Uh. Josh couldn't make it to be on the show, obviously. So um, we have him on, and we're going to play his his uh, his part at the end of it. Uh, but but yeah, uh, Jeremy, start, let's start with you. All right. So the first three are going to be in order as my top three matches of New Japan and my favorite, and then the rest of that will just be in whatever order you want to take it. Okay. So uh, my match of the year, my favorite match from New Japan is uh, Will Osprey. Versus uh, Shingo from Best of the Super Junior Finals. Okay, uh, can, can you do re, um, can you do a reverse like do ten to or sorry ten to um to one? Oh yeah, okay. Are so, we all right. gonna go on a circle like like uh, ten 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 nine 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 eight 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 or yeah, we can just straight through. We can do that. I'll, I'll okay. edit this. We can do that. Okay. All right. So uh, starting at uh, number ten. So this is. Like I said, like my my seven through ten is in no particular order. I'm just gonna pick one from my list. Um, so I'm gonna go uh, with Kazuchika Okada versus Tomohiro Ishii from the New Japan Cup Day Eleven. Okay, Rich. Um, I'll go with uh, Jay White uh, versus Kazuchika Okada in Madison Square Garden. Okada wins back the IWGB title. Crowd, everyone on their feet, sold out. Just whole building sucked in amazing closing sequence um the ace rides again yeah um i actually had the same number 10 match um i was there in person for it um just just it was just amazing to see uh you know they're you know on the other side of the globe and people are you know from what i can tell i haven't seen the tv copy of it but i felt the same energy watching it that i you would get in a normal um um, New Japan presentation. Um, obviously the crowd did different things, but like at the, at the end point is just like, 
they set this up the right way. Like we do not want, we want one guy to win and this other guy, we are, we do not want to have this belt and we just, they go out there and they kill it. And at the end, you know, right back, right back where we, you know, where it seems always ends up on Okada. Um, now, uh, number, number 10, Jeremy, or sorry, number nine, Jeremy. So for number nine, I'm going with, um, Kazushika Okada versus Kota Ibushi from day 17 of G1 Climax. Rich? So I'll go with uh, Tomohiro Ishii versus Yuji Nagata from the New Japan Cup round one. A motherfucking war. Um, that they, you know, the match got de- delayed. Originally, it was supposed to be on those New Japan America shows. They ended up pushing it back. Uh, Nagata, you know, and Ishii slaps strikes slams uh you know delayed selling just everything you want uh that shit was like incredible yeah um my number nine i'm gonna go with uh, i'm gonna go with jay white versus koto bushi the final of the g1 um, it's a match that, uh, compared to the rest of the list, if I look at the rest of my list, I see, I think, um, bell to bell does not, or isn't the equal, but just the, all the stuff they did throughout that whole night to get to that point, And also when the time he stupidly decides to slap Abushi and Abushi basically hulks up and it, it was a, it was just magic after that point. So yeah. Um, Jeremy number eight. So my number eight, I'm going with John Moxley versus Ishii from the G1 Day Six, and uh, we talked about this when we were talking about Moxley's debut and just what you know a great match, what a great brawl this was, and it's just one of these matches you can always kind of rewatch and just kind of see just how how much fun Moxley's having, and just how truly great he is, and how he should be uh, utilized in the promotion. Um, so up next, I've got Will Ospreay versus Bandito from the best of super juniors. We talk about Rich Ladders Pro Wrestling Super. Uh, this is a rematch of what they did in New York at the WrestleCon Super Show. Um, I, I want to say it was only 17 minutes long, five star match. Uh, loved it. Love Bandito. Yes. So I, number eight for me is going to be Dragon Lee versus Will Ospreay at Dominion. Just, just, Rich Lattice for wrestling. Um, <laughs> I'm not like this is you. There's been a lot of that we've seen this year, especially with the rise of AEW. But like, I feel like this is the best version of this super athletic guys doing a million things all at once. And like I said earlier, like it, it, it was so great. It drove Ishii. I'm sorry, Abushi and Naito to try to murder each other to keep up. Uh, Jeremy, number seven. All right, my number seven is Okada versus Will Ospreay from the G1 Day 7. And, you know, you have the ace versus the uh, aerial assassin, and those guys just literally just went out there and just killed it, and another great match. Rich? So I've got John Moxley versus Tomohiro Ishii, Air Ishii, um, to, you know, try to put this man Moxley away. Moxley was on a fucking roll, and this is the best match that he's had, um, like, either best or second best match he's had outside of WWE and middle of court working hall whole crowd loves it um this is like everything about taking uh, wrestlers and putting them in new environments and the argument for yeah um number seven for me is going to be 
Hiroki Goto versus Shingo Takagi. Just a brawl. Just men being just lumberjacks and, and just tough and physical. And I, I just loved it. Um, and I, I, I get to the end of the show, end of, uh, running through all the G1 matches um on on like a back load. I ended up watching benching like a bunch of them over like two days and I just got to that and I was just like even at the end there's like Shingo still has a bunch of smoke for everybody. I thought it was great. Um nice. Jeremy, number six. Yes, so uh number six I have Shingo Takagi versus Tomiro Ishii from day sixteen of the G one and man, just you won't talk about strong style, man. This is this is what strong style is, and the fight that these guys had <laughs> it won it won our strong style fight of the year award for keeping a strong style, and it's just it's just a brawl, it's slugging, it's two beefy dudes just slugging at each other. It was great. Uh, my number six, Tomohiro Ishii versus Evil from I believe it was Sakura Genesis. If I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, I watched. Well, there wasn't a Sakura Genesis this year. Uh, it was from. Uh, it was uh, in in the spring, right? Uh, I think it was Dontaku or Sengoku. Don't, oh, okay, it was Dontaku. Sorry, yeah. yeah uh, Ishii versus Evil from Dontaku. We saw them, you know, squaring off each other on the tours, and then they get to the match. I think is the best Evil match I've ever seen. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii and Evil. So there's the A side of Rich Ladders Pro Wrestling. I just started like listening to like vinyl records and shit. So there's the A side, which is your flying <laughs> and your, um, you know, your, your million moves and, you know, 150 miles an hour. You're, you know, just, just, just lose your fucking mind. Go do it. <laughs> and then on the B side is this. Tomo Hiroishi beats the fuck out of you and, and takes the, the beating from, from whoever. Evil look like a fucking monster in this match. I don't know if he's ever going to, you know, do that again, but, uh, Ishii's a guy I'll watch him wrestle forever. This was fucking incredible. It was probably one of the most slept on matches of the year. I gave this five stars at the time. So I love this match. Yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, number, my number six matches. Wow. I, I, I'm looking at even, I'm still debating on what I mean, four and five. Uh, I'm just going to do it. Uh, Kota Bushi versus Will Ospreay. Um, in G1. I, I, this is a match that I love because they did at Russell Kingdom and I was dying for a year ever since, uh, the year before in New Orleans watching them have their exchange in, um, Russell, or, um, the RussellCon Super Show. But it was just a continuation of that story of these are, these are superheroes. These flat out superheroes going crazy. Um, it was great. So Jeremy number five. Number five, I have Dragon Lee versus Will Ospreay from Dominion. Um, you know, you have Ospreay coming off, winning Best of Super Juniors, having this incredible match with Chingo, and then having to challenge for the junior title and try to have another incredible match, which they did. They went out there, um, Race Idols Pro Wrestling, killed it. Two great athletes just doing um, incredible moves and end up being a great match, and Ospreay winning the title. Up next, I will take Tomohiro Ishii versus Shingo Takagi uh, from the G1. More on that B side of ROPW. Uh, we all went circled the the day on the counter for when these two guys will finally meet. They so lived good. up to the hype and more. Um, yeah, you real man wrestling like. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, number five for me is Kazuchika Okada versus Will Ospreay in the G1. Uh, as I would like to call it, the uh, uh, the match that broke Dave Meltzer's heart. He, he's so <laughs> des- he so desperately wanted a junior to beat uh, <laughs> to beat the greatest wrestler maybe ever in, in Kazuchika Okada. But no, he got his ass dispatched because junior shouldn't beat fucking heavyweights. Uh, yeah, it, but you know, all jokes aside, I thought it was a great match and. Um, I, I can't wait until, you know, year, a year or two comes out of the line and, like, they're in, hopefully, uh, they're in the Tokyo Dome together and, like, it will be the, it will be the quest for, for eight stars. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, All right, so, Jeremy, number four? Yeah, so for me, number four, I'm going with Kota Ibushi versus Will Ospreay from the G1 Day 5. Much like you, James, I wanted to see that rematch, rematch after Wrestle Kingdom and was looking forward to these days that these guys go at it again. And like you mentioned, it was a great match, a lot of great callbacks from the Wrestle Kingdom match, and I can't wait to see it again. Yeah. It, it was funny because, uh, while making this list, I was like debating, like in my head, like around the world, like, what are my, what are my favorite, like, four and three quarter match? What are the best matches I think that I would, that I didn't give five stars to? So I was thinking about, uh, them a lot. Uh, Rich? Ditto. Will Osprey's Kota Ibushi from the G1. When he did the hidden blade, when, uh, Ibushi was facing him, that, yeah. I'll never forget that for as long as I'm watching wrestling. Um, <clears throat> Masters of the Style. Yeah, um, number four for me, uh, I have this in high, high regard. John Moxley versus Tomohiro Ishii in the Corican Hall in the G1. Um, it, it was just like a validation in like, like catharsis of like everything that John Moxley said about this company that he, the company that he was once in and like their Star Trek machine and how they get in their own way and like the wrestlers don't know their stories and the, and they, they have uh, tuned in their characters, but, uh, Vince doesn't. And then you see, uh, you know, you mentioned Air Ishii. It, it was just, it was just great. Just a, just a slobber knocker. Like I, you know, just, I think it's my I think it's my strong style match of the year. Maybe no, nah, I take that back. I won't say I won't go that far. There's one above it, but it, it is definitely a contender. Um, Jeremy, number three. So number three for me, I have uh, Jay White versus Kota Ibushi from the G1 Finals. I thought that match was just you know, was just a great story of uh, Kota Ibushi having to overcome all the odds and everything that Bull Club was stored against him, and to kind of finally rise above and uh, you know finally win that G1. Um, trophy that he's been, you know, chasing after all these years. So number three, I've got uh, Will Ospreay versus Kazushka Okada from the G1. Uh, what more can I really say about these guys? Uh, it was like an electric closing sequence, I remember. And um, the the match they're going to have, it's crazy, yeah. <laughs> is going to blow this one away. Yes. So uh, yes. uh, one one day, whenever they have it, so. Uh, there's uh if there's anybody that's gonna push Okada it's gonna be Will eventually. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought of it that way, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Um number three for me, Kenny Omega versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, the main event of Russell Kingdom thirteen. Um I thought that the the story they told inside the ring was great to where they have these um different philosophies on how they view wrestling 
And then by the time they reach a level of desperation in the match, they both make compromises and more like meet towards or introspection. They both are. They both meet in the middle. Um, and I thought it was a great story. And you, you get the happy ending of seeing, you know, this legend, uh, this all time great, you know, pantheonic wrestler, like getting his last title run, probably uh, to, to cap off the G1 run. I thought it was great. Uh, Jeremy, number two. So my number two was Kenny Omega versus Hiroshi Tanahashi from Wrestle Kingdom 13. Ditto everything to you, what you said. It was a great matchup. You know, you had the Gaijin Ace versus the Ace of the Universe and the two, you know, uh, contrasting philosophies and, um, it's just interesting storytelling and, you know, Tanahashi having, you know, end up going on, on Kenny's side and pulling up the table and kind of doing the more stuff that, you know, he was against Kenny doing and just this this battle of back and forth until finally uh, Tanahashi was o- able to overcome and defeat Kenny Omega. So number two, I've got uh, Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi from the Best of Super Junior Finals. Rich Ladders Pro Wrestling Nirvana. Um, you see how Shingo had been protected the whole year coming into the match, you know, back from when he entered uh, and he was X. You know, and, and people were upset. It was only Shingo Takagi showing up, um, to, you know, be the last member of LIJ. And then you see Will Ospreay starting to put it all together in 2018, uh, coming back from injury and just, uh, him, you know, overcoming Tai Chi and then eventually getting that never belt and then going through four star match every night five-star matches in the best super junior you can't do a tournament better than this i think like and you know the g1 i like i i i take the super juniors uh tournament a little bit different than the g1 because the g1s has even more variants of style and you know Mm -hmm. things like that but just in a focused kind of you know presentation of like yo a lot of stuff's gonna be similar but every person is going to kind of define themselves. And it's like a Rubik's cube because all these guys are fucking great. We could have easily talked about like Dragon Lee and what he did in the right. uh, best super juniors. Um, show. But yeah, show like, you know, that will never really like get their dues just because everyone's so fucking great. But uh, this match stood out, you know, among the standouts. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're on number two, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Number two. Tomohiro Ishii versus Shingo Takagi. G1 just 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 bliss just just bliss of just it's everything I said about the Goto match except be a level beyond <clears throat> and just Ishii just a master of psychology in the in the brawl persuasion of matches just him knowing when to sell, knowing when to not sell, knowing when to kick one on on obvious like sequence where you're like okay this is a run of near falls it, it just, he's just brilliant, and Shingo is just you know they're they're just like a a perfect fit together, and I I hope they roast each other forever. I hope I hope they both end up in heaven and they get to wrestle each other. <laughs> it's just great. All right, number one for you, Jeremy. So my number one uh, match of the year for New Japan is Shingo Takagi versus Will Ospreay from the best of the Super Junior Finals, and we've been glowing about this match this whole episode. Um, it won match of the year. And junior match of the year for keeping a strong style awards and just two great performers. It was a great story. We talked about, you know, overcoming Osprey having to slay the dragon and just the build of Shingo, which led to the build of Osprey. And just there's so many elements of that match that were great. 
and I want to see that match again with both of them in heavyweight. Rich? My number one match, Kenny Omega versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, Wrestle Kingdom main event, uh, Kenny Omega's last match in New Japan. Uh, watching his entrance to that match, knowing what we know now and seeing it is just a very emotional uh, type of thing for, you know, anyone that's a fan of Kenny Omega seeing like, you know, the music change and everything like that. And I, I talked about it on, on, I think uh, maybe the one nation uh, radio wars, like you do everything. You can move to this country for 10 years. You can immerse yourself in a style, learn the language, but it'll never belong to you. And also Hiroshi Tanahashi, the, the, um, you know, coming from his last, uh, trying to stop Okada from getting 11 and then losing on that one rainmaker. And then he turns to a, uh, fireball literally the rest of 2018 leading, you know, with these two guys, uh, selling out the Tokyo Dome with those philosophies, with those promos that were actually fucking great Twitter that, you know, these, these assheads are trying to send around. All of a sudden, Kenny Omega is not a good promo. It was such a bad well, promo well, that. Um- in North America, you wouldn't know. Look, he was such a bad promo that they sold 40,000 tickets. So, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, you know, exactly what these people were looking for. Um, and when I, what, what we got though in the main event was, uh, as James mentioned, like it was like two worlds colliding. They held this match off for a long time. I was really into it. Should there have been another winner? I don't know. I don't care. I know what happened, but, uh, it was, it was the, it was the final you know the the final act of the best bout machine and, and I loved it. Yeah, um, number one for me, Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi, best Super Junior final. Um, I mean, this match has so much of everything, like uh, of 2019 professional wrestling, of intricate sequences of action and um, athleticism and um, being ahead of the viewer while not moving so fast that the viewer, you know, gets lost in what just happened. Just as masterful, both of them. Um, and you know, we, we talked, we touched on the story. Um, the, 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 the far-fetched story that, you know, worked out like gangbusters, but you know, I, I, you know, I think that Osprey, this propels Osprey, um, you know, in the future, like, Amongst the domestic audience, I believe. Um, I believe that, that I, you know, I, I have a hard time imagining, like, you know, you're a fan and you're, you were some type of doubter of Will Ospreay and maybe some of the stuff, all the flippy stuff or over flippy stuff he was doing in previous years and like see what he has become now and just think differently. And, um, you know, I, you know, Shingo may have been, even though, you know, obviously the height thing, I think he may have been, for much of the year, the best monster in professional wrestling or, or, or whatever you want to call it, like some just, you know, um, immovable force, uh, in the juniors division. I thought, I just thought he it was just perfect. Um, timeless st- storytelling. So yeah, uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to throw to Josh's top 10 and then we'll get back to you. What's up everybody. This is the young boy, Joshua Smith from keeping it strong style. Um, I was unfortunately, unfortunately unable to join rich james and jeremy as they counted down their uh, retrospective for the year of 2019 on new japan but uh james reached out to me and asked me to give my top 10 favorite matches of the year in new japan for 2019 so happy to oblige uh wish i could have been there with those guys but uh without any further ado let's get right to it so starting at number 10 my 10th uh favorite match of the year was Jushin Thunder Liger versus Minoru Suzuki 
And I got to tell you, I love this match just because of the build and the anticipation. This was a blow off uh, that was, you know, almost two decades in the making. And it was something that we anticipated hotly all year long. Um, you know, there's a lot of debate about whether the match uh, style actually um, matched the you know, the, the the build itself and the 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 heat that had been built between uh, Liger and Suzuki, and that is debatable. But ultimately, the match was incredible. It's the, probably the last great singles. Uh, well, actually, it is the last great singles uh, match of Liger's career possibly of Suzuki's in New Japan, depending on uh, whether or not you believe the rumors. And, um, you know, that emotional moment at the end of the match with uh, Suzuki just bowing before Liger, I just really, really dug this. I loved it. And that's number 10. Uh, at number nine, I have Shingo Takagi versus Sho from Best of the Super Juniors. And what an, incre- what an incredible match. Uh, one of my favorite junior matches of the entire year. Uh, this was a feud that had been uh, simmering and building over, you know, ever since Shingo pretty much got into New Japan. Every time, uh, you know, the junior team of LIJ would uh, take on Rapongi 3K, they would, there was always this uh, built in uh, feud of, of the strong guys from the junior division with Shingo and Sho trying to outmuscle one another and outdo each other. And this match was awesome, you know, with, with Sho trying to, um, you know, take down this, uh, unkillable monster and really, uh, you know, separate himself and break out into his own identity apart from Rapongi 3K and Shingo showing him why he's the baddest mother effer in all of, uh, New Japan. This was a match that felt to me very much like a G1 climax style wrestling match, but it just happened to be occurring in the best super juniors and one of the most emotional matches of the year. I really loved it. Uh, coming in at number eight, I have Kazushiko Okada versus Jay White from G1 Supercard. And man, I, again, I, I really enjoyed this match. I was actually there live in Madison Square Garden. And, um, this is the culmination of a, you know, over year long feud going between Jay White and Okada with, you know, Jay White joining Chaos initially. And there always being that animosity and built in rivalry between these two and the eventual, the eventual, uh, betrayal of Jay White on Okada and all of Chaos. And, you know, um, Okada losing the belt at Dominion the year before, losing his identity and trying to reclaim himself, but he never really would be himself again as the Rainmaker until he had that gold strap and, um, you know, all the chips fell into place that night in Madison Square Garden and, uh, just one of the best matches of Jay White's career and another classic for Okada and I really, really loved that. Uh, coming in at number seven is, uh, Kota Ibushi versus Tetsuya Naito from, uh, the New Japan Cup. And there's a lot of matches that were just phenomenal. One of the best New Japan Cups of the year. And these two guys had a trilogy that was, uh, by my estimation, the best in-ring trilogy all year, probably anywhere in the world. But uh, of all the matches they had, I think that this was the most underrated, the most underpraised, and in my opinion, the best match they had all year long. And uh, just violence personified, just a violent, violent exhibition of you know, these two guys fighting spirits and their will and, uh, the rivalry that they've had, you know, for years now. And, um, if you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor, watch Ibushi Naito from New Japan Cup and, um, you won't be disappointed. Uh, coming in at number six, uh, is Juice Robinson versus John Moxley 
from the Best of the Super Juniors Finals. And I, again, this match was so awesome. We didn't know what to expect with John Moxley coming in with the Death Rider gimmick. And at the same time, the story that they were telling of Juice trying to, you know, defend the honor of New Japan and, you know, the history between these guys going back to, uh, you know, their de- developmental days in WWE and Juice kind of taking on a more serious role, cutting his hair, Mox making, you know, ma- having an entirely different look, different style of wrestling and attitude. And this was just violent and, uh, you know, hard way juice, you know, brawling all over the, the ring. This was a star making performance for both guys and just a really seminal moment for both of them. And I love this match. So, uh, can't recommend it high enough. Uh, number five is Rocky Romero versus El Fantasmo from Best of the Super Juniors. And again, uh, just such a banger, you know, Rocky Romero never having, um, main events in Cork and Hall previous to this match. And then, um, him and El Phantasmo going in there and the, the rivalry between them because of Phantasmo's affiliation with Bullet Club and his cheating and antics all throughout the uh, tournament, plus their history with one another going back to the, you know, uh, RevPro. Um, this match had a lot of storytelling elements, plus the fact that Romero was coming in with, I think, like two points and El Phantasmo was undefeated and he just seemed insurmountable in the best super juniors up to that point. And Rocky Romero just getting all of Cork and Hall behind him and finally uh, beating, you know, El Fantasmo in the center of the ring. People were crying. Really, really emotional moment. I uh, love this match and, uh, you know, one of the most underrated of the year. Uh, coming in at number four is uh, Shingo Takagi versus Ishii from the G1 Climax. I love this match. Strong style personified. Two hosses. The moment that Shingo came to New Japan, this was a match I've wanted to see and when i found out that they were going to be uh in the same block during g1 i had this earmarked as a potential uh match of the year and boy did they ever deliver uh the most violent match i saw all year uh the most hard-hitting fight all year by far Uh, i can't praise this enough and uh you know this is one I, i definitely will watch on repeat uh, coming in at number three uh, is what most people probably have as their match of the year. Uh, it's my third favorite match of the year in Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi from the Best Super Juniors Finals main event. And a perfect storm. You have Shingo undefeated up to this point in the, in the company, uh, running roughshod over the entire Best Super Juniors A block. Nobody's been able to defeat him. Just looking... Uh, like such a beast. And then you have Will Ospreay on the opposite end and, you know, him being the, uh, champ, not the actual champion, but being a champion, uh, of sorts for this, for the juniors. Uh, what I mean by that is the fact that he represented them in the open, uh, in the never open weight, uh, division, taking on heavyweights all year and then kind of returning for the super juniors tournament and, uh, literally giving every single guy their best match of the entire tournament and having a banner year, and once these two finally met face to face and were squared off for the finals, you knew it had to be nothing short of a match of the year caliber match. And that's exactly what they gave us. Uh, probably the, the best super juniors final of all time and probably the match of the year. Um, just awesome. Uh, coming in at number two, my second favorite match of the year, Kenny Omega versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. And this was a match that had been protected for a very, very long time. Um, almost two years and Kenny Omega coming in with, with a lot of doubt about his future, his future in question with the company and Hiroshi Tanahashi kind of turning back the clock, winning the G1 climax that year, 
these two guys during the presser and the build just uh, talking about their different ideologies and, and um, you know, their styles of wrestling and philosophies. And uh, once they got into the ring, no one knew what was going to happen. There was a lot of backstage, uh, you know, elements at play. But, man, did they ever deliver. Uh, for me, one of the best matches of the year in New Japan, one of the best matches of the decade as well. And um, just so memorable, especially with the ace uh, regaining the title at, at a ripe old age. I think it was like 46, which is just uh, really, really awesome. And then finally, my number one favorite match of the year, Kota Ibushi versus Jay White, the G1 Climax final. And uh, I, I love this match from Jay White, you know, uh, basically getting all of the fans uh, to hate him because he upset Naito, who was the projected winner. Uh, to him coming out on the night of the match, bringing out the entire Bullet Club after he promised that it would be a fair one-on-one fight, his constant cheating with Gato, his attacking of Kota Ibushi's injured leg all throughout the match, uh, just the little things that he does, and then Ibushi's selling Ibushi's uh, valor and his fighting spirit when he, be- he transforms into Murder Kota. And then those last 10 minutes of the match are just so spectacular. Um some of the best closing sequences of the entire year, um, a perfect match, five stars and, uh, my favorite match of the year. Um, so that's going to do it for me. Thank you guys, uh, for having me on the show. I wish I could have been there and, uh, thank you to the listeners for, uh, uh, indulging me and listening to my top 10 favorite matches of the year. Bye. All right. Uh, I'm sure it's a good list by Josh. Uh, I haven't heard it yet, but I'm sure it's a good list. And, um, thank you, Josh. (laughs) Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it, bro. Um, so yeah, uh, plugs and whatnot, Jeremy. Yep. So you can, uh, follow me on Twitter at Jeremy L. Donovan and follow, uh, my show, Keeping a Strong Style at KI Strong Style. We drop on this feed every Tuesday. And by the time you're hearing this, you've probably would already have heard our, our Wrestle Kingdom, uh, preview show that we're having with Chris Samsa from Voices of Wrestling. And we're going to be going into the Tokyo Dome, getting ready to watch two nights of Wrestle Kingdom. So check it out. All right, so uh, thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate it and everything. And um, and we'll now be moving on to Stardom, two thousand nineteen. Hit the music. <laughs> And we're back for the second half of the show. And for this half, we're going to be covering Stardom's 2019. As usual, we have Rich, just like we had in the first segment. But in the second segment, we brought out the big guns. We brought out Dylan Fox of the Eastern Lariat. What's going on, Dylan? Oh, man, I'm so happy to be on with you guys. Uh, it's crazy how the things worked in terms of recording, right, with the new year coming along. But, man, uh, I was so happy to come on. And hopefully we can put in some good show, uh, put in a good show here, do some good work together. I'm really looking forward to it, especially about stardom. Uh, I got nothing but love for you guys for representing the Joshi scene and the women's wrestling scene really tight like that. <laughs> it's, it's so funny that like we really didn't start uh, covering stardom this year until what? What would you say? Probably like May. I would probably, I would probably say like in the fallout of the uh, show in New York. Yeah, 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 it's true. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, but like, really, for the most part, it was like, I got a subscription January 10th, and then, um, all of a sudden, in a couple, 
on their official Twitter, like, oh yeah, by the way, like we're getting rid of the entire library dating back years in like two weeks. Yeah. So, so good luck with that. So I had to, I started cramming and tried to watch as much stuff from recent memory as I could. I had to rely on like, uh, wrestling on Mikase's like history of stardom show. I had to rely on, yeah. um, you know, some of the stuff I could find on YouTube, Joshi city, for example, to try to figure out and piece together some of the history and stuff to get me here. But, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm pretty informed on like the, sh- you know, pretty much everything since 2000, the end of 2016 to now. Um, I'm sure there's a few things I've missed, but like I'm, I'm kind of up to date and I, I just love the promotion and I love the efforts they put forth on virtually every single card. Um, you, you, you always leave a show feeling like you got like two or three money matches or whatever else or what, you know, got your money worth out of it. And like, especially the Cork and Hall shows that have blow away title matches and whatnot. Um, but, uh, but yeah, let's just let's just go ahead and start getting into it. Um, you know, I don't think you can start talking about stardom this year um, for a recap show without talking about the acquisition by Bushi Road. Um, it's just, you know, it got to me. I I wasn't keeping close attention to it because I'm more or less just not really worried about the politics of this promotion, especially if you're you know you're someone that came into wrestling through WWE and all the promotional and po- political stuff from that. But, um, to see them, you know, get this influx of resources and, and whatnot, it, it, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the future. Um, did Denley have any thoughts on that? Uh, also with, you know, what could happen to the Joshi sh- scene of, you know, after it was already started this year with, uh, people defecting to stardom. Yeah, man. i it's really interesting when you look at the scene in general, because it's such an underreported, uh, scene in a lot of ways before, like you said, now this year, for whatever reason, it seems like through Stardom World and all the, the official channels, even before the Bushi Road, Road stuff came into play, it felt like some people had their eyes on Stardom a little bit more. And the, the Joshi scene in general is, is a bigger landscape. But just for Stardom in particular, Bushi Road buying them is such a big deal because you look at when that same... Uh, technically, this is kind of a splinter group, uh, but it's all under the Bushi Road umbrella. It's not yeah. technically the same group that owns New Japan. Yeah, they Kicks, Kicks Road. Road. Yeah, 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 exactly. But it's all ultimately, it's all under the same Bushi Road umbrella. So when they made it such a big deal with New Japan, everyone knows of it now as this big company uh, doing amazing work, doing great things. But back when Bushi Road bought them, they were really in a low place, and the difference in New Japan before Bushi Road bought them and after is like night and day. Uh, so obviously, I think Stardom is looking at that as anybody would. I think in Stardom's position, uh, there was a lot of politics actually because a lot of rumors were that WWE was trying to buy Stardom. Actually, <laughs> not not just New Japan. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And their their offer. I know you're laughing, so I know you must have seen the story of their offer. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah like we're going to fly Rossi in. And me was talking about this about how like yeah they're going to fly Rossi in and all the girls in to put him into the WWE Hall of Fame as if he would give a fuck. Like yeah, they want to treat this dude like he was a grade A mark, like somebody. <laughs> Not been in the business for like forty years. Like, yeah. come on, like man. he is ja- like he is Japanese. He is not British. <laughs> yeah. yeah, facts. Right now, I, I talk to him when it comes to that British scene right now because a lot of those Brit Reds fans uh, hated on me when I was trying to tell him. Mm. I was trying to tell him about hey, like that's that's not right. What's going on there? And it wouldn't happen that way in Japan. 
And well, we we saw how it happened, like you said. So good point on that end. But yeah, don't worry, man. Pete Dunn told us it was going to be all good, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, man. If you can't trust Pete Dunn, who can you trust in this re- this wrestling like, game? <laughs> yeah, it, it was just crazy because like, yeah, with the Pete Dunn thing, just like, look, man, it's fine. You're getting your money. Your friends are getting their money. That's cool. You don't have to. They're giving you a check, but they're not. They're not giving you the check to lie for them. They're giving you a check to work for them. I don't, I don't get it. Um, but yeah, uh, were there any other thoughts you had on you know maybe the uh, I don't know um, what the scene may look like in the future or whatever else? Because I mean, oh yeah, you know you hear about Sari and where she may go. Um, you hear about. WWE after you know the kicking the tires on stardom and getting you know rejected more or less like where they may go after that like who could possibly be up to gr- for grabs you hear about um Chigusa Nagayo and like where she what, what some weird stuff that may be happening with with Marvelous or whatever else like uh, do you have any thoughts on that yeah you know the the there's a, a double-edged sword to this because when you look at stardom, they have a chance for that, obviously. Uh, the other politics are how much it could affect them in a negative way in terms of locker room disarray because they brought in all of these new talents from other promotions. Yeah. And not only does that hurt the other promotions, kind of, but it also brings an influx of people to your locker room. And your current locker room may not be feeling that too much. You know, It may not be seen as a good thing. So when it comes to the scene as a whole, uh, the po- the negatives of it is that Stardom now has, um, not just through Bushiro, but also their alliance with AEW, that's going to give people, if they want a chance to go to America, because some people, uh, you know, you have to understand, some, some wrestlers, Joshi or Men's or whatever, uh, they really love America in Japan, kind of like, you know, people in America really, like, mark out for Japan or whatever. Oh. And some people are, are so, yeah, it's, it's really do lame. You, do, you <laughs> it's, like, do you think it's, yeah. like, the kind of weird, like fetishized version of America that like that Americans have for a fetishized version of Japan you think uh it's not exactly the same but they okay. they do have they do have like a subculture of that like okay. or like a name a name for people like that I think it's like Yankees uh it's like sometimes <laughs> I start of <laughs> sometimes sometimes the start of Natsu calls yes. uh Saki, Saki yes. Kashima that. Yeah, yeah I thought that meant like delinquent or whatever but yeah yeah okay, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's a similar thing oh, uh, it's, it's kinda, okay. yeah it, yeah it kind of kind of goes together but yeah like mm, see so there's okay. there's a subculture of people like that that really love America but like if you look at WWE people like Nakamura and Asuka they were super into American culture, mm. uh, not necessarily fetish- fetishizing, but that they were super into that. So there are some people like that, but there are also some people that are like, they don't want to deal with America. Like they're, like they're, they're cool with Japan. They don't want to leave. So it depends right. on people. But if you have somebody like that in Japan and they see them in AEW, that's going to cause them to take a second look. And if they want more money and more popularity and more fame worldwide, uh, that's why, and a lot of people also see that too. That even if they don't love America, they see America as the top wrestling place in a lot of ways. Just, I think a lot of that is just the, towards the size of the countries because right. Japan's a lot smaller. Yeah. But um, the, 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 so that could be a thing. Uh, the negatives of that is that they could take people now more easily. That really hasn't happened too much yet. Just a, outside of a couple of notable examples, and obviously one really notable example. Uh, yeah, but the po- yeah, <laughs> the, the the Judas, uh, as, as some people call her. <laughs> uh, but you know, there's also a positive in that. Now we've seen talk from people like uh, Miyu Yamashita in Tokyo Joshi Pro, really, and some yeah, some people in. Not that they're coming, but they've seen talk about what I'm going to say. 
that. You've seen people like Iroha and Shigusa Nagayo, like you mentioned in Marvelous. They don't want Stardom to take off and over and you know overwhelm everything else in the scene. They want to say, and Miyu said something to the effect of like, I won't let Stardom run alone, Ibushi Road or whatever. Like, you know, we're all here. Uh, and actually, if you look at the numbers for each promotion, mm-hmm. obviously the West Stardom is ahead. Like they're the top right. promotion to the Westerners. But right. if you look at the numbers in Japan, a lot of the other companies, like just look at Ice Ribbon, their Ribbon Mania show um, today, as we're recording this, don't, actually no, drew a don't big. Don't spoil me. Don't spoil. Oh yeah, I'm not spoiling nothing. Okay. I'm just telling you that the that uh, you know, shout out to Ice Ribbon right now. So that thank you for for actually caring about that. <laughs> but um, like I said, basically the thing is they drew more than Stardom's year in climax. Uh, you know, just a week ago. So, like, you know, all these other promotions, it's not as one-sided as it is in other companies. Like, New Japan's right. way ahead of, you know, Noah or whoever the number two is. Japan, w- Japan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're way ahead of them. And WWE's way ahead of everybody in America. But for Joshi, Stardom's not that far ahead of these other companies. So if they want to step up, and this could be a, you know, if they, they want to step up, they can reach them. But this is going to give them a little bit of extra motivation now that they have a quote unquote machine behind them that they can fight pretty much. Yeah, like what was the um what's the event that was in the in August in Oz Academy that had the death match between um Uzaki and uh Hiroyo? What was the name of that what's the name of that venue? Oh, that was um that was Yokohama, right? I think. I, th- I think so, but it's a huge yeah. venue. Like yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, some of these places are, you know, obviously because of the because of Stardom World and you know, names like Kyrie and, and EO, like that's, and also Mayu, like that's, it, it's out here on the West side, but like domestically, it's, it's, it's a more of an even ball game. I'm just worried about like, yeah. it's getting, it's, it's, it's getting, getting to a point to where like, you know, is, are they going to just basically like just try to cannibalize the scene and then does yeah. like, uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro, who's funded by, you know, I can't remember, some gigantic DDT, company as well. Right? Yeah, DDT. Yeah, yeah, DDT's getting, yeah, yeah. getting funded by, uh, somebody, I forgot, but like, when do they decide to, are they gonna, you know, be in a situation where it's like, what if, what if ROH decided to, like, you know, flex its financial muscle in the same way, and then you start becoming like it's going to be two labels in Japan. Say, <laughs> I was right? just about to say that. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like my thought of everything how wrestling works. Whenever like some big money comes in on one side, mm-hmm. there's always going to be something else to like you know gather up whoever like you know yeah. Uh, and, and that could be WWE coming back in and be like, oh okay, Stardom, you didn't want to play. Well, okay, we're going to basically try to round up the rest of this place against you. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, it'll, just, it'll be hard, but you know yeah. they'll try. Yeah, I'm, I wonder. You know, Stardom's off the table. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not going to get Tokyo Joshi Pro. Like, they could get Sendai. I mean, you gotta remember the thing about Sendai is Sendai's like a freelance promotion, so like well, they pretty they much only make us out of more. I mean, they oh, already yeah, got her. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> For some reason, you said, yeah, that's yeah, the rumors. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You said you said Sendai, and I thought you said Seedling. Sorry. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right about that. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Is she already on? Isn't she already like uh, getting a check? Yep. Yeah. 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 That's what people speculate. Like, so I, I haven't seen any proof of that, but it's very you can you can kind of add up the evidence, so yeah. to speak. You know yeah. that yeah. that could be, but it, yeah, you know you you were right on Seed. Uh, about them too. You got that. That roster is like five people or something. <laughs> yeah, it's, total, it's, total on the roster. Yeah, it's Arisa Nakajima. Like a fire pro roster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's Arisa Nakajima. It's Nanai uh, Takahashi. It is Yoshiko and oh, um, Nasuki Nasuki Tayo is the ref. 
mean, she, like, and police. No, no, that's Oz Academy. No, wrong side. Uh, and, then, yeah. and, then, um, and then they have a rookie. They just, they just, uh, they just um, made a pro recently. So I think they're, you know, that's their roster. And then they bring in a bunch of people from Marvelous and all around to, yeah. to help fill out the rest of the rosters and bring in also imports. Like, uh, but yeah, literal it's, fire pro. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and their shows are good, really damn good. I mean, you saw their, yeah, yeah. Their, you know, one of their best matches of the year. But like, Nanai was on a tear at certain points this year. But uh. Anyway, back to actual stardom as opposed to the uh, the Joshi the entire Joshi major Joshi landscape. Um, I thought he had a really good year. Um, I, I remember he- listening to Omakase last year, and it felt like the promotion was kind of in a standstill, just waiting for like when is we all know EO's leaving. When is she going to leave? And then you know she put over Momo in a big way, and then we kind of takes us to where we are throughout the year. And I thought. You know, uh, from that not from what I know of that to the way people got pushed, like someone like Konami who was able to break out with TCS, someone like Jungle didn't have to, you know, carry the burden of Jan just being a bunch of pain eaters and her. Um, I, I thought that people, TCS was a huge success this year, and you know, I, I feel like in a way with that promotion, with that particular faction, with that top three in that faction, and like Hannah being kind of like the weakest leader, but like just being the biggest draw, but like not feeling like uh, having to be a leader because you have those big guns next to her. I felt like the, I felt like that threesome was able to just, um, just, just feel kind of like they were all three. They're all like a whole and they're kind of equals as opposed to, okay. So like, we know Mayu's a star, is the leader of stars. We know that Arisa and Tam are the next two in command, and then, like, you kind of get a hierarchy as opposed to, like, TCS is equals. How do, how do you feel about that throughout the year? Oh, for me, I think that they did a great job of, like you said, uh, I felt like it was destined uh, for Hana. That's, like, she's everything they want in, mm-hmm. like, a starting wrestler. And they were able to elevate two people who are a lot different than Hana stylistically. Yeah. But also, like, they, by linking them with Hana, it, like, it elevated them. So it's like all yeah. three, like, you know, kind of came together. It was like, like a perfect match. And they also, in the trios matches, they have strengths that Hana doesn't have in ring. So it's like it all worked out really well. So I agree Dude, with this you. Sounds like. Yeah. Undisputed era. <laughs> no. Yeah. Before Cole took the fuck off. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I can feel that. Hey, that's gonna happen next year. Hana's getting that mega push. <laughs> like I said, after Terrace, Terrace House and all that, uh, yeah. she—I think she's gonna be one of the main people in Starter. But she's gonna be the Adam Cole of, of Starter right now, uh, yeah. for sure. That's uh, that's but, that's funny because like Rich made a great point about like the parallels between Undisputed. Um, but the, another thing that she, she that uh, Tokyo Cyber Squad and Hannah gets the comparison to is like she gets Lij Naito. Uh, compared oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. They get compared a lot. And a lot of the fans that like cuz a lot of startup fans in New Japan, there's actually a pretty solid crossover. Okay. Uh, among them. Uh so whenever they, you know, I I see fans of both, they always compare those two, Hana to Naito and LIJ <laughs> to TCS. So you you were right on the you were right on the button with that one. Good job. Yeah. It's also it's also good with that comparison because like, you know, like Jungle and Konami are like the two better wrestlers out of out of, yeah. out of, out of, out of three the same way to like this year like you have Shingo and Hiromu and they're yeah. the wrestlers at Naito at this point. Like lots of parallels. Lots. 
Oh um, man, I, I hope you don't get people trashing you for that take because you just you just spoke facts to people right now. But a lot of hey, people don't want to hear it about Night hey, One thing about us, like <laughs> we gonna put our name on it. So yeah. <laughs> like, like, I look, feel you, man. Yeah, we exist in this space. We talk, have to talk about like institutional racism in the wrestling world, like yeah. almost every, seemingly every other week. Like, so I'm not oh, I'm not concerned about some Lij marks. I'm not really yeah. concerned at all. <laughs> hey, what, like, so shout outs to that already. Like, so that's a that's a double good point right now. You know, y'all are already in the <laughs> in the thick of things with your yeah. normal stuff on there. So I, I feel yeah. you on that. But uh, it was a great comparison, though. And compared to Stars, I think the thing with that is, uh, I think that they actually, like you said, there's much more of a hierarchy because Mayu is always going to be, um, at this point, maybe next year you could see Arisa take that step forward. But as it is, Mayu is always going to be above the others. And Arisa... She carried herself in a certain way as well. But then they pretty much separated them uh, for the rest pretty much the entire year until the tag team with Tom Nakano. Because if you remember in their match, Arisa won uh, pretty easily. And Arisa was much more of a competitor uh, in terms of the you know the five-star Grand Prix, although Tom did a great job of that as well as Mayu. Uh, but they really separated them more than in Tokyo Cyber Squad. And also I think the thing with Stars is they're more similar as wrestlers than Tokyo Cyber Squad is. It's more like they complement each other, and stars are just like, they're all great in their own way, but they're more similar stylistically. And at TCS, you have all sim- separate types of people in there, which I think is really mm-hmm. cool. But I, I, I got one question for you. Uh, if TCS is LIJ or Undisputed Era, who is Death Yamasan <laughs> in, in that hierarchy? Um. <laughs> See the thing is, it'd be hard for me to say this because, like, I like Def Yamasan in her high speed matches a lot more than Bobby Fish. But I guess she would have to be the odd person uh-huh. to be Bobby Fish. Yes. Nobody wants to be Fish. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> nobody. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, and she kind of actually has um, the couple times I've seen her, she had like a kind of out there nature like Hiromu does. I, I wouldn't compare her to Evil or Sonata like charisma wise. Yeah, she would actually yeah. be kind of more like Hiromu. Yeah, that's yeah. a good that's a good comp. Yeah, yeah. Like I remember when she. I mean, obviously, I saw her in Jan doing the you know um, being basically the third, um, the number three for Jan or whatever else. But like once they brought her in, and then like she dresses up like Gene Simmons from Kiss, and then like yeah, all she says is deaf, deaf, and you know, and then they put her back in the high speed uh, picture, and like she's having killer matches with um, with Hazuki and you know and whatnot is like. This, you know, obviously she has her own promotion in YMZ or whatever else, but like her just coming in, like also you can all say the same for for Natsu, but like them coming in, like they just add to, they just they just help add in, like with, not just with bodies, but like with personality. Right. Yeah. T- totally agree with that. I think this gimmick must have came into play probably at like a four a.m. after a YMZ show. <laughs> She was uh, she was at the bar, you know. Like I said, she she couldn't control herself, and somehow she just came up with this Death Yamasan gimmick. When Kiss hit the hit the speakers on the jukebox or whatever, she was like, "I have a great idea for a gimmick, guys. Like, let yeah. me do what I want." Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, given her given her like elaborate, prolific. Uh, career as a comedy wrestler she's probably at the point where almost like when it comes to jericho she's like yeah hey i, I bet you five dollars i can do some shit out here and it'll get over and then she's like all right i bet you five dollars what you gonna do dress up like that guy on that album cover on that t-shirt all right 
And then next thing you know, like I got you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just like when Jericho was out here getting it over it. Oh what? yeah. 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 So um, I mean, not taking off from stars. Uh, I mean, I guess the next way to go at that point it would be. I mean, I guess we'll save audio tie for last. But Queen's Quest. <laughs> I mean, I feel like they're in a they're they're in a solid space. If they're like the most stable group amongst the amongst the factions or whatever else like you just have tcs it just came to fruition in, in april stars with tam and orissa always going back and forth um and mayu not really being that good of a leader but being okay uh and then with Oreotai and who knows what the future holds for them now with the two retirements but um I feel like when I came at the beginning of the year, like I immediately attract attached myself to Queen's Quest one because that's EO's old uh faction and then two was like they just had a stable of just knock out knock knock down drag out workers. So it was like when they come in and they have uh Momo and B and Utami and and at that time um Konami and and the young girl in in Azumi, you're just like yeah, they're just they're so stacked and like it's just just a bunch of tweener slash you know tough heels or whatever you want to call them depending on the situation. They just come out there and they just rustle their ass off. Like, what's not to love about this group of women? Man, you just summed them up pretty, pretty much. <laughs> like I said, you 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 told the truth right now. To me, uh, Queen's Quest they're kind of underrated, like among a lot of starters fans, because I think a lot of people kind of venture towards the like this. I think. Tokyo Cyber Squad and Oedo Tai yeah. have the characters that yeah. people, you know, resonate with. But mm-hmm. if you want to talk about wrestling, it's like Momo, her white belt run was like legendary. You could call that one of the best title runs of any title in stardom. Uh, obviously, that came to an end this year. But, you know, you look at this group up and down, Azumi to me was one of the highlight people of the five star Grand Prix. If you look at her mm-hmm. matches, yeah. Uh, such a you know such a young performer, all the f- brightest future in the world. B with the red belt run, uh, you know they and Utami, you know she she's kind of like she was the super rookie. Uh, eight matches in, she was having like four or five, you know four four and a half star matches or whatever you want to say right. and stardom. And this year she had the injury, obviously that kind of took her out of the tournament. Two but yeah, yeah, the tur- yeah. And but she had some great matches in and out. Uh, even on the New York show, her match that was like one of my worst moments of the year. Uh, you you told me about the failures we were going to talk about, but right uh-huh. now the biggest the biggest failure has to be when they cut off the feed during her and Momo's match on the New York show. I, I was wow, like, I didn't know yeah. that happened. I was there, so I, I mean, I guess I looked. Yeah, so you, yeah, wow. same yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, the, the, the something stream. They didn't cut off the feed, but the stream got messed up during that match. The live oh, feed. Wow. I, yeah, if you look back, you can see them on their Twitter profile talking about that. Like, we're sorry, and I was like, no, like when that happened, oh, uh, it was man. horrible. Y'all were yeah. lucky. Y'all saw the full match live. Yeah. <laughs> See, but um, yeah. I, yeah, but anyway, uh, Queen's Quest, uh, they're, they're a really good group. I think, they're, like I said, kind of underrated because of the lack of the big characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Momo and Utami, uh, you know, they're more like straightforward, so to speak. I think Uz- yeah. Azumi could really have that character if they let her go. But yeah. uh, I really think it's a well-rounded group in terms of the in-ring, and I, I really like them. Yeah. So... I think we gotta give B some love too, cause. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna ask you. Like, where, 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 where is, what are your thoughts on B compared to, you know, you're, you're in this, you've been in this for a long time. I'm more new to it. And then like, yeah. I, I kind of did not watch, I didn't watch any stardom until this year, aside from a couple matches I saw of Kyrie. Um, just, you know, cause I was, I, I'm a huge fan of Kyrie's. Um, but 
like what what is your thought of like the 2019 she actually had compared to the 2019 that AEW fans that don't see her that often have of her or the or like for flat out the Joshi gatekeepers think she had well to me you have to look at her compared to where she started at and I know you might you guys might not have seen that but when she started she was uh, pretty bad and I she's heard. really approved yeah right. yeah yeah, she's she's really improved, honestly. I think her ti- like her match where she won the belt mm-hmm. versus Kagetsu was a really strong match. I uh, like yeah. way uh, uh, kind of underrated, uh, yes. overlooked in the year. Um, and some of her matches, uh, her match in August, I think it was the same show that had the Jungle and Arisa match. Uh, I forget yeah. who she faced. It might have been Kagetsu. Yeah, it was Momo. Okay, yeah, see, there you go. See, that was another really good match that she had there. Uh, I think she brings something to the table in terms of her her personality. Uh, She's a a solid worker. She's not the best wrestler in the company. I wouldn't even try and fool you with anything like that. But, you know, you have to consider her experience level, where she was at, her skill set. I think she did as good of a job. If anything, if you want to criticize her, your criticism should be more towards the company pushing her over perhaps other people. But not on her because I think right. she did as good of a job as she could in her role. She she was fine as red belt champion. She wasn't uh, terrible at all. I thought she did a fine job. Not not bad at all, and well improved from where she was. So uh, shouts out to B. You know, I, I got to give her some credit there. I always thought it was funny how um, every time she would get introduced, she would get one streamer, zero streamers, (laughs) two streamers. And then eventually her and Jamie started getting hip to the game, and she started, you know, collecting the streamers to to throw them on herself, which (laughs) popped me insanely. Uh, But, yeah, I I thought B was just a a fast-paced, explosive wrestler. Uh, when I watched, you know, wrestling with guys, those are the things that I look for, and I've enjoyed her pretty much all year. Do y'all think that maybe, like, because she smashes Osprey, that like that gives you know people double criticism towards her, like they're automatically against her? Well, I mean, there's you know obviously there's um there's white girl in Japan hate right yeah, um, that kind of so, heat like she has that kind of heat she has you know Gaijin heat which is you know I mean that always comes with the territory of you know like we don't. We don't want you to step. We don't want you to co- kowtow to this incoming fucker. When I've been watching this promotion and watching these women bust their ass and kill each other for years, for you to just bring this woman in after months and to win the top title in the promotion, I understand that. Um, but like the way you would hear people talk about her compared to like the vast improvement she made, like I feel like you know the three most improved people in the promotion this year from last year at any point to this year would be like Tam, her, and Arissa. So it's like yeah. I don't get the, I, I'm watching it. I don't, obviously I didn't see her much of her in 2018 because the, the catalog got wiped out to like November of last year. But from what I've seen, like she's about as good as anyone, like especially her, her, her Grand Prix, her Grand Prix is one of the better Grand Prix in the year. Like I was actually like wrote out like star ratings for this thing. And like her average yeah. star rating was like about, it was like a top five, top six star rating in the tournament. So I don't, I never really got the, why people disliked her so much aside from, she, you know, what we just discussed about her being new and her being so bad at the beginning or whatever else. Uh, I, I just, I was kind of like, uh, I mean, I understand, but like that things have changed. We have new data now. Yeah, yeah. I think people gotta gotta take that into consideration, yeah. especially, and, and just can't get married to uh, the stuff that you know happened before a whole year ago. <laughs> yeah, 
And Rich, Rich, when we were covering earlier in the year, covering for Stardom, made a great point about like the another problem that she was having was that she was having like you know like almost four star matches while Arisa was going out here cranking out four and a halves on a monthly basis oh, yeah. in Corican for her title defenses, and you know like some of the better title defenses that that B had was like the Sapporo show um, against Konami that's like four flat, but like it's not at Corican Hall. So I felt like, so, you know, people are just more or less like coming in and just like cherry picking like, okay, well, I'm just going to go to watch their pay-per-view more or less. And you see B have good matches, but then you see Arissa, you know, a lot of times second from the top, like outshining her that that's going to, you know, that's going to basically make you think differently than, than what reality is. Yeah, see that that was kind of uh, where I was going at. If you want to blame somebody, put the put it on the promotion, not right. really her, because it's not her fault that like Stardom's roster is so talented. Like to me, uh, I I really didn't have her that high, but I also mm-hmm. don't think she had a bad tournament either. It's just the fact that all these other you got like twelve or thirteen people, <laughs> like averaging over three and a half stars or something in the tournament right. uh, on my board. So it's like you know if you're gonna drop down, you say ah. Yeah, she doesn't deserve it over these people. But you have to consider the talent level is so high there that she fulfilled a role. Like, they, they didn't push her because they said, you know, B is the, like, way better than all of your Japanese favorites. Uh, it was, you know, it was, it was just that, you know, like, look, like, we have a role for her and we needed somebody to pass the torch off of Kagetsu and her. Because remember, Kagetsu had a long red belt reign too. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. they didn't want to go right to Mayu. Right then, so they needed somebody right. to pass the torch along a little bit from, or bridge the gap from Kagetsu yeah. to Mayu. Uh, so you have to really consider that, and I think a lot of fans aren't really fair. I, I actually agree with you. Yeah, uh, to be honest with you on that. And I think when you talk about the Mayu thing, like I think they did a really good job with like B being the champion and being the person that like held the title until it was time for Mayu to win it, and they held it off very exactly. well with Mayu, and at points where I was I was getting frustrated, like, I know how we were just talking about the LIJ Naito marks and how they've been holding off his big win and the two-title thing at, at New Japan I'm sorry, and um, for the double dash thing, and then him losing the G1 this year, not even making the final to Jay White, like, when she lost that match, um, she lost the basically the the, the block final to Momo in, in Corican. Like, I, like the, I mean, obviously, I, I end up getting spoiled. Um, thanks, Jim Valley. I end up getting spoiled on who won, uh, who ended up winning the Grand Prix. But like watching it, I didn't know who made the final. So while I'm watching, I'm like, or sorry, I'm sorry, they're in the same or same block. But like going into it, had I not known that, I would have been like def- totally deflated, knowing that like, oh my gosh, she. I thought this was the all this was leading back to like she was going to you know, win the, after losing the Grand Prix last year, she's going to win it this year and then like actually win the title back. And then like, really they, what he did was, all right, we're going to send or Hannah's the hottest. We'll have Hannah win the thing. And then she'll send Hannah, uh, packing, which make you super mad, which will ma- then make it to where like, when it's time for Mayu, everybody in the world will want Mayu to win this thing. Uh, yeah. so, so that was, I mean, that was smart booking more restraint than I would have had. But like at the time, last year as a fan, I was like, Wow, like I can't believe that she failed again. Maybe like this is just where she is because of injuries, and she's gonna be just you know around doing utility work as a top star. That sounds weird, but maybe that's what it is. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they gave her, they, she's the top champion yeah. <laughs> at, the, at the end of the year, pretty much. But yeah, yeah. you know, I, I also like I said, I really think ultimately be her. She's never gonna be able to overcome like 
the stuff on Twitter, yeah, like with, with Osprey and all that, because I think people are automatically against her for that. that that's just my yeah. take. I may be completely yeah. wrong, but I, oh, you know, hey, that's there. Yeah, well, that's definitely there. Especially like people, people love to blame women for like the dudes that they date being foolish in a yeah. way that like does not happen when women, you know, say something foolish online and like you attach whatever uh, you know beef you have with the woman to a man. I, it's, it's the stupidest thing. It's like whenever like a quarterback is like dating some some famous woman, like and they don't do well. It's like oh well, you know, at the at the household, huh? blah 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 blah. It's like no man, like you're you're hey, bugging I, the fuck I, out. I, I was that guy with Romo back in the day. I was uh, so when he, yeah, exactly. Oh, when he was God. Jessica Simpson. So, like I said, I I can't criticize these fans right now because oh, I've been in those yeah. shoes. Okay, but, <laughs> but, just, you, shut up. but that was like 2006. You should say like, yeah. look, I've grown. I've learned to error my ways. That's, you, look, you you get there's like, always it, a road like, to it's damn near two decades later. That's what that's <laughs> yeah. What I'm, I'm, st- I'm I'm still holding that against him right now. You, even you, even as a commentator right you, now, I, I I can't take it, man. You still mad about him and uh him and her and Witten going to Mexico for that during their bye week? That's what it is. Oh, nah, I think, I think the, yeah, I think the yeah. Hey, listen, hey, I'm I, I, this is a totally different sport. I'm jumping to a different sport now. But yeah. the NBA, Chandler Parsons, I was a Memphis Grizzlies fan when uh-huh. he went to Mexico with Belly, Bella Thorne. Oh, I was God. done with that dude. I was done Bro. with that dude. He's right. going your heart anyway. Scam the Grizzlies, right. yeah. I, yeah. Hey, <laughs> then, then, you're, you're gonna anyway. give me a. Yeah, you're gonna give me a brain aneurysm right now. Even I don't know. I never wanted to get to Chandler Parsons ever in my life, but and we've come here all from B Priestley. So how did this happen, people? But that's what it's about right now. See, that's what this show's about right now. But uh, yeah, you know, I, if you did want to give some legit uh, talk about B, it's that um, she did have her little thing with Sadie Gibbs and all that. Uh, on AEW and the Britt Baker thing, but that was just an accident. People like went way too far on, on yeah. all that. I feel like you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Like that yeah. wasn't really fair. They're not really fair sometimes to, to any of these people, like wrestlers and stuff like that. In my opinion, a lot of yeah. people are kind of like too harsh sometimes. Yeah, I think I think another thing with the AEW thing is like they're so used to women's wrestling in WWE and women's wrestling in WWE, and frankly, uh, you know, before you know. NXT became kind of like a hired gun promotion or whatever you want to call it. Like the style was so, or I don't want to say soft, but like it was not hard hitting. So Mm. like, so you definitely don't see that with the women. Like, I mean, aside from like Charlotte or whatever else, when she, you know, gets her mouth busted open or whatever else. So like to see, to go from, you know, a promotion where women are hitting each other, not, not necessarily as hard as like, you know, seedling or anything but like they're hitting each other hard on a consistent basis compared to what you see in america and then britain's of catching a cushion like people probably were taking it back it's like oh my god it's like dude i hit and like b's probably like i hit people like that harder like all the damn time what what's the problem uh, <laughs> yeah like i said i, I but of course you just... can't come out and say that so right <laughs> like look I, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm out here abusing these japanese women you, like you can't you can't be saying that right yeah. you're right yeah facts um, but yeah, I mean, I guess we can move on from B and the, and the Queen's Quest talks. I mean, I just love, the, I just love them, and I hope that uh, I hope that eventually, like, either they finish the storyline out of Azumi or Starlight Kid is the is the next will be eventually the next high speed champion. Um, yeah, I mean, now I guess we can talk about Oedo tie and get to the main event now because. <laughs> I don't know if this, I don't know if this faction is going to exist. I don't know if it changes. I don't know who's going to be the leader after all this. Uh, wh- what are your thoughts on this, Dylan? 
Oh man, it's just wild, right? Right now, everything that's going on, and they are already were kind of like they lost somebody with Miyagi, uh, right. and that really didn't work out just in their own booking, not necessarily leaving. Like, right. and then you have Hazuki, and then Kagetsu like leave it right away. Uh, so it's kind of crazy, uh, you know. It just feels like this group was uh, they had their own aesthetic, and it felt like to me, just honestly, that they were kind of getting toned down, regardless, because you you know, look at how they're arc of their story is went they lost the dance and like that's what yep. they that was something that was popular with them kagetsu lost the red belt mm-hmm. and they, they've kind of been on a little bit of the background in terms of booking uh and now you lose three people uh we just saw it last year you mentioned them earlier with uh, jungle assault nation which right. I, that that was really heartbreaking for me i was, I was such a big fan of that group uh like <laughs> jungle the, kiona lovable losers yeah. huh yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, like I said, listen, I, I just told you I'm the Grizzlies fan, so I'm, I'm with the underdogs right now, okay? Uh, they, they were the Grizzlies of Joshi <laughs> right now. Uh, you know, you know. but now, uh, Awaito tie. they did the thing where they broke them up at the draft. We don't really know what Bushi Road's thoughts are on the draft concepts because that's something that's real unique to stardom. You know, no other mm-hmm. company really does that with the factions draft. Mm-hmm. Uh so I don't know if they even want to keep that or they're going to cut it out, but they should. to me, they should keep it just because of the interest it builds. It's something that the fans believe in, both in Japan and in the West. I feel like a lot of the Western fans really believe in it. Uh, so if they were going to do something similar now to where it's time to cut you know, ties, somebody's got to lose ship or whatever, uh, Oedo Tai needs to be the one to go because they're just in a little bit of disarray right now. Unless my only other alternative theory is that Natsu takes the reins and leads the group because uh, uh, Natsu is very amusing to me. I'm a very entertaining performer. So if they wanted to give Natsu her own crazy group, I'm into that. But otherwise, I think they're probably going to be uh, on the outside looking in. Uh, and aesthetically, I just don't think they're what uh, what Bushiroad would want. If you look at how they book New Japan and their factions, as well as the other three in Stardom, I just mm-hmm. think they kind of they kind of stick out a little too much, and they're going to try and re. I, I'm not going to say they won't have a fourth faction. I just think that they're going to kind of switch the pieces around and rebrand. Maybe somebody jumps ship like an Azumi or somebody like that. It, it takes over a faction, but uh, they're going to try and do something a little different. I think the way to tie, and it was so different from what it started out originally. I, and I don't know if you how much you guys know about this, but uh, originally it was basically like uh, this wrestler called Akiyasukawa, oh, and it was yeah. like all, the, all yes. her... The person yeah. that, that Kyrie's now a cosplaying as now. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> e- e- even down to the even down to the face markings now, right, too. Right. Yes, so, uh, facts on that. I never even thought about that. It's crazy. Like, now that you mentioned that, it's totally true. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I never even thought about it. But, um, yeah, so it was her and all her, like, you know, uh, foreigner friends, and there was some ideology there. Uh, that we, we don't need to get into. It would take, take too long. But more so, it was totally changed when Kagetsu took over. Right. And now everything's a lot different. And, you know, it just feels like it's time for that to kind of lay low. And they, they can rebrand and do something a little bit different going into what, the new year. What do you think about Julia possibly stepping in either as a faction leader or an Odeo uh, Tai leader? Um, this is something I've kind of like peeped online is like people are feeling like the wagons are circling for Julia to basically uh, get a, get something made in her image. Yeah, you know, see, that that's another one where I think the outside the ring, similar to me, is like that's going to follow her for a lot of people for a while. Because uh, you've seen a lot of the reactions to her stuff hasn't been too positive uh, ever since she's gotten to stardom. 
but you know, when Ice Ribbon, she was such a talent, talented wrestler, so I can't hate on her too much on that end. In terms of being a, a faction leader, I think, I mean, if she has really everything you want out of a, a star, and like and what Bushi wrote would want out of a star, she's got the look, she's got the, the charisma, the in ring. She's still really like young. I don't want to say green per se, but she's still, you know, she hasn't reached her peak yet in, in the ring. So she's got room to grow and she's got everything else down. So she would be a perfect fit as a leader of, again, a way to tie has really kind of lost its way in terms of the ideology of it. So if they wanted to put her in or just have her start her own faction, she's a, she would be perfect, I think, in this roster because she has the aura and the way she carries herself, I think, is one of the – to me, she's already one of the top in the company in terms of how she carries herself as a star, in my opinion. Yeah, like I – that was my first thought with the Julia thing because, like, and I don't, you know, the people that are saying, or I guess people that are online saying that, like, I guess she's a rough wrestler. Like, I, I mean, I've only saw one match, her match with Maya Yuki from earlier in the year. Um, that was an awesome match, too. That was an awesome, brutal match, right? That, that actually built like a, you know, like built like a main event match in, mm-hmm. um, in most places anyway. And, you know, I see her Azuki match. I loved her Azuki match. I, probably would have went four with four flat forward. I had liked, I really was impressed with her match with Saki. Cause I think Saki's only good. Um, and then I saw her match with Hannah and though I didn't like it as much as the two matches I just talked about before. Like I recognize it. Like Hannah's a brawler at heart. Um, yeah. So true. like, I thought, I think she, you know, from what I've seen of her, she fits right in with the rest of, with the rest of the women that are on the roster. Like, is she Mayu or Kagetsu as a wrestler? No, but like those are the top two. Um, <laughs> so, so for me, like I, I could see that, but and you see where the way they're positioning her now, like that's kind of what it seems like they want for her. But and so I, I don't really mind it. Like I, I, I see the, I, I believe in the goods as much as Bushy Road does at this point, or you know Rossi slash whoever else you want to throw in there, Kadani. <laughs> Yeah, all of them. <laughs> probably all of them probably see that. That's right. why that's why things worked out how they did, yeah. <laughs> pretty much because they really wanted her. Yeah. And, you know, the talent's there, the look's there, the charisma's there. I, I think you're so right about – I actually said that same thing on the my most recent uh, Pure Heart show uh, mm-hmm. about Joshi Wrestling. I said that same thing about Hana. It's like her style, she's much better as a brawler. Than a, than a pure wrestler and I think Julia could fit that same image but uh, they both have the character behind them too and I, I think that's really what they look for especially if you're going to be a top like a leader of a faction mm-hmm. they want a, a distinct character and she's somebody that stands out among the rest so she, I think she'd be an awesome pick I really couldn't name anybody I'd, I'd rather have to be honest outside of the three that are already leading uh, pretty much I mean I would Gentlemen, love to see I've Go got ahead. to depart uh, okay. You guys, but I just want to uh, thank Dylan for jumping on this uh, with us for the end of the year. L- definitely look forward to having you back. And wow. Arisa Hoshiki, Stardom Wrestler of the Year, and I'm up out of here. Uh, yeah, you're, you're my man right now. <laughs> thank you, Rich. I said thank you, Rich. I no said doubt. facts. All right, no doubt. Facts right now. Man, yes. he stole he stole my my talking point when we went to the ear in thing. I was gonna say, I was gonna big up uh, Hoshiki. Now now he he steals it from me. So thank you, Rich, for that. But uh, man, uh, sorry sorry we couldn't do it more longer. But uh, still, me and yeah. you, James, yep. we still got it uh, going on here. So like, let's uh, keep it going. But yeah, who who are you gonna say that you wanted to, to lead the faction? Oh, um, I mean, I would love to give Jungle another shot at it, right? Because I believe ah, that too. that you know she was. Watching 
watching her at the beginning of the year, uh, I would say, or starting at the beginning of the year, like watching the shows, for me, like the two people that immediately stuck, or the three people that immediately stuck out of me were, um, that people I did not know about anyway were Hazuki because of, she, because of her just well-roundedness as an in-ring performer, Konami because of the technical proficiency, because she's just a, a freaking surgeon, and then yeah. Jungle because of like how much she, compared to the other leaders anyway, like Kagetsu was a great leader, but you just saw Jungle, and but she's doing it from the side of like, yeah, she's supposed to, she's like a playful heel sort of thing, so you don't see like that affection for the rest of the group. But like, Jungle was so caring with the group in like the stuff with, with Nasuko, and like, Nasuko, you know, not really, you know, being kind of a loafer, like that kind yeah. of you can see, and you can see it just like building of how much like you're not really here for the team or whatever. You can see, I thought she was such a great leader, and then like in the uh, the draft elimination match where she's the last one eliminated, it's her and Hannah, and she ends up losing. And you can see like everybody in Jan, um, aside from Nasco, like on the floor with Jungle, and everyone's crying, and uh, Jungle just like I, I end up saying after that point that like I thought she was the best loser in professional wrestling. Like nobody was better after that. After that red belt match in January at the Korokin against Kagetsu, and then after she lost in her hometown to Momo of all people, like I was like, she's the best loser. Like I don't think there's anybody, even including Johnny Gargano. I don't think there's anybody that's better at like you feel the stakes of the match on this person as they fail, and then you're almost like, oh my god, how's this person get out of bed tomorrow? So. <laughs> So that's so that's what kind of like immediately attracted me to Jungle, just like how how you can see, you can see how much he cared that sort of thing. Oh man, I completely agree with you. Like I said, that's why uh, to me Jungle Assault Nation was like my favorite gotcha. faction when it, when they gotcha. came in because of Jungle's you know ability to her. She's got everything. Like to me, I, I, like wrestling wise, mm-hmm. she like you said she jumped out right away. Like and like literally, I I saw her very first match that oh, wow. she had. And she was awesome, like, right away. Wow. Uh, I, I don't know how much you know this, but she's already reminded me. Uh, she's always reminded me of somebody from Mexico, uh, Cavernario. Like, I always thought oh, she was, like, the, the Joshi man, version really? of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always thought she was, like, the she could be, like, the Joshi version of him. But actually, because <laughs> of her size, it's like she works such a different style. But I always uh-huh. thought that she had it. And uh, she's tweaked her gimmick right now, too. Like, she's really not. Because when she first debuted, right. she was like, you know, look, I'm, from, you know, I volunteered in Senegal. Like, look at my right. jungle roots and all this other stuff. And now yeah, she's, she's more like, like an island woman or something. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a little weird, but she had more of like a, a, a you know, that kind of deal. You know, pretty mm-hmm. much. That's yeah. why she reminded me. Of, that's why she reminded me of Cavernario. But she gotcha. actually changed her. She. It's funny because she actually. Uh, somebody told me that she looks like how Kyrie. <laughs> used to look a little bit. She's kind of morphed into like a jungle Kyrie hybrid uh, huh. in 2019. And I was like, she doesn't really wrestle that way, though. Is the thing about that? Uh, maybe it's just the face paint. I think I think it's the, the the face paint little thing there. But you know, I think I completely agree with you. If you were going to build somebody around her, and I just hope if that were to happen, and this is something that I really wish would happen either in 2020 or some year, mm-hmm. because I think if she got that big win, winning the red belt or whatever, uh, if they actually gave that a big build up, she like like she could kill it. Like if they yeah. put that in there, because you believe in her so much, just like you said, right. uh, she's such an amazing loser. That man, <laughs> if that actually happened, like people would go freaking nuts. It's like when the Cubs won the World Series, like no <laughs> nobody expected it to happen. You know, yeah. uh, I'm a Cubs fan too, so I have to shout, shout out that. Uh, but when I won, I like I was losing it. Uh, so if Jungle actually won, that would be like the Joshi version of that. I feel like so you got to give her props. 
Okay. Yeah, and it's also interesting because like, is this promotion and this promotion like has this huge long character arc of Mayu and Mayu was absolutely you know that lovable loser as well and then she became the icon while this all happening and that's why you know I, I believe that's why most people like are so happy for Mayu's success given in like you know she's the first per- or she's in the first class of the dojo she's at her getting her ass kicked by by Natsuki Tayo in the night <laughs> like you know she's getting her head kicked off by Arisa Arisa clearly and Yoko Bito clearly have favor over her and yeah. she's just keeps sticking around she's the last one to win and then like you know she ends up following EO around and then you know she gets some success on her own and then you know the company changes after the shoot thing and is is she's one of the three people they were relying on so heavily from even before, like even 2014 into the past and they're surviving off of those three. And then they shoot that hill turn or whatever else. And, and the crowd kind of, you know, doesn't fall for the hill turn for EO cause they love EO so much, but like that whole track, all that stuff tracked to where it's like, look, look what you've done over these years. And it's like, you also had that at play with like the Momo stuff in the uh, in the jungle stuff with their breakup as a tag team and Momo just like you know leaving her for to join with EO and then like she was always in front um, and she's never caught up still but like you see how much she's grown I mean even over the last couple of years to where like I don't think you know aside from Kagetsu or or um, Mayu I don't think I trust anybody else to have a big match in her. I, I mean, I completely agree with you, and I think I think a lot of fans like she's honestly like pretty much unanimously liked. Yeah. I, I feel like among the fans, like because there's always somebody, even like with Hoshiki, mm-hmm. everyone's like going to jump up and be like, "Oh, she wasn't that great this year," or there were other people better than her, <laughs> like, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, Rich Rich got off the air saying that thing about Hoshiki because, like, for me, like I feel like her matches are too formulaic. Like, yeah, see, you're one of those guys right now. No, no, <laughs> look, here's the thing, right? When we go over yeah. our top ten matches, yeah, she's gonna be number one and three on my match list. The thing mm-hmm. for me is like, aside from her, like her Grand Prix, I wasn't, I didn't, I thought she had an okay Grand Prix. I didn't, but I didn't think she was like one of the. I thought she was like somewhere in the middle of the pack. And like, I watch her and I watch, I watch all these shows. Like, I've watched every. Mm-hmm. I've watched every match in starting this year, uh, since the, uh, since the, since the draft or since Man Square Garden or the New York show, aside yeah. from like the undercard of the Grand Prix. So mm-hmm. like, I'm watching all these multi-person tag matches. And I'm just like, oh yeah, you forget she's in there at times. So like, for me, it was like, okay, I'm watching all, I see all the talent around her. I see, you know, everybody else. And I'm like, okay, she's middle of the pack. And then she went to Renarello over Konami and I'm like, not happy about that. <laughs> I'm like Konami's a killer, so uh, yeah. and then and then she beats uh, Momo, and I'm like, huh, wonder why they did that. She's not even over. And then she has a match with Tam, and like at that point in time, I like Tam was like so impressive as a wrestler. Like she just has, she almost like a she's on like this fancy restaurant that has like a menu that goes like eight eighty pages deep of all the stuff she can do in the ring and. You know, they had the match. It's an incredible match. It's probably is my favorite starting match of the year. But I was just like, I was in a way heartbroken. Like, well, she won, but like, she did not perform her. So we'll see where this goes. And then like progressively, like she has a match with Azuki because they had that, you know, the, 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 the rivalry or whatever else in another yeah. performance. But she's also like getting outperformed by Hazuki in the match. And I'm just like, okay, cool. And then like at a certain point, like I recognize like, okay, so like the thing with her matches is like, 
she doesn't do anything with her hands or her arms. So I was just like, mm-hmm. I'm watching matches. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll give that like four and a quarter. But she didn't do anything with her arms, and like that, I'm kind of like I'm a person that like I I want to see like the interaction of all the skills you have, and I feel like I feel like a person that's complaining about Shaq not being able to shoot uh, free throws, <laughs> right? It's like yeah. she's incredible. Shut up! But in, in, my, in the back of my mind, I'm just like that's not the wrestling I really want. Yeah. And, and but but she's great. I still love her matches when she has big matches, or whatever. Else, but for me, it's just like. I, you know, there's, there's certain things that I think she's still developed because she's still, you know, new, she hasn't been, she's only been back for like a year or 13 no. months, whatever. So I'm still you know, optimistic on how good she is and how good she already, already is. Well, great. But for me, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't love her. Like I love the rest of the women right now. Yeah. See, you're not the only one who feels that way in all, all mm-hmm. honesty. Uh, and I also admit that I'm kind of biased towards her because, mm-hmm. like, when she was around her first run, oh, yeah. she she was the one, like, when this company first started for me, mm-hmm. like, she was, like, the one that I thought was, like, the best worker out of everybody. Like, and all, like that's back when everybody was super young. Right, right. <laughs> like, like you know, like, well, you know, everybody started nothing. It was, like, mm-hmm. her and Yoshiko were, like, the, the good workers, and everyone else was, like, just trying to get, to get along pretty much. And then, like, you know, obviously everyone grew and got super awesome. Like, Mayu, she started out uh, you know, like one of the lowest rated pe- people, but then she got great and obviously became what she was. Mm-hmm. And but when Hoshiki returned, it's like I never thought that would happen. Right. And then right. when it did, it was like an unbelievable moment. So I'm kind of I, I will admit that I am a little biased towards her a little gotcha. bit because of because of all that. I love the the Brazilian qu- the you know the question mark kick that she right, did right. and everything like that. But uh, to me, like I said, you're not the only one who feels that way. But with Jungle, there really are no dissenting opinions. There's nobody right. that, like that's like ah, you know Jungle. Because uh, a lot of people, a lot, a lot of the pe- criticism towards Arisa is like, ah, uh, yeah, she's good and all, but look at these people she's had these matches with. They were all better than her in all her matches. Or, yeah. you know, you, you got to give the others credit. But with yeah. Jungle, it's like, no, nobody's like, eh, she was good, but, you know, all these other people were better than her. It's like, no, <laughs> Jungle's freaking awesome, <laughs> you know, pretty yeah. much, you know. Yeah. yeah. So a very, very good pick on your part. I think I'd have to agree with you. Like, But to, to me, I, unfortunately, the, the thing about that is, is that Bushi Road, I don't like, like, you know, I don't, you never know what they're going to do. They're always going to see more in Julia than someone like Jungle. Right. Right. Like, and, uh, like, I just want, and it's funny because of what happened with, you know, comparing, uh, the Wrestle Kingdom night one slotting in Jungle slotting on, on, um, the climax. Like, for me, like, while watching her and watching, like, I feel like she's going to be a loser. She's going to have all these great performances to lose. Like, I kind of, like, felt like, wow, she, She's kind of like Ishii in a way, like compared to their yeah. her, her contemporary. She's old. She's much. She has a significant age difference where she's older, and like you already know, like this company being so idly that like aesthetically, yeah. that's not really what they're looking for. Like they understand the talent, but they don't like the pack. They're not in love with the packaging. So it's like, and then you see by the end of the year where they're both like slotted, like so so far below like what they've meant to the company you're just like oh, okay it re- they really are one in the same <laughs> yeah um, yeah I feel, I feel that a lot and goto as well i i think jungle and goto is a great comparison a lot of people make as, as mm. well i uh, even even longer because she's like somebody that uh you know ishii she does he doesn't even really get pushed that far that often but it's like mm-hmm. goto it's like they give him that much they like they tease <laughs> you and they yeah. have him lose yeah, and jungle. It's like they tease you, and then they have her lose at the end, pretty much. Yeah, wasn't wasn't Goto uh wasn't Goto the points leader in the B block until the last night? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, he's he's always right there, but then he he blows it at the end somehow. You know, like he's the right. ultimate choke artist. <laughs> and like Jungle's kind of similar. It's like they've given her a lot of title shots. It's just she's always like, and every one of them, it's like there's no way like she's gonna win. But damn it, she still has a freaking awesome ass match yeah. and all those. And you know, never mind how unlikely it is she'll win. She always puts her heart into it. So like, I got to give her respect on that. Yeah. So. I mean, we, I think we've we covered all the factions and we've gone through yeah. more, more or less like uh, some of the cool topics of the year. Um, you want to do some predicting for 2020? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, that sounds like a great idea. Okay. Uh, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Okay, I'll, I'll hit you with a real easy... Like To, to me, this is an obvious pr- prediction, mm-hmm. but, so we'll see where you can go. Like We'll kind of go from there. Uh, to me, I think Hana Kimura is going to be the Red Belt champion in 2020. I think that, that, like, that her ace run is going to start next year. Like So, so mm-hmm. one way or the other. I think when she wins it, that, that that's it's game over for for a little while because she, they love her and she's got cross, you know, like super marketability. She's everything they want. And I think she's going to be someone. And honestly, like, like you know, she's not somebody I'm a huge fan of. Like a lot of these other guys, mm-hmm. uh, or like you know, just fans in general on Twitter, guys or girls. Like a lot of these other people that really love her. To me, I'm not like that. I'd rather it be someone like Hoshiki or Mayu or like you know, other these people like Tom Nakano or somebody right, like that. Right. But to me, like she's not one of my favorites. But I think for what they look for and the evidence I've seen, mm-hmm. like she's going to be the one. And like her, her run is going to start next year. I feel like as the ace of the, the promotion. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see that. Um, I think I think at the beginning of the year when I first started watching the product, before I started realizing like what levels all the women are as wrestlers, just kind of seeing like mostly the packaging and seeing like okay, almost all the, all of these women are good, but I don't know like how many of them aside from like Mayu and Getsu are actually great. So, hmm. um. When I saw my, when I saw Hannah at first, I was like, okay, she's gonna win Cinderella. Like, she's my prediction to win <laughs> yeah. Cinderella. Like, yeah. and then you, you know, as you watch more, it's like, oh, like, she's kind of, you know, she's good. She's undeniably good. But would I say she's very good? Maybe. Would I say she's great? I, I will stop short of saying she's great. Um, so, so yeah, I could definitely see, but I was thinking more of a, I thought, you know, kind of from what I was, you know, you look at the history of both belts or whatever else. Mm-hmm. I I kind of thought that she was more of a fitting for the white belt, but you know, the things it's kind of it's kind of changed in a way. Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. The white belt, what it used to mean, kind of is what like fits what the red belt is now. Yeah. Um. So yeah. like, yeah. Now that you know, I never really thought about it since then, since she didn't win the Cinderella. But like now, you're talking about like, yeah, so it probably is the person that like uh, Mayu lays hands the belt to or drops the belt to. Yeah. I see that. And they might they might have some kind of like another bridge type of title reign, uh, like you know because mm. they might want to build up to a big match later. But I think one way or the other, uh, Kimura is getting that belt uh, yeah. like in twenty twenty pretty much. And you're right, the belts have kind of like flip flopped as time has gone along. Uh, but the last couple of years, you know, the white belt has been like almost the workhorse type right. of belt with, with Momo and Hoshiki. Uh, so she's kind of like a better fit for the red belt now than what they, than what it used to be. So it's kind of wild how that changes. Um, she's a great character. In ring, uh, she's pretty behind some of these other people uh, to, to me. But yeah. also remember that she uh, she's not su- like hardly a veteran, right, and her right. mom was a her mom was an unbelievable talent as well. So I, I will shout that out. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, shoot fighter. She's yeah. no, well, not shoot fighter, but like shoot wrestling. Yeah, 
Yeah, it, it, um, yeah, a Queen Bee, like a Battle Arts <laughs> sub-branch she was in. Um, you want know what's funny? Yeah. Earlier this year, I saw her... This is before WrestleMania. I right. saw uh, Kyoko have a match with, with, with Becky Lynch when she was Rebecca Knox in Japan. And, Becky, hey. and this is like 2000, this is the mid 2000, maybe 2005. Yeah, that was, yeah and, that was a long time ago. And Becky's real thin. And you're just like, Oh my God, I want to feed this. I want to feed this poor woman. She's so skinny. <laughs> and it's like, and it's so funny to see that like, um, like that's where Becky has, you know, has, has come, has grown from or whatever as a performer and a wrestler and, you know, all the, all the work she's put into her body and everything to get to this point. And I'm happy for like, for someone that had to like, you know, hit the road and hit the, you know, hit different lands to try to make this, this dream work. But, uh, but it was interesting to see that because like, I've seen Kyoko when she was, uh, some of the Oyotai stuff and I also saw like, I saw th- one match of her and Asuka or Kana and they're just trying to knock each other's faces off. Oh yeah, like yeah, very hard hitting stuff. Again, like I yeah. said, and Khan is another one that wrestled in Queen B. Uh, I talked to the guy behind Battle Arts, uh, Yuki Ishikawa, one of the best wrestlers ever, okay. uh, pretty much. But um, I, I was talking to him one time, and he, the thing he was most impressed with, he didn't want to talk about himself. He only talked about Asuka, like really? and how awesome she was, pretty much. Like that was his favorite. He was so proud of her; it's unbelievable. And he was like, "Hey, have you seen?" He, he would like link me to videos on YouTube. He's like, "Hey, have you seen this Queen Bee show? You might like it." Uh, and I was like, "Yeah, it's all good." But uh, you know, like, so hopefully she can get some of that. And she's she's kind of Hana is kind of ad- adopting more of a hard hitting style yeah. uh, this year with the and more of a brawling than like a technical like you know right. shoot stylist style. But still, she's got a little bit of it in her. And I always go back to like Tom Nakano to me. I I thought she was like well below average as a wrestler for a long time mm-hmm. and somehow or another like somewhere on the line it like clicked and it's like then it's like whoa wait a minute like this is a great like this is a freaking phenomenal talent right now yeah. uh like, one of the best but like for a long time i really didn't see much in her especially as a worker and i think maybe hana has that same potential especially working with these other people that yeah. she can make that a, i don't know if it'll be this year but maybe mm-hmm. one year or somewhere along the line she can hit that switch like tom did and yeah. like really get to that next level yeah, like the the craziest part about this is like with when it comes to Hannah and like B and um someone like Arissa and someone like Tam is that like when we're talking about where they are so far as like these are all people that are in their early twenties. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I was like, yeah. like or sorry, uh, Tam is Tam is like thirty thirty one, but like the other three like B, Arissa, Hannah, like they're all like somewhere between like twenty four and twenty two. So yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's it's so it's so interesting to see that like you have all and a lot of them are like you know uh utami's like 20 21 momo's 20 yep. or is 19 uh konami's like 23 24 hazuki's 22 like it's it's just wild to see like this level of talent all together and obviously we're losing some of that but like even still like you have just a nucleus of like in theory you know joshi retirements are always a thing you knock on wood for but like in theory, like this is something. This is like a nucleus. And Julia, Julia's what twenty three, twenty four, something like that. Yeah, yeah, super young. Yeah, right, like you have this nucleus of talent that you expect and you would hope like can stay together for like the next half decade. If yeah, not. you know, yeah, and and Joshi just moves along so fast sometimes right. that you you never can tell who's going to retire. Uh, like somebody like like last year at Wave, like Ohata. Uh, amazing oh, yeah. talent yeah yeah she just got married so she retired pretty much and that's kind of a thing in japan that's happened a bunch where somebody will, like get married and it's like well it's time to start a family i can't wrestle yeah. anymore yeah yeah, yeah what I about mean, you 
Um, oh, predictions. Um, yeah. Uh, hmm. I think that my my main prediction would be that the person that beats uh, Arisa for the belt is going to end up being Tam, and I don't think that would Tam, be great. And yeah, I think that completes the story. You know, that was kind of the talk throughout tag league was, um, you know, I decided to tag with you so I can learn your, you know, learn some flaws or whatever else I want. I'm still coming after that white belt, which is I, this is the reason why I loved um, Tam versus Arisa was because like it, given. You know, she had the match in January with Momo and Momo beat her. And at the end, she said, I just wanted to prove that, like, stardom is, is more than just, uh, or stars is more than just Mayu. And I'll, and she said, I'll never stop coming for that white belt. And then, like, for this person that she was such a dick to for, yeah. for months and months to, like, be the person to, like, take her dream from her or her goal. Like that, it, like, and then you, it it leads to that match, and it's so emotional. And then they go to the tag league, and you know, I feel like it almost has to come around full circle. I'm kind of concerned now that like Utami is getting the, is getting the anniversary show match for the white belt, and, and so yeah. like, and they'd be like, oh, I can see them pressing, saying, yeah, never mind that, just go just go with Utami, but we'll see. Can I can I just say that I love that feud so much, like Nakano and Arisa. Like that to me has to be the feud of the year in wrestling because at the start <laughs> at, the, at, at the start of all this I was like because if you remember at the start it was like Hoshiki was like hey I want a team with you and Nakano right. was like no <laughs> yeah right. yeah it reminded me like there's this scene in Mortal Kombat where like this character like is going up to Shao Kahn and she's like uh, hey I want to lead your armies you won't find anyone better and then Shao Kahn's like a street urchin would do better. Uh, uh, like, that's kind of how it was with Nakano. It's like, you, you tag with me? Like, screw that. Yeah. Uh, so then, yeah, and like, they had everything. There were so many different layers to it. Remember when they had the draft and uh, yes. Tom was so miserable with the picture? Yeah. That she, yeah. Like, she, uh, was, and she was furious or bummed, not furious, but she was bummed out and, like, almost at tears because, like, Mayu picked uh, her, her kid first and then yeah. picked Arissa second, and then Tam third, and then, like, she was like, I think she said the lines of, like, well, if it's first, it's not, I don't think you really love me, or whatever else, and then, like, yeah. she sees Arissa, and she's like, this motherfucker got picked before me, and you know how weird she is with, with Mayu after, you know, she got kicked out of Oedotai, like, she, like, so protective of Mayu, and loves Mayu so much, and she's like, that whole build, I thought, like, eventually, my, or Tam was gonna snap and, like, try to murder this woman, like, off, off air. Like, she, she's, like, <laughs> she's like, this, this other person is getting Mayu's affection. I cannot have that. You must die. Like, it's it, yeah. it very interesting. And, like, in a way that, yeah. like, if it was in America, it would have got played up like it was some Mickey James shit. Like, Mickey James. Oh, you know, that would suck. Like, you know, crazy Mickey yeah. James th- type of thing in a way, but. Yeah. The thing is, yeah. I also love how that it had a beginning, middle, and I, even though, like you said, the ending really hasn't been written yet, but I thought the tag league was Well, they such closed a good, the chapter very well. Yeah, That's exactly. Like, the tag league, like, finally coming together yeah. was, like, an awesome finish. Like you, And that's something you don't ever really see in wrestling, like, a, a kind of, like, legit happy ending. Like, yeah. so, sort of, like, at least in this chapter, like I said, because they're going to, eventually they will have uh, cross paths again. But, like, to have them start off where they started the year, and end it with the tag league and th- things coming together like that, like that, I thought it was like such good storytelling and a, a very rare instance in wrestling of a feud having a beginning, middle, and end. And it works out for both people, like in a good way. So the, the other thing I'll say, another prediction, I'll give you a couple of quick ones here. Okay. Um, I think that to me, 
Uh, first of all, I think they're going to try and do a surprise America show again. I think there'll be one on WrestleMania weekend and another oh. one that we don't know about. Okay. Uh, yeah, like I said, because I think they're going to try and do more. I think that's a goal of Bushiroad's, but not just a New Japan. And they're going to link up to them, uh, more or less, like, kind of. So I think like that's going to be New Japan of America? Yeah, not exactly like that. I don't think okay. they're going to like form a full promotion. It's more really? so like... Yeah, I don't think that stardom is going to do that, like a stardom of America or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, like, I mean, they technically have like an office, but they won't do it like they're doing. Do it. Okay. I think that they'll just have a couple of shows, more or less. And also, if they want, that's a thing in their back pocket. Even though I don't think this is going to happen this year, but if they wanted for America, the thing about Japan, you have to remember, we were, we were talking about this on my other show. Uh, a big reason why, like the the match is going to be a dark match at the dome, and why TV. they. Yeah, exactly. Like the, they won't have those restraints in the U.S. with the TV company, so you could have a starter match on a live show or something like that if if New Japan comes there. Oh, you right. could have them at the conventions that we go to. We already saw that, like you know, yeah. earlier this month. Was it the uh, Toronto so, Expo thing? Whatever. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Like, well, well, yeah, I, I, I'm not. A, but, People were so mad when they found it was a dark match, and I was like, uh, they don't understand. And I was like, like <laughs> yeah, I was like. I didn't think about it, but like once, well, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, they like they just signed a new. T- they're on two different TV stations. That you, of course, it's not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that, it's just not. It's just not going to happen. It's not even worth getting upset about it. It's yeah. not even that big of a deal, you know. Yeah. Like to be honest with you, like even if it wasn't for the TV station, like they're getting to wrestle on the Tokyo Dome uh, for those four girls. Like that's a huge bonus. Like right. you know, it's like for women's wrestling in Japan, and for the performers themselves, like that's going to be a huge deal to wrestle in front of. Like when else are they going to wrestle in front of forty thousand people? You know, and like yeah. no, no, no disrespect to stardom, but it would right. never happen in, in, yeah. their, in their lifetime. Yeah. So they need, you know, this is something really cool for them, and that's that's the main thing more than anything, I think. So, but yeah, that's what I think. I think they are going to try make a little bit of a push for America, but yeah. I don't. Like, they're not. They're not ready to like do, do like New Japan and, and okay. have like a side promotion. I think they're going to have. Some more shows and maybe in a couple of years they may try that but right now i think they're just going to solidify it as a couple of shows in america okay so one thing i peeped out for a while now because uh, i've been yeah. looking for because i went to that new york show like um in it there you know we're we li- we are like about 20 minutes outside of tampa so yeah um one thing i've been i've been keeping my mind on is i've been looking at their at stardom schedule as it fills out throughout the year and there's a there's been a gap in time between april 29th and i think the 11th i'm sorry um march 29th and april 11th and that gap has not been filled and has been there from for weeks and weeks and weeks and um that has to be the wrestlemania show right so last year they announced i think on christmas eve that during the climax that they were going to you know do the show but they haven't announced it yet so i'm just sitting here like come on come on announce it already so i can get these tickets um yeah (laughs) that's what you're thinking about you want the tickets right now you see and wrestlemania is coming right by your area pretty much so you you're gonna want all these if if stardom comes you're gonna want to scoop those early right and i want to know what time slot they have so that i can like okay i don't i i don't want to mess around and buy tickets at the same time thing because like for me after last year, like the only, the two things that absolutely I must see, uh, cause we, I've, this is now my, this will be my fourth WrestleMania weekend. The two things for me that I must see, no matter what, if, if Stardom has a show, I'm going to Stardom. If take, and I'm going to go to the takeover. Everything else is up for grabs. Um, I would like to, like, I, I tend to go to Shimmer every year. Um, mm-hmm. that's cool. I tend to go to Shimmer every year. I tend to go to Russell Con Super Show every year. 
but like I'm not but for sure if stardom comes I'm going and I'm going to go to takeover everything else is negotiable um I I'm trying to think of other predictions I would have um I think I think I would predict that uh they are going to go because they did nine this year for each for nine participants each block I think you're going to go to the full 20 uh participant round robin this year yeah, that would make sense. Um, that, th- their roster is growing too, right? And I think that there will be. I think that unless you are signed to Stardom, there will be no foreigners. Twenty, I think that could totally work. They ha- they have the talent to do it, right? And they can bring in people. Spe- uh, to me, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to move on to my next prediction. So I'm going to make your point. No, yeah. especially was like okay, they just did a zooming because of in theory. Maybe it was a make good because of the Riho coming in and getting the the high speed thing, and that was kind of meant for her to surpass yeah. Hazuki. Who knows? But um, she was in because of the trap, because of the you know the was it the chase the Charlie Owens thing, and she's she yeah Casey like, Owens or Casey yeah. Owens. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Like Starlight Kid yeah. eventually is going to end up in this thing. So like right. that that's one. So you know, right there that takes you to you know nineteen. You get Julia in. There's your 20. Let me ask you something real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of Riho and Stardom? Because she's somebody that's been in a real wild kind of spot. Uh, and kind of stuck between the AEW thing, but also mm-hmm. as high-speed champion. A lot of people, I think, had a lot of high hopes for her coming mm-hmm. from Gato Move. Uh, and I don't think she, that they've yet to be realized or even been attempted upon. I think she's somebody they're kind of saving in their back pocket, more or less. But what do you think of her and her future for 2020? Well, I would say that I'm, I'm not really that sure that they would have wanted her that badly had it not been for the AEW connection. Um, Facts. I agree once, with you on that. Right. But <laughs> once you get past that, um, once you get past that, I think that I think we'll st- kind of yeah. the, we'll be able to tell once we see the Starlight match that they've been teasing for, for since the beginning of Tag League or since before Tag League exactly started. Um, mm-hmm. Like they were always teasing like, okay, um, I was going to get a title shot for the for the high speed title, and then at that same Kurikan when I was going to ask for one, Fuka came out and introduced Riho. Riho gets that spot in a three way. Um, that Riho won for the for the high speed title, and then like, but Starlight had never got a proper high speed match. Um, so they've been teasing it. It's going to happen probably either at the anniversary show or at one of these um. Uh, beginning of the year, Corkins. I can't remember if it's announced yet, but it's going to happen. Uh, and I would say, once we go from there, once we get the you know the Starlight Kid match out of the way, then I think well the time will tell. And I think that Starlight Kid and Riho are going to have a great high speed match. Yeah, I think so too. That's going to be a great match. But yeah, it feels like she's not really going to get pushed to a higher level, or that like that's not really in the cards. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's where she stays. Yeah. I think she stays as just a high speed wrestler. I don't think she's going to go start like interacting and start to get you know start doing singles matches against like Miyagi, for example, or something like that. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, that, that like I said, you know, and she's she's like you said, she's a good wrestler. I, I don't think she's really a top tier talent uh, in Stardom. She's not like an elite worker or anything like that, right? Uh, in AEW, you know, she's got a good thing going with, with her. She's got the, uh, her ele- uh, allegiance or whatever with Omega is always going to be like, you know, she'll always be <laughs> in a good spot pretty much. There. Right. And also, uh, I think that in AEW, because of uh, just Joshi Heights now. Yeah. Like she goes from being like on the shorter side and giving her frame like the smaller side from being like a skinny girl 
to like when she's in AEW is like just like she's ultimate underdog. Yeah. She's yeah. never gonna wrestle anybody bigger than her. In AEW when she wrestles like Starlight Kid or or eventually Hazumi, you'd be like, Oh, they're about the same size. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that kind of takes away from that status pretty much right. when you're wrestling right. people as, you know, as small as you. So yeah, I, I feel you on that one. Uh, and yeah, I noticed that reaction that she got too. Uh, like that AEW has really been a really interesting ex- experience when it comes to their women's division so far. I, I would say. Yeah, but we've, uh, been, we've been we've been talking about it almost every yeah, week. Yeah, see, see uh, I don't want to go down that road too much because I, I know you yeah. have been, but I I just wanted to throw my opinion that you're right. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we um we do awards uh like um we do like these funny awards that go along with our serious awards and um. I think, I think it was, um, disappointment of the year or which basically is like, you know, worst long-term, you know, decision making by promotion. And like, I think along with like Madison Square Taven was also like the AEW <laughs> oh, women's God. division. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah she's so the Brock Lesnar of AEW <laughs> right now. She's, she's never around right now. She's the champion all the time and never wrestles on TV. <laughs> Like I said. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Look, she also never talks. True. She also never talks. So there's a lot more comparisons. I never would have thought that Riho is Brock yeah. Lesnar of the AEW Women's Division. I'm yeah. I Facts. can't wait. To, I, I can't wait to hear this back on the podcast. I can't. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> oh man, it's, it's it's wild how things go in wrestling sometimes, right? <laughs> like I said, um, yeah. but one more prediction. This is a fun okay. one. Uh, this is this is based on. Uh, Nothing I've know or heard officially, but it's a feeling I had, and it's something that I think Bushiro would want to happen if mm-hmm. it's at all possible. And it just depends on her mindset, which I think I, I wouldn't rate this as an impossibility. Although she was very injured when she she retired, so I don't think she would want to put her body through it. But I think money talks in wrestling, and it always will. Whether you're in Japan, whether you're a woman, whether you're a man, <laughs> whether you're in America, money talks. Like that's the universal truth of wrestling, no matter who you are. Uh, and I think that. Bushi Road and Stardom and everyone else involved is going to do their damnedest to get Yuzuki Aikawa to wrestle a match this year. Really? Uh, what, yeah, which is the uh, for if nobody knows or somebody doesn't know listening, she's like the biggest star of all time in Stardom, like the legend of Stardom. Yeah, uh, she was like a, the original idol wrestler almost right. at Stardom. First uh, white know. belt champion. Yeah, um, I think she won the first Grand Prix. Yeah, she, she, she was the, the biggest. First one, she won the second one. Um, when she retired, she main evented in Sumo Hall um, over yeah. Io winning the white, the red belt. So, like, yeah, that's the level of star she was. Um, wow. Yeah, she was mega popular, and I think yeah. they're gonna try. And she's still around in the company. She's always shows up on like the mass shows and stuff, like just yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you like, know, um, stuff like that. It was it was interesting to see. Like, she'll you'll see her at Kurokins every so often. It's like you'll see like. Like Yuck Beto, or you'll see, um, or you'll see Fuka. Um, yeah. Uh, I thought it was interesting. It was, it was really interesting to me, um, to see her, uh, I guess when, uh, WWE came into town, when Kyrie made a round trip to kind of see, like, everybody. Um, she saw, mm-hmm. she saw Yuzapan. She saw, like, Fuka and Fuka's kid, and she was with Azumi and Momo, and I was like, I pre- I I love the fact that like she came back and saw her, you know some of the girls. I was really happy to see that on Twitter. Um but yeah, yeah like, it was, cool. I was glad that like they still have a relationship uh uh as a uh Akawa and in Kyrie. I was happy for to hear that. Or see yeah, that. T- 
Yeah, totally. So she still got a relationship with wrestling. You know, it's not yeah. like she's like she left and was like super bitter and was like, I hate this business <laughs> and, and all that so, uh, and all that. I hate stardom. But no, she was like she was just really injured, <laughs> to be honest with you. Right. Uh, so, so, you know, so what do you yeah. so what do you think on that? Do you think that's like do you think that they use that to try to, you know, do the 10th anniversary show next January? Because you yeah. know they're going to do it. You know they're going to try to do some huge. They're probably going to try to do Sumo Hall again or something like that. Yeah, that's what. That's what. Yeah, exactly what I'm saying. Like they're going to announce okay. that, uh, and that she's going to be the main <laughs> star of that thing, gotcha. pretty much. And it's kind. It's kind of a bad look in some ways because, like, if she if that were to happen, like, let's just say this comes true, like she immediately jumps over the entire roster, like, <laughs> like hands down, pretty much. Hey, uh, Part timers. Part timers. Yeah, <laughs> she's the Brock of star of stardom now, <laughs> uh, pretty much now. So we're we're seeing that the the secret of wrestling is to be a very much a part time wrestler. Yes. Uh, and you would yes. be a bigger star. Uh, but yeah, see, so I think if she were to come in, like whoever they would wrestle, but that would put over like whoever that would be that they would want her to wrestle. If that were to happen, that would be like a mega like passing of the torch, uh, right, pretty right. much. Or they could just go to Mayu again, who was like <laughs> like there with when she was there in her prime. Right. But more more likely, they would want to face somebody whoever they're going to push as the next you know generation. I guess you could say the next right. star, whether it's Hana or Julia or one of these other girls uh, that we you know maybe I'm wrong and they think, they're like ah screw it, Jungle's the one. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like you I, know she's days now, which would be awesome, be, but still. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be a good story. And being able to tell between, like, you know, because Hoshiki was there, but she left early. So, but you still had the fact that, like, at the start of this thing, those two were there. Obviously, um, given age and injury, Mayu, uh, I, I think that Arissa would be, will be a good one if it's not, not Mayu because you have the history of starting as a wrestler as she is a, one of the top stars in the company. Um, and you could tell that story of like, while I was a young girl, she kind of took me under the wing or whatever else. She was a dick or whatever you want to say to try to build this, build the story. And you, you can go from there. Yeah, that would be great. Like, I, I, I honestly, like anything with Yuzupon in was like, like there would be like such a big deal. It would be awesome. Uh, okay. One more question. We could kind of wrap this uh, okay. segment up. Uh, do you think that someone from WWE could come back like Kyrie? Cause she was in the, the rumors, like she wanted to leave. And we just saw her get injured. Yeah. And, you know, her contract is a, a rumored to be coming up again, rumored to right. be coming up. So do you think it's possible like she could come back? And I doubt like EO would or anything like that. Uh, and, and Kana, she's, she's another one that like really loves America. And she has her YouTube channel now uh, and stuff doing that. So I, I'm not sure. And she was never really a big fan of the Joshi wrestling in, in general mm-hmm. when she was a wrestler. But Kyrie, do you think that she could come back uh, next year, especially now that Bushiro's in? And I, there's a rumor too that they like they want these people back. It's like right. we want EO and Kyrie, Kyrie back, bring him over. Right, <laughs> like, right. I think I think Kadani said that like publicly. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said that publicly. Like yeah, they exactly. want, they I think it was on the lines of obviously it's translated. It was on the lines of like we want to we want to set the road for them to come back or something like that. Or we want to set the yeah. table for them to come back. Um, which is kind of smart because it's like, Oh yeah. You, oh, oh, you want, you like your two of your biggest stars ever to come back. What a shot. <laughs> yeah. So does Vince McMahon. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah anybody I mean, would think how many times he's bringing back racist asshole Hogan. Like, come on now. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. Hey, those two are way better than Hulk. Hogan. Like oh. I said, way, you know, like I said, way, um, way better. I mean, Okay, so at the time, this before the AEW came around, before they started handing everybody five-year contracts, it was a thing to yeah. where the assumption, or almost everybody was getting signed to three-year contracts at the time. So if you just look at the time frame, 
Kyrie comes in in the summer 2017, that means in theory her contract would be up around the summer of next year. Uh, now the thing is, I've always heard that like whenever you come up from developmental to the main roster, they get you to sign another deal and it's almost like an extension because it has more money on it for you to be able to travel and whatever else. So when I hear this stuff about like her contracts coming up soon, I'm almost like how it, I almost feel like she's not, you know, like she's going to be under contract until like 2020 or 2022 or something like that. So I don't know. Um, would I love for her to come back to stardom? Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. I saw those white belt matches. I saw when she's red belt champion, her matches and I, and honestly for her storytelling from what I've saw in NXT that I loved, even though they were like 10 minute matches to what I've seen in stardom, She's one of my favorite storytellers in the ring, possibly mm-hmm. ever, and she's one of all-time great babyface uh, ring generals, whatever you want to call it, I've ever seen. Um, up until TLC, I had never saw her have a massive significant that wasn't at the very least good. So, I, you know, I would love to see her uh, back in her element, and um, and now that she has this kind of notoriety, notoriety and she did this thing, whatever else, I would love to see her come back. Now, I don't know if she just, I don't I have no idea what her outlook is on stardom. Now that the company has kind of changed over the years, what it's going to look like now that like Rossi does is in the end all be all what, what it looks like now that, um, you know, she has another concussion under her, <laughs> under her belt. Um, yeah. <laughs> so who, kn- and, you know, who knows? And they might add that time on her contract anyway. <laughs> so she, like now that she's not injured, however many oh, months yeah. she misses, and yeah. they're like, "No, you can't sign. You still got four or five more months to go, Kyrie. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. You were out those five months with the concussion. Now, you, now you're locked in again. And we're also never going to release you until yeah. <laughs> the contract's up. But yeah, that, that, that's. And that's interesting that you would say that, but I, I think there's a lot up in the air. Like I said, it's really hard to make predictions, but yeah. uh, when it comes to 2020, just so much changes, so many changes going on at the end of the year as well. So it's kind of a, an interesting time that all of this is coming on, but I think it's going to be uh, one way or the other. It's going to be a really vital year for stardom and the Joshi Sheen in general, but uh, obviously stardom is the most important uh, factor for this particular showcase. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, at this point, I think it's time to just unveil our, our top ten list, don't you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm ready for it. Uh, you want me to go first, or are you? Um, well, Rich, actually, before he left, uh, before we started the show, he recorded his top ten, so I'm just going to throw to that right now. All right, so this is Rich's top ten matches um, from starting in 2019, first year I started watching the promotion. Enjoying that a lot. So number 10 on my list, we had the tag final of the tag tournament. We had Arisa Hoshiki and Tam Nakano teaming up to defeat B. Priestley and Jamie Hayter. Fast-paced, very hard-hitting match. Um, number nine, we have Arisa Hoshiki versus Kagetsu when they went to a draw. And then that was uh, a match that I really liked because I didn't see the draw coming, even though uh, it was, it should have been a dead giveaway in the promo ahead of time, but uh, it just pulled me and sucked me in. I liked it a, a whole lot and I thought they had great chemistry. Um, up next on the list, 
we have B Priestley versus Kagetsu. B Priestley is someone that, uh, I've taken a liking to, you know, her being AEW and, you know, I saw her win the red belt from Kagetsu. This is probably one of my, uh, you know, favorite matches of the year. And this was, uh, super fast paced. Kagetsu's like all over this list and B, B's not everywhere on my list, but I think she had a lot better year than a lot of people like to give her credit for. Uh, and that's where she comes in here. Number seven on my list. I have Azumi versus Momo. This was Momo kicked the holy shit out of Azumi. And I liked it a lot. <laughs> um, next match was Arisa versus Hazuki. It was a white belt defense and. Uh, the cool thing about this match was everyone thought the uh, white belt was essentially going to be freed up for Hazuki after she dropped the high speed title. But Arisa was like, not today. Uh, the rain shall continue. And she got those, those kicks off. And I, I thought this was a really good defense. And, you know, Hazuki was someone that I kind of got into uh, this year as well, or especially early in the year. Um, getting to see her uh, in a singles match, I believe, against Dust at, uh, you know, the show in New York. The next match, Starlight Kid versus Suzuki. Five minutes of flame, five minutes of fire. Uh, the shortest match that I've seen ever be that good. Uh, James and I like to joke about the five minutes of Fury List. This is a welcome addition. It is Rich Lattice Pro Wrestling meets High Speed Pro Wrestling. A beautiful marriage if there ever was one. And this was just like everything you want in a match. You can, you can put it on when you're doing anything. If you're trying to avoid hanging out with your family during the holidays and you don't have five minutes to watch a match to get to your phone, this is the one. Number four on the list, I've got Momo Watanabe versus Utami Hayashishida. I may have butchered the pronunciation, but that's okay. I saw this match live in person and this was like, wow, I'm about to go to takeover, but I just saw a four and a half star match. I, if I saw nothing else for this evening, I'll be okay. Um, this is the first time that I really had, you know, got to see either of them. I decided, you know, okay. Uh, I, I know I saw the, uh, the, the high speed belt match before, but I really don't know, you know, a lot of these women yet, but, uh, I got to see that in person and those two were easily on my list. Uh, I affectionately call you Tommy Big U and Momo kicks the shit out of people. Love her finish too. So as far as the, uh, top three, so number three, I've got Arisa Hoshiki defending the white belt against Kagetsu. This was the match that happened in the fallout of the uh, uh, the match that went to a draw. This was awesome. This was um, high risk. It was just uh, a, a match. I was like, holy fuck! Like these. I wish more people were, were seeing this. I wish that um, you know that they could. Um, you know, just I flat out. It was like I wish this was on a higher scale, so so people would would correctly show this match the amount of love it deserves. Um, it could get to his last kind of challenge, like with Arissa. I'm sure she probably had a lot to do with uh, her training and things of that nature. Um, so number two, I've got Arissa versus Jungle. Jungle's heartbreak continues. Jungle must suffer. Uh, to Arissa again. There's a theme on this list here. Arissa, the white belt. Uh, just, just a hell of a championship reign, defending the title eight times throughout the year. And this was another stellar performance. Uh, you know, the power game of jungle meeting the striking game of Arissa. And this was fucking excellent. 
But number one, without a doubt, and I will love this uh, just because James loved Tam Nakano so much, Arisa Hoshiki kicking her fucking dome off and basically um, winning the starter match of the year. I think it's probably, you know, if you're looking anywhere online, if there's one match in stardom this year, this is the one uh, defending the white belt uh, friends. And basically they basically came out here and they, you know, tore the house down, uh, 4.75 easy. And I think that, uh, this was a, you know, you, you had them do the singles match here. They were kind of linked all year. They do the tag match. I expect them to run this back at some point and we'll probably be talking about them when we do one of these shows in 2020. Anyway, that's my list. And we're back. So, um, <laughs> so what we're going to do is, um, we're just going to take turns alternating from 10 to one, our top 10 favorite lit matches of 2019 stardom. Sound good. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Okay. So, uh, I'd like for you to go first. Okay. See, so this to me was like, I looked at this as best matches, but also favorite matches okay. when, it, when it comes to stardom. Like, uh-huh. like you told me, uh, uh-huh. that is. So like I said, you know, I'm going by what, what James said. If you don't like my <laughs> list, blame him. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll take all the heat. <laughs> see, that's yep. what. The, the, see, now you know that I, I I'm a wrestler because I always yep. put the blame on everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> behind that's behind me, pretty much. I'll take I'll yeah. take the heat, Lij fans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but and just remember, I did not say anything about Naito at all. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 other uh, other than agreeing with him completely. <laughs> but um, so first of all, I, I honestly like my top nine is pretty much my top matches anyway, uh-huh. like objectively. But number ten, I'll go ahead and shout it out now. Like it wasn't the best match, but for me, Natsu Sumire and Tom Nakano was awesome. Like to me, like an amazing display of comedic wrestling. Oh, and I'm, oh from the Grand Prix? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'm not somebody that's a fan of comedy wrestling usually. But for some reason, so for some reason, Natsu hits with me more often than not. But actually, <laughs> I, re- I, re- I really love Natsu's story in the tournament of like, I'm going to be a serious wrestler right. now. And, you know, like, I, I thought that was awesome. You know, her first match with Azumi, like, there was a lot of effort there and a lot of yeah. uh, want to. It just didn't work and fell apart. But the second right. match with, with Hannah, when Hannah said, they're like, you're not tough. I'm going to beat the piss out of you. And then Natsu says, like, I'm going to prove to you that I'm, that I'm tough. And they went out there and they just beat the hell out of each other. I was like, see, I'm not, I wasn't a fan of, I'm not much of a fan of the comedy wrestling either. Right. Yeah. Like, I want yeah. you to wrestle. I don't want you to fuck off. But yeah, exactly. like, I appreciated, like, I really appreciated that. And then like with her run when, um, she won earlier in the early before that, when she won the, the trios titles with, um, Miyagi and with um Kagetsu, like she showed a side of herself besides just being like the 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 weirdo that wrestles like the kids. So yeah. I really grew, I really grew to. She grew on me during the summer, and this was a part of it. Was that match? So yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, see, so I really loved that whole gimmick. Um, you know, and I thought that it's interesting. She's somebody that that if you were looking at a negative stardom, they kind of dropped the ball after that because they kind of reverted her back to, yeah. to what she was doing. It's like we made all this great character progression, 
And also, that doesn't count anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're going to go yeah. right back to doing tag league, uh, drunken foolishness with Martina like last year. Yeah. 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 yeah see, so I, I really, that was like my least favorite team. And I like I said, I, I like not to, <laughs> even comedically, she's, she's one of the better ones to me. Mm-hmm. But still, I, I thought that was such a drop ball. But I really loved the match with Nakano because yeah. I, I thought that was like the peak. Like, it's like that was when they were trying to turn away from the series. It's like, okay. I kind of accept that that, that this mm-hmm. is not where you're going, but then they come out with this crazy match yeah. about uh, <laughs> rescuing Pichon. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. This that like I didn't really think about it because it's been so long, but like outside of like uh, Sukasa Fujimoto versus Ten Ten, like this might that might be my my favorite yeah. like re- absurd comedy match of the year in in a way because it's like okay, so you have a love triangle with blow up. Uh, pandas, and then yeah. you have <laughs> Natsu in kidnapping a stuffed panda from Tam, and Tam has to get it back. Like, it worked for me. Like, I don't. It don't totally worked. Lulu pencil doesn't work for me. Antonio Honda's work for me. Yano doesn't work for me. Orange Cassidy is okay because he's not really wrestling matches in AEW, but. These two, I guess it must be because there's a panda involved. I don't know. Like, if pandas are involved in the wackiness of of your comedy wrestling, I'm okay with it, I guess. I don't know. Um... <laughs> James, like we're like soulmates in wrestling right now because I fa- <laughs> I, fa- I faced so much heat in my life. Like Yano fans are like the bane of my existence, oh my and whenever G- whenever G one comes around, I hate it's him. like I I'm automatically public enemy number one to Yano fans. It's like they I got to give it up to them. I I don't agree with the, them at all and how much they love Yano and like go against all like a wrestling logic for him yeah, and common but sense I, and decency. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I respect how hard they go for this guy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, like they they come out swinging if you say anything about Yano. So, uh, shout out to Yano fans right now. Like, I, but I, even though I, I completely am not a fan of that at all, but Natsu, I I think if Yano did a gimmick like what Natsu did in this tournament, it would be way better than like what he actually like I, uh, did in this tournament. Yeah, you know, people, I think people would appreciate that. Um, yeah. But- but I love that match. Uh, the, like the the, the Pichon match, it was awesome, even for a comedy match, and it was very memorable to me. And that's what made it uh, one of my favorites because you didn't see anything like that, uh, regardless of the year. Like I said, with Yano and like a lot of Natsu's normal matches, it's like you kind of just see the same stuff over and over and over. Yeah. Uh, so so it's like to see this match that was like basically a hostage situation <laughs> over a stuffed animal played out in a wrestling match. Very awesome, I thought. Like, very cool uh, performance. But can you imagine, like, just talking about the pandas, like the love triangle with the pandas, and then somebody kidnapping a stuffed animal? Like, people, if you, if you don't understand, like, wrestling, and they're listening to this, they're like, these guys are freaking weird. <laughs> like, this is just weird. You know, like, what we're talking about right now. But it made sense if you watch it. It, it actually totally worked, like you said. I promise. I'm not getting into how much it made sense. I'm just, like, my thing is, I'm here for how absurdly ridiculous it was that it made me laugh. Like, yes, it did. It did. Yeah, that's, that's just me. Like, look, is it, you'd be like, yeah, that's stupid. I'd be like, yes, that's why I'm laughing. And it, 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 like I said, it, the story they told, if you accept the rules of how freaking nuts this is, it actually worked. <laughs> like, you know, if, if you yeah. analyze it on that level. But you, you have to accept how stupid this all is at the first part. <laughs> but if you do, you'll have a hell of a time watching it. It was very funny. Um, another one, I have to go back to Tom Nakano uh, here and her match versus Mayu Iwatani in mm. the 
five star Grand Prix. I thought she had a run like early on and started again. I we came off the Arisa match in June, and I thought, yeah, Tom Nakano, she's really improved. She's doing great work right now. And suddenly she had this run of matches in the five star Grand Prix that like showed me that she was at a different level stylistically than she was. And she showed that she could hang with the best wrestler in the company for all intents and purposes. And I had to see her wrestle that match. I thought was a great technical match. And I was watching that match. I watched a lot of this tournament uh, with somebody uh, with a girl. I know, obviously like we were kind of, I was trying to introduce her to wrestling and stuff and she didn't really know that much about wrestling or anything, but she watched this whole thing. And that was the match. Even she said, she was like, that was a great that must have been a great technical match. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, it was like really good. So to me, not, uh, Nakano and Mayu, I, she also had a match versus Momo that was really good, but yes. I think the Mayu match was... Uh, I, I just thought the Mayu match had more uh, importance because of right. Mayu's stature. But it was like, they were like neck and neck. You could go either way, which one you yeah. like better. You yeah. know, I was like, that's, that, that's a my top two. Definitely. Um, yeah, another one, speaking of Momo, I thought her match versus Azumi in the five-star Grand Prix was in my top 10 again. Uh, that, I think that was a great coming out party for Azumi. And like, to me, not even a coming out party, but the completion of her coming out year, because I yeah. felt this whole time, it was like, she has what it takes, but she hasn't been given the opportunity. Right. And in the tournament, she got it. And when this match happened, I, and they put this match up for free. It's like everybody popped for this match. They were like, Oh crap. <laughs> Like Azumi and Momo, this is this is our match. And Stardom was like, everybody can watch this, even though they cut off the finish on the YouTube version. <laughs> and they were like, if you want to see how this match ends, you got to pay. You like, pretty pay much. In and pay yeah, exactly. Fee, just like everybody else. Yeah, exactly. No free rides <laughs> for in Stardom's world. Uh, so yeah, but Momo and Azumi, everybody popped for that, and I did too. And I thought that was a great match. And I was so proud for Azumi again, a seventeen-year-old wrestler. Uh, putting out performance like this, which is world class compared to anybody, that really stood out to me. Uh, more five star matches in, in mine. Uh, Kagetsu and Jungle Kiona, I thought yes. was a great match in, in my five star. Uh, great performance for both women. And also, this was the match that actually won the best bout in their version, like right. the Stardom Official Awards. Yeah. Uh, and that was a really good pick. And usually, like, official awards, I'm always like, ah, that's the wrong answer. <laughs> Yeah, but the, especially because you like ruined by like WWE brain, run, yeah. everything being propaganda. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But this one they got right. I was like, oh yeah, Kagetsu and Jungle. Yeah, that was an awesome match. It wasn't my number one, but it was like a, a freaking great ass match. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I will give them that much. Up next to me, and like now we're getting into a prime territory. I, I feel like we're getting way up there. Mm-hmm. I also like oh, this is a match I want to shout out real quick before we get to the top tier ones. Uh, Mayu and Konami in February, like yes, I think with the suits, the way show. under, yeah, yeah, way yes. underrated match. Uh, it, it got yeah. lost in the shuffle because of the other match I want to talk about in a second. But like that to me, I actually thought that was like better than the Momo and Jungle match that came after. And everyone Ooh. thought Momo Jungle match of the year, but I thought the Konami and Mayu match was like every bit as good. Uh, okay. And like, like way underrated. I thought because like everybody immediately forgot about that with Momo and Jungle. But yeah, uh, listen. That was a great match, and that's that's the next one on my list, Momo and Jungle. Okay, but like that Mayu and Konami match, they got they had some few tricks up their sleeves too. Like you can't <laughs> under you can't underrate it too much. I feel like that kind of got slept on, but they'll wake you up if you watch it. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and Momo and Jungle, that was just an incredible match. You know, you look at these two. I, that, I, that was the one in Jungle's hometown. I yep, think Nagoya. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And so that you had the crowd so into it. Jungle, it looked like a big moment. It's like. 
in your heart, you know that this isn't going to end well. Like, she's not going <laughs> to win. But it's like, in the match, she kind of makes you believe. It's like, well, it's, like, it's kind of how I feel. Like, what you said earlier about Ishii was a great comparison because he's a great person. When he had his one title shot versus Naito or whatever, he has, like, a number one contenders match right. or a briefcase like match. Or it's like New Japan Cup or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's like, in your head, just like, there's no way he's going to win. They don't want him to win. But then you watch him wrestle, and it's like, well, maybe he can win. He right. deserves it. So, like, right. you know, like pretty much. Like, same thing with Jungle. It's like, she deserves it. Like, she can yeah. win. Like, it's, you know, yeah. go for it. It, it, yeah, yeah. Like another person that's like that is like you know before he became champion like you watch Daniel Bryan and be like you watch yeah, his exactly. match he's like why can't that dude be champion he's wrestling in the match he's not wrestling an underdog he's beating the shit out of somebody with mid kicks like yes he's an underdog in stature and size and that's it but when he's out here wrestling Roman Reigns he's out here like working over that dude's ribs because he has a hernia yeah. injury or you know working over uh, Kofi's ribs or Adam or he's beating the hell out of Adam Cole or whatever you know like that yeah so definitely I get what you mean yeah yeah so I, I was super into that match for that for that reason it was a great yeah. performance uh, yes. from all involved up next would be uh, Arisa versus Tom Nakano as, as we mentioned earlier they, this one was the one that had the most storyline behind it, I feel like, yeah. uh, if you look at all of them. Mm-hmm. And it was a great payoff, like a great performance to what they were doing. It wasn't really a payoff because, they, like I said, the feud continued more or less. Or the, uh, the story really continued more right. so than the feud and stuff. This was kind of like the end of the feud for now, but the yeah. story continued afterwards. Um, so it was a great payoff there. I thought Tom, like this was her break, like coming out party by far yeah. compared to what she was at last year. Like it was like now you know it's like – before she was like, eh, she was okay, and now it's like, like, and that was at best, like she was okay, and now it's like you see her here, it's like, okay, like uh, maybe I misjudged this, maybe I was too <laughs> too hasty with Tom Nakano, because like now we have somebody who's like, this was a way better match than you ever would have dreamed of, and, and Hoshiki deserves a lot of credit, obviously for that yes. too. But She's I also, thought that she was also great in this match, also great, like yeah. um. Just, just she brought the emotion in a way that, like, even in you know the run through the Cinderella tournament that she had, like that wasn't even there. But like, when she's out here just throwing forearm shots to to Tam at the end of the match, she's like, she's basically getting all of the all of the past, all of the the everything out on her during that spot. You're just like, okay, like she she gets she's she may be not like a person that gets all of it, but she gets some of it, and some of it she gets is already like at a high level. I uh, completely agree. And it was just so, like I said, it was such a good match. Uh, I agree with you, what you said, especially in this match, I think was the one that stands out that like, it really was more about Tom than uh, Arisa in terms of the in-ring, but still she was great in it. Yeah. You don't have a match that good without both people. Right. right, in it, right. To be honest. Uh, so that was a pick. That was my third favorite of the big Arisa matches though. I, I will say that okay. because I have a couple more here. Uh, the third one would be, or the second one actually would be, Arisa versus Jungle. Uh, okay. Again, another, another st- tremendous match. And this had a great near fall. This is another spot that stood out to me. Uh, Hoshiki was doing great work in this match, I thought, for the most part. But Jungle fought away. And finally, they got to the point where she hit her finishing move. Which, uh, also, I have to shout out uh, Jungle's uh, Kaniku Buster version is legit my favorite move ever in wrestling. Is that when she does like the muscle buster drop thing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh. The sit-up version. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and th- see that that's the real version of the Kaniku Buster. That, the, the, that's the real version because everyone else dr- doesn't do it the way they did it in the show. Right, uh, right. like that is based off of. And I just want to say I will always shout out to her because uh, when I wrestled my first match when I was younger, that was the like in my first match I used that move because I saw it in SmackDown. Here comes the pain. 
and it was listed as Mexican Stretch Buster, and everybody got pissed at me for, do- for doing that move, and I hurt my shoulder on top of it. So I was very impressed. I that- so. I'm yeah, exactly. Like break some- I'm surprised you didn't like hurt somebody's neck either. No, I I was safe with them, not so safe with myself, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, like I said, but uh, I, so I, I I had to stop it after that one match. But Jungle has perfected it. So I will. I I said this to somebody the other day. I was like, any kind of observer awards or any kind of awards that has best move, like as long <laughs> as she wrestles and as long as I live, that will be my pick. Uh, the the Mexican stretch buster, or I guess the Senegal Senegalese stretch buster, which he does <laughs> uh, there. I guess you could say. Why 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 did they call? I love how in the games, like the the rest, like the WWE games, uh-huh. they always give these names. Like sometimes they'll have the official name. Sometimes like they'll sneak in the Japanese version, like the Shiranui or something. And then they just have something that's completely made up. <laughs> like right. that, like what what the what the hell is this? Mexican stretch buster? That makes no sense. I, but uh, yeah. So uh, anyway, I love that. And when she hit that move in this match, this was like her best version ever. And it was a great, like, amazing near fall. So I, I thought that was, like, a great pop. And Ari said finally beating her down for the finish. I thought I really felt like it's, like, no pun intended, but it was like she was tra- chopping a tree down, and she finally <laughs> hit it at the end. Uh, so great match all around. Uh, the second one I would have uh, – yeah, I have two more left on my list. Uh, the first one is, uh, uh, surprisingly, two Hazuki matches. Um, number two would be the – the Hanakimura and Hazuki match on the last day of the G, uh, the five star cl- okay. climax, um, basically where they brawled around the ring, yeah, and all through the crowd they hit the east sign, they hit and the west, west side, side yep. yeah, exactly. Like I don't know why that popped me again. The girl I was watching with that <laughs> super popped her. She was like, "Please hit that west side," and when she did, she was like, "Yes," and I was like. I love this match <laughs> pretty much, but there was some, that was the match to me that for it's weird because, uh, you know, this is going back to when Hana was in a way to tie and they kind of like, you know, she kind of betrayed them uh, mm-hmm. more or less. Uh, so it's like year. they have last year. Yeah, exactly. When it happened, right? When she, yeah, ex- yeah, 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 exactly. So we're going back all the way then for this feud. And it's like, this was the most heated match of 2019 suddenly, uh, <laughs> like, you know, at a feud that really hasn't been, like heated up, it was more Hazuki with Arisa for a while, and Hana doing her own thing. But then you have this match, and it's like these girls hate each other, and like like these uh, these women, I should say, like uh, hate each other. Like they proved, like they grown up right before our eyes. Especially Hazuki, she started when she was really young, um, but she was like, man, going at her, going for the signs. Uh, I think that was when Hana debuted her uh, finishing move, uh, her her new finishing move, the Tiger. Um... Actually, it wasn't. She did it uh, the, like the night, the show right before against. Yeah, Hannah. okay, yeah, yeah. You, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's what she broke at that movie. Yeah, out. yeah, you're like right. That, the Tiger Lily. Yeah, yeah. Like the end of that. The end of the tournament really impressed me with Hannah for me thinking like, okay, that's... she's just good to like. This is somebody that's improving and like she's reeling off four star matches now. Like she had the match with mm-hmm. with um my, with Mayu and then she had a match with Momo and back to back nights and then she had this match with Hannah and then she had the you know the final in the Grand Prix and I was just like these are like if you ask me like what are her five best matches <laughs> yeah this year you're totally right it was back to back to back to back. Yeah, it's wild. Totally agree with you right there. And I thought that was the culmination of all of that. I, I thought that was my favorite one, just because it was so different than the other ones. Mm-hmm. But you're right; all four of those were like freaking awesome. Like to be honest with you, especially 
the the Mayu and the Momo one. And I, I thought yeah. the Momo one, I was like, that's the best match she's ever had. And then like the Hazuki one's like, man, this was a great match. <laughs> and it fit her and it fit her stylistically, which I think why I think I picked it. But my favorite was another Hazuki match, and that was versus Arisa Nakajima. Uh, Nakajima. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Arisa Hoshiki. I have Nakajima in the brain for something. But Hoshiki, to me, uh, I love their match, and it had by far the greatest spot of the year, in my opinion, uh, with, with the Mahi Straw Cradle kick yes. out. Yes! This, this was, like, the best... Like, And out of all the people, like Ultimo Dragon, Negro Casas, like, whoever has done this move, has never gotten a near fall like as great as this one was. Yep. Like that's how good it was. Like it's, it's unbelievable yeah. how how well this match worked. Like the crowd bought into it. And I remember uh, B's match in that show. Uh, the fans were really kind of cold on it. I think that's because like this match was so good that it totally it took every bit of energy in that crowd and like diluted it into that match. So it was like unbelievable how well that worked for the crowd. Uh, and just the performances were off the charts. And that was one where it was like. These two are wrestlers that I respect. I obviously like. I think they're really good. Mm-hmm. But then they go together. It's like this was really supposed to be more or less like it's right before the tournament. Odds are they're not going to do a title change. But the way it worked, it made it feel like it was like the biggest match of the year by, by the end. Of it. <laughs> like the, the crowd, the wrestling, everything about it. And I just thought that was an unbelievable performance. Uh, that was a top ten match anywhere in the world uh, to me. And to me, that was the that's the one that always stands out. Even though I think you could make an argument for like a lot of different matches in Stardom mm-hmm. this year because they had a really great year. To me, probably one of their best ever in terms of in ring. But mm-hmm. that is the one that my head like whenever I think of matches, mm-hmm. never mind star ratings or anything like that. But in my head and my heart, that's the match that always pops up when I think about like what was the best match in Stardom this year. I remember that spot with the Maestro Cradle, and it's like okay. And I remember I remember Hoshiki finally winning, and I was like okay. That's the like that's the one that's the one for me. So that would be my number one in stardom, to, in my opinion. Okay, that's a good list. Very good list. Um, you had matches on there that I, like I thought about, and I was just like, mm. it, but yeah, like you know, different strokes for different folks. But like those are matches right. that a lot of those matches. I think every match you mentioned is a match oh. I like seriously considered. So yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So for me, like this is not this is a straight up favorites match list, like. Star ratings be damn like all these matches. Yeah, yeah. All these matches are different degrees of great, but these are just my personal uh, favorite ten star matches this year. Um, number ten, Hazuki versus Starlight Kid for the high speed belt on the on the fifth of May during the Oedo Tai Produce Show in Shikiba. This is uh, Rich. Rich mentioned, is also going to mention this in his uh, his as well. He did mention it because he's obviously before um, we start our conversation, but uh, yeah. It's one of the, it's like four and a half minutes of just fury, like near falls, like fake outs of near falls and like getting you to where that you start to sense a pattern going of, of cradles and near falls. And then like they subvert your, uh, your expectations and then like sit down on, on a certain cradle or whatever else. And it's just incredible. Like it's just a mastery of playing with your expectations. I loved it. Um, that that was a really fun match, and I think Starlight's somebody that really excels in that role that they put her in, and that was yeah. the best version of it, I thought. So, yeah, uh, like I think that's a good case where these two, if you watch that match, you're thinking, man, these two could be rivals for years to come, uh, too. Yeah. And I think they showed it in a match. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. So yeah, um, number nine for me, uh, Hazuki versus Kagetsu from Shinkiba on. December 14th. This is her second to last match. Um, yeah. 
she couldn't beat her master, but she gave her her damn all. It was um, I mean, it's one of the best matches with not in Cork and Hall this year in Stardom. Uh, Hazuki drops Getsu twice with two gross uh, brain busters. Um, and it, 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 I felt like this is a better match than the match they had in Kirken Hall, I want to say in February or March. Um, I, I just love this match and it was just, you know, this is after I, I watched it after I found out that like, um, Kagetsu was also leaving. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it is kind of like for me touching that, like, you know, you already knew Hazuki was leaving, but now like they're both leaving and, you know, this marks the end of an era for stardom. Yeah, it was like it had secret meaning at the time, right. you know, pretty much uh, for, that nobody else knew except them. Uh, you know, so it's kind of crazy that happened. I thought that was actually better than Hazuki's actual last match. Yes, <laughs> to, much you know. better. Much yeah, better. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, I know you had Kagetsu going for the red belt, and that was great for her, obviously, like to, to end on, uh, like yeah. not really end, but like that's a great moment for her to kind of have her last ride in the sun but yeah. if that could have been the last match like that would have been so much better for Hazuki like no with all due respect to Tora and like that's great and all that you had Tora get put over but like, it's funny because they kind of counteracted that with the storyline where Hazuki's like ah you want me to lose fine I'll lose <laughs> publicly like yeah you like Julia fine I'll lose it doesn't matter <laughs> like, yeah. like okay that that really kind of makes the match seem like it's not that important <laughs> when you when you say that publicly but if you could have had something like this I think that would have been like an epic, like a true moment in wrestling. And I think, unfortunately, like that was a great match. What you said, I watched that too. Uh, that was like a really strong match. But unfortunately, I think that's one that's going to get kind of like lost to time because yeah. it's like it's not her last match. It's like her second to last match. You yeah. Know? Uh, if they had done it with the last match, I think that could have been like a true, like a true moment of the year. But uh, it's unfortunate it couldn't have happened that way. Yeah. Um, number eight for me. Momo Watanabe and Utami Hayashishita versus Jungle Kiona and Konami for the tag belts July 15th in Nagoya. I thought, like, I'm not much of a fan of their two-on-two tag matches. Uh, yeah. You know, Tag League came around and a few of them brought it, um, especially towards the end on the last night. It was a great show. But um, this was, for me, like, the first tag match two-on-two that I loved um, and it, it was, it was almost like a playoff of all the stuff that happened in Nagoya in March, uh, where she loses the, the white belt match to Momo and like Momo has two belts and I'm going to take at least one of them from her. Um, and she comes out there and she puts on this great performance in her home crowd and she hits, that's the first time she breaks out that muscle buster thing that you we were talking about earlier. On yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it looked devastating. I, I, you know, there are a few moments where like I'm watching wrestling this year where I'm just like, I just, that something happens in a match and I'm just like sh- in shock and awe. And, uh, that was one of them. Uh, and they continued on after that because Momo broke that, that pin up. Um, and then they continued and I, I, I just thought they made a great team, Konami and jungle. Um, and they've been a great team. They're one of my favorite tag teams, um, in all of wrestling this year. Um, and I'm, I'm just happy to see Jungle like kind of you know finally win in front of her home her home fans in front of the home team. So yeah, uh, I loved it. Yeah. Oh man, that match was awesome. Like that that would be right near my list if I hadn't have had the the goofy <laughs> Natsu match in. That would that would have been that would I think that would have been the one I would have went with because that was such a great moment. And she broke out. 
the Kaniku Buster, the, the real Kaniku Buster, just like the, <laughs> the Kaniku Man show, not the not the fake one. These other guys use. Uh, she used the real one that only me and her know. <laughs> like I said, we only we're the only ones that know the true impact. Uh, and just like my match that I mentioned with uh, the singles match with Momo, it's like Nagoya Jungle. Like she, that's like that's like you know, she yeah. went Super Saiyan. Uh, pretty much in, 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 in this match, you know. Um. So, uh, number seven, nine, right? Yep, yep, seven. Number seven. Azumi versus Momo Watanabe, September 7th in Shinkiba for the Grand Prix. Yeah, they, I think match. that match too. Yeah, yeah, love this match. So happy to see this match. Um, Azumi was in the middle of a run where she like she fought Mayu in a high, basically a high speed match in, in the beginning of the tournament, and I was like, this is everything I ever wanted a match between those two to be. Um, I think she had a match with Tam, where Tam, who cuts a promo, says like, "I'm not high, I don't do high speed at all. I'm slow." And then she has, yeah. a, she has a high speed match. It was still great. Um, and then you have this match where, like, you know, it's it's those two who are, who are such a you know huge friends and. It's kind of funny while watching Stardom, you see the young girls, like, they kind of get treated with kids' gloves, and, you know, they don't really get to bump on their neck or, you know, get destroyed or whatever else. Mm-hmm. Well, that kind of changed when um, when she wrestled Momo, because Momo kicked the shit out of her. And then, um, and then Azumi came back and mounted a comeback and then, like, double stomped her in, like, in a way to where, like, she landed every, every bit of whatever she weighs right on Momo's stomach. And I'm just like, oh, they're killing each other. I love it. <laughs> Um, it, it was a great match. It was a great match. Totally, and a rare case of Momo being like the veteran of the match. You know, right. just at her very young age, like she's still older, much older than Azumi. So it, it totally worked in that fashion as well. So I really liked that whole match. Like I said, I picked it as well. Definitely a top ten worthy match, I would say. Yeah. Um, number six, Mai Iwatani versus Momo Watanabe. The Kurokan Hall's final show of the Grand Prix, um, I think that's September 22nd. Just, just a great final match. Um, best match that night. Um, just a great, like, final of a block, basically. And, you know, everything's set up for Mayu to, you know, go, go into the final again. All she has to do is win and she's in because all the tiebreaker situations. Momo has nothing to win for, but she has no, she has not had a big win in the, in the tournament. And, Momo just says, "Nope, just gonna, just gonna, uh-huh. just, just gonna pitch you in the peach sunrise, lift you up super high, ele- or elevated peach rise, run on your head, um, dumping on your head, do every, you know, just, just, just great wrestling. Um, a match that like didn't, didn't really build as much as like I'm gonna hit you with a, I'm gonna body slam you, Momo, and then like we're just gonna wrestle a sprint from the, for like the next, you know, fourteen minutes or thirteen minutes, whatever the hell it was, and the crowd is just with it from like." from that body slam on like so like 30 seconds in it was a great match yeah uh, that was really good it's funny because when i first watched that match i think that one suffered from me watching the other one the hana match mm-hmm. at the time because it's like i was sleeping on them you know and it's <laughs> like then you know then it's like whoa wait a minute like this came out of nowhere because that wasn't even a match i was looking forward to that much and it's like suddenly like holy crap and then that match is like Momo and Mayu. It's like, oh yeah, this is like this is my <laughs> style right now. And it's like that crowd was more with the other one. And it's like, ah, like that that was good, but I expected like a, a five star type of match or whatever. Like, uh, so I, at first I was kind of disappointed, but I watched it for a second time and I was like, yeah, this was a great match. To be honest with you, like like so well done. And it, you know, Momo, a great turn for her to win over Mayu and played off their story well because last year they had the draw. 
in the five stars. So I thought that was a great moment for her because she's somebody that I feel like has been kind of, I don't want to say left behind, but again, kind of underrated and under pushed by the promotion from where she was. She's not really a focal point, but that win shows you that it's like, Hey, Momo, she might not be the white belt champion carrying the company like she was last year, but she's still here and we still got stories to tell with her and she's still got some stuff to go. And beating Mayu was a great example of that. Yeah. Um, Number five, Jungle Kiono versus Kagetsu, September 8th, Shinkiba in the five-star Grand Prix. They had a match in, uh, for the Red Belt back in, I think that was January, I think that was the eighth anniversary show, and I thought that match was great, and basically yep. basically what's going to happen is, uh, this is what I was learning with Kagetsu, is Kagetsu takes your best shot, and then she starts cheating, and then blows the miss, and then she <laughs> hits you with the set-out AA, and, or the 450, and she pins you. Um... This they go into this match and Jungle like basically like knows all of her tricks. She's not falling for any of her bullshit. And she basically just has an answer for every single thing she every trick up Kagetsu's sleeve. Even to the point to where um she goes Kagetsu goes to blow blows the mist and Jungle just cracks her in the mouth with a forearm. And and the, yeah. the mist goes flying everywhere. And Oh, she, that was awesome. That was a she, great spot. She hits her with a move and beats her and is like she beat a former Red Bell champion. Loved it. Love it. Like, oh, finally yeah. get to see Jungle. Like, I love watching Jungle win because they, they've been beating her. So, and she has these great losses. So it's, like, cool to see. Like, she gets some payoff. There is some bit of happiness on the back end, at least. Yeah. You know, like I said, with her, I, I picked that match as well. So, like I said, we completely agree. Yeah. But I love when Jungle, when she wins, it's not like a, a you know, a small win. When she gets these big wins... It's like the fact that it's her again. Like I said, uh, because of her, like it's like it's even better. It's like she, it, you know, for what anyone else would be like, oh, that was great. Like you know, that was a hot move or whatever. With her, it's like she wins. It's like you know, she's you know, you just banished her to the shadow realm right now <laughs> on, on there. Like I said, so you got to shout her out on that one. And that was a great match. I, I hate that Jungle had the injury afterward. Oh yeah, uh, like because she, yeah. Yeah, same for Utami. Like I, I think I had Utami as like on average star rating, like the highest rated person until she got hurt, and then like after that, it may have been Jungle, and then Jungle got hurt. And I really, I really wanted to see that, um, uh, that final, that final match, yeah, and the final night in Kurgan Hall between her and Konami. I wanted to see that match so badly. That was one of my most anticipated matches, but you know things happen. There's always next year, I guess. Um. Number four, Momo Watanabe versus Jungle Kiona, white belt match on March 2nd in Nagoya. Uh, this is, I mean, we, we talked about this as a, as a turning point early in the show for uh, talking about the year, like, with Jungle. Like, incredible performance in her hometown to her former tag team partner that left her for Queen's Quest and for, you know, kind of like brighter lights and greener grass and she, you know the greener grass actually paid out it was actually the road was actually paved in gold with the white belt and um great match and she ultimately loses in such a heartbreaking fashion in front of the hometown crowd um and it was one of those situations like i immediately or was drawn to this woman because of like how much of her you know her heart and soul went into that match and um she was utterly devastated and i, I you know i felt I felt for it at that moment because it was it was so so great. It was like it's like wow, like there's somebody else out here in this world that can like be a babyface and lose in a way that's very similar to Johnny Gargano. That's that's incredible. I did not know that. Let mm-hmm. me know. I need to find out more about this. Person. So, <laughs> so yeah, 
yeah, like I said, another one I picked. I, th- I think we got the same notes right right now. <laughs> some more stuff, yep. but uh, yeah, I, like I said, I said uh, I said all my stuff on uh, on my version. But you're totally right. Yeah, uh, it was just an awesome moment. A great match. Yeah. Um, number three, more more great minds think alike. Ariso Shiki versus Suzuki for the white belt. Yes, July twenty fourth uh, in Kurokan Hall. This match, okay. So I, I, I want. I'm kind of upset that you you talked about the same thing that I was gonna, or one of the things yeah, I was gonna talk about yeah. as well when it comes to that near fall. For me, that is near fall of the year. I watch. Oh, hands I watch, down. I watch wrestling a lot of it by myself with headphones on. So when she hits the uh, Hazuki straw, as she calls it, she hits her Lamahi straw cradle. I knew. That was the finish. I knew there's not there's like she lost the white belt just like a couple shows before or the sorry the high speed belt right. It's the perfect setup, it, and she comes out here and she hits it, and the ref counts one, two, and she he fucking counted three. The reason why I know he counted fucking three is because I ripped off my headphones <laughs> and yelled, just stood up out of my chair and said, "Hell yeah." And then the next thing you know, I look around, I I look at my screen again, and the match is still going on. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? The match is over. I saw his, I saw the ref's hand hit three. So I'm watching the rest of the match. The match shortly ends after that. And this ref counted three. Hazuki was fucked. I don't care what none of y'all say. Watch the match. You tell me that his hand didn't touch the mat a third time. This ref fucked me. And fuck Suzuki and fuck everybody else is watching this match. Whatever. <laughs> I'm always going to be bitter for this match until the end of time. It is what it is. Like, I remember hearing back in the day about EO had the ref in her pocket back in the day when she used to have her long reigns of excellence or whatever else. This is an example of Arissa having the ref in her pocket. I don't care what none of y'all say. I, don't be fooled by that big ass goofy smile. She's a crook. <laughs> okay. So, just to move, but all jokes aside. Um, there's a segment in this match where they're on the top rope, and I've, I've described this on the show before. They're on the top rope, and uh, both of them, and Hazuki is on the outside facing in, and Arisa is on the inside facing out. And Hazuki grabs Arisa's head and brings it and runs it right into her knee for a knee lift. Then Arisa's basically out, and she slumps over the turnbuckle. From that point forward, Hazuki basically like flips off of Arissa's carcass to and lands inside the ring on her feet. Then turns around and pump kicks Arissa's face, and oh. then grabs her while she's still attached to the uh, to the second rope and top rope stuff, and basically gives her a neck breaker off elevated neck breaker to the floor. And I and all in this all in one sequence of action, and I said to myself like, "This woman is fucking incredible. This is one of the yeah. best wrestlers in the world." How 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 am only how are we you know the the select few people in this country that know how good this fucking woman is? And I, you know when I heard about her retirement, this was the first thing I thought of was like that stretch in this match in I'm gonna miss the hell out of her. And I hope this is an end. I hope, you know, eventually whatever happens with her life or politics or whatever else with stardom or somewhere else. Like, I hope she f- comes back to wrestling or finds a love for wrestling or whatever the hell happened. And <laughs> she comes back to this because that woman's too goddamn talented to not do this anymore. It just, it just, it feels so wrong. Period. 
So that's that's my take on this on that match. Oh yeah, like I said, like I said, one of the best matches of the year to me, and uh, I just think you just mentioned it. Hazuki is like when she came in, uh, like it shows you how far they're like far along her and Momo are from where mm-hmm. they started. Uh, she came in with like you know she had blonde hair, <laughs> yeah, like, like, like yeah, yeah, ta- like Takayama style blonde. It wasn't like <laughs> you know pretty much. Uh, you know, she had blonde hair. She was like this kind of short girl, uh, like literally a girl then, like in this pink, like pink cutesy attire. Right. Her finishing move was like you know a, a diving senton, and like now she has all this like crazy stuff that she does. I just like and, and Momo for her case, she was like. Uh, walking around playing, knocking baseballs into the crowd, yeah. <laughs> like like plastic baseballs. Yeah. Uh, so it's like now you look at them and it's like, just like you said, it's like these are some of the best wrestlers in the world. Hazuki, it's like you were born for this. Like when she, yeah. that's what I was thinking when she was tired. It's like you, you know, you were born to do this. Yeah. You can't, you can't stop now. <laughs> like come on. Yeah. Like the only thing that I'm, I didn't love about her. um about her retirement tour, if you will, like that last month, is that she never faced Momo. That's it. That's it. Like I, I was such a. That's it. Yeah. Like you know, the Wild Heart versus True Heart. The the first two women, the first two you know picks of EO and Queen's Quest. They they had the rivalry last year after she leaves Queen's Quest, ends up getting drafted to Oedo Tai. Like I just felt like that was the only thing missing outside of outside of that. Like if you replaced the Julia match with a Momo match, like outside of that, like picture perfect for her her last. You know the end of her run. Um, number two, Mayu Itani versus Kagetsu Red Belt match, Crimson Eve um, at the Year in Climax just a couple days ago. Um, yeah. I love this match. It's the end of an era, end of uh, end of another story rivalry in Stardom history. Um, apparently, um, this was very much like any like if you know for those that you know try, that are don't really watch or have, you know, not unfamiliar with stardom. Like this was built in a way in a match where it was like watching like, you know, beginning of the decade, like Okada versus Tanahashi matches where it's just like, they build to a certain point. There's a, and, and then from there, like they just try to put each other away with their moves. And it's just so thrilling. And you see the, the great escapes and the kickouts and just the sheer determination, um, you know, match started out crazy. In the side of the ring, Kagetsu climbs uh, to some huge ledge. I think on the north side of Korokin and and lays out um, Mayu on a bench, and then she basically makes like a ten, I don't know, like a fifteen foot drop, double stomp on her guts. <laughs> yeah, just, that was great. And that's a, that's in the first third of the match, and, and then it continue from there, and then it gets in the near falls and it keeps going and it's going and it's going and. Um, I, I, I just love this match. Like, it, I think it's the third best women's match I've seen this entire year. Like, I mean, no, no disrespect to, um, Sari or Mako Satamura or Asuka or, you know, or the, you know, Jap, Asuka that's still in Japan. Um, I just, or, or Chichiro Hashimoto is just like, that style is what I want in my professional wrestling. Two great, excellent wrestlers showing heart determination and their skill all in the ring and, if they beat the hell out of each other with kick, stiff kicks, so be it. If not, like we got a great story of two craftsmen or craftswomen um, putting art together. That so I love that match. Yeah, like I said, it it totally worked. Uh, just I think these two have so much natural chemistry yeah. together in the ring too. Yeah, uh, it's almost like they, they put this match together. It was such a high, like world class level match for real. But for these two, it was almost like effortless. Like in a way, yeah. it's like they they had so much uh, that they did here. 
but it, it was like it all came together so well. Yeah. Like I said, like it was like natural for them. So I, that's something I always think when they wrestle. Actually, I think they're a really underrated pairing in general because that's not a, that's not a rivalry or anything that you hear talked about or a matchup in general right. that you really hear talked about a lot. But whenever they wrestle, they they just have some bangers. Yeah. Uh, to and, their name, and this was a great. Uh, you know, this was another one in that lineage, pretty much. Yeah. So two things. One, I love that the fact that they had the restraint for Kagetsu not to try to hang Mayu this time. I appreciate that. <laughs> and, uh, and two, um, it's a question. Did you see their match in from, I think, June or July for Russell Queendom 2 in Pro Wrestling Eve? Yes, I did. I okay. watched the whole show. Yeah. So the fact that, like, they can basically have, like, a 15-minute, like, sprint of a match that ends in a draw like that and then have this match that is different and built and just kept, you know, the like the crescendo was so big and so long and just like I the fact that like those two can have those two different types of matches was so impressive. <laughs> so impressive. I'm gonna miss the hell out of like seeing that potentially ever again. I miss the hell out of Kagetsu. Like I mean I, I know that she may be starting another promotion or starting her own promotion or whatever else with the you know with the Twitter just because of the Twitter thing we people see but um, yeah, I, I I hope she doesn't really retire. I hope she starts up and do something else. So I can watch her continue to be great. Uh, they actually they not there's this match was not like a perfect match. There was actually some yeah. sloppy moments, Botch. but every yeah every time they were able like Mayu was able to recover like pr- like really great. Uh, if something went wrong, they were able to recover really well. I thought and that's something that's important for somebody because nobody's perfect. Uh, you know, no matter how great of a Especially wrestler you Mayu, are, my God, yeah, she <laughs> hey, has to, she has to be the greatest wrestler that's also a complete klutz ever. Has to be, yeah. Even even never mind wrestling, just in life, yeah, pretty much she's like that, you know. So it continues on, but they made up for it really well. I thought they were able to. They never lost you despite uh, any of their botches. So that, like I said, I didn't have that on my top ten, but that would have been right there. I, that and the tag match that you mentioned would mm-hmm. probably be like right around the top ten to me. Yeah. And my number one, Arisa Hoshigi versus Tam Nakano for the white belt, June 16th, Perkin Hall. Um, I love this match. I love this feud. I love this storyline. It might be my favorite, like, long forms, like, thing from 2019 uh, in wrestling. I mean, it paid paid off in such a great way. And, you know, like, it did get annoying in tag league to watch them do frenemy, like, spots all throughout the tournament. But, like, once they turned on, it was great. But back to the match, it's just, you know... They're wrestling, and you know Tam is also a kicker, but she's so she has such a great like array of moves and and um and things that she does, and like you know she's in there with Arissa, and Arissa's just so much longer and, and has his length advantage over her, and she's out kicking her, and she's being she's getting she's beating her ass, and then Tam says I've had enough of this, and then grounds her, and then starts working over her leg, and does this like spinning inverted figure four thing that looked awesome that I think I've ever seen before. Um, yeah, that was really cool actually. Yeah. I remember yeah. That. And then they, you know, they end up outside on the floor. Um, or it's not on the, on the, on the apron. Um, Marissa hits, um, you know, a meteor or whatever you want to call it and lays her out. And then Tam <laughs> bridges up from underneath her and then gives her a German suplex on the, on the apron, um, dive to the floor um, you know, they get back in the ring and then, you know, it's, it's more just, just knees to face running knees, V triggers, um, you know, black mass kicks, 
um and, and just emotion and 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 you know selling from there and it was just great and at the end Arissa wins and um she you know after you know getting shitted on by by uh, emotionally <laughs> dismissed by Tam she finally reaches out to Tam and um you know and Tam reaches reaches out to her and then she like tells her like don't you dare lose that belt to anyone else and Arissa's just full of tears and everything and it's just it was just great it was just great um I I love watching Stardom this year really did really did yeah um great stuff yeah like I don't know how many matches are gonna end in my top 10 overall or whatever else but like I'm still contemplating that I also have the benefit of uh going last because I want to edit this edit this show <laughs> uh so I'll still yeah. have more time to, to mull over it and torture myself over it but um, this match is definitely making a list. It's definitely going to probably end, be an, end up in the top five or whatever else. Like, um, I, I just, I just enjoyed the hell out of that match. Yeah. And like I said, ultimately out of all the matches we said, that's the one with the most storyline behind yeah. it. And I think is the most overall, like if you know the storyline, I think that it really connects with you and it connects with everybody. Again, that's another one of those that like, much like we were saying with jungle earlier, yeah. that was a match that like pretty much everybody liked, you know, like that wasn't something where you had any dissenting voices. Like yeah. maybe they were like, Oh, well maybe it's not the match of the year, but <laughs> like, crap, it's four and a half stars. So yeah. <laughs> like, I loved it. Like, yeah. it's so, it's so yeah. funny that like I remember so much like there's so many matches that I've seen throughout the year and like there's a like the Tyler Bate and Walter matches like that's probably that's got to be one of the five best matches I've seen anywhere in the world this year right yeah that's a great match yeah there's so much of it that I can't remember like I can I remember but in this match like I'm just now remembering like the spot where Tam gives Arissa uh, her tiger suplex uh, for a near fall, and then she goes for it again. And then this time she does it, you know, she straight jacket grabs her, right? She's just right. on the dump her head like she's Tanahashi or Io. And, like, Arissa just basically, like, runs in the middle of the ropes because she knows if she gets hit with that, like, she's fucking done. I just, I just love that match so much. Yeah, <laughs> it's it so smart. Match. Everything makes sense. So great. So great. Yeah, yeah, epic match for sure. Like, definitely one of the best of the year, I would yeah. say, in stardom. So, yeah, actually, a lot of ours were the same. <laughs> the time yeah. that, 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 that we ended up talking about, it was like five or six was the same. Yeah. And I, I get the mulligan with the Natsu match. That I, 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 just, <laughs> I just went galaxy brain, uh, pretty much. But, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a favorites I, list. It's a favorites list. So, it is whatever it is, right? Like, if you, it, wanted, if you wanted to put a whole bunch of, you know, um, Def Yamasan and, and uh, Natsu and whoever That's else are going to find. What what if I put like all Saki Kashima matches in the top ten? No. What if your number one had been like when she squ- when she basically squashed uh, Hannah with with revival? That would have been funny. No, My number one seven, match is seven, seven, seven minutes, like a seven second match. That'd been hilarious. Yeah, if I was very dis like disgusted with Hana Kimura's push, like that, like that, yes, that maybe that yes, could have worked. Yes. Being petty, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It would have to be somebody I legit dislike for some reason. It would have to be like I don't even know who it would be. Nobody'd start them. I think that that would garner that reaction. But that that was a fun, funny little display as well. But I love how if you remember that match when it happened, some people were like, "That was an amazing performance for seven seconds and all that." Really? Uh, some people, were, yeah, yeah, I saw. That. I was like, like that shows you, and that shows you can have a great match in, in under ten seconds or whatever. <laughs> And I was like, what? Yeah. I mean, like, it was cool, but like, like, like it was, was like, 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 like relax. Yes, like, that's definitely hyperbole. That's definitely yeah. cap, but like, it is damn sure it was better than Kofi versus Brock. Oh. <laughs> yes, uh, it, would be, it would be hard yeah. to hard to be worse than, than yeah. that, I would say. Yeah. 
So, uh, Dylan, thank you, thank, thank you for coming on to the show. Um, first time appearance, hopefully not the last. Um, this is great. Um, you know, hopefully when it's time to do like a recap for some like the Cinderella tournament or for you know uh, the Grand Prix or Tally, whatever else. Like, hopefully I can hit you up and we can uh, make something happen or whatever else. So, um, but first, uh, but just want to say thank you again and also um, plugs. Yeah, man. First of all, like thanks a lot for having me. Like uh, you and Rich both. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I thought we had a lot of fun on the show. Hopefully the listeners think so too. <laughs> that you could get some messages saying, don't ever have him back there. <laughs> uh, no, nah, man, it's, it's all good though. Like I said, I really love being on. I, you know, and just shout out to all the listeners out there. Uh, if you want to check me out and hear more of me, I am on the Eastern Lariat. Uh, James mentioned it at the start. Uh, that's my main show. We even have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Eastern Lariat. Uh, you know, one, three, five dollar tiers. We named them after the three musketeers, uh, Chono, Muto, and, uh, Hashimoto. <laughs> Hashimoto is the five, the five dollar tier. I will say that, but oh, you get everything. I do all kinds of stuff on there too. I love the, the Patreon, not just because of the money or whatever. I mean, it's not, it's not like I, you know, I, I'm raking millions of dollars, but still what I really love about it most is that I can do stuff that I could never do on, on the, Eastern Lariat, which is all a Japanese wrestling show. Occasionally, we touch on Joshi, but for the most part, it was you know New Japan, All Japan, Noah. Uh, he, uh, my co-host is Striga. He uh, runs CageMatch.net, a really great wrestling archive of all kinds of stuff and stats and matches. Now, you know, it's a really good, like I said, really good tool to use, uh, especially if you host a podcast. Wait, 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 uh, wait, 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 wait. <gasps> yeah, you're shitting me. No cage match. Yeah, Cage I'm on that thing like every day. Hey, that's uh, that's my man. If you want to hear what he has to say, listen to our show, The Eastern wow. Lariat. Me, me and Strig on uh, there. He, yeah, it's a German based website too. So yeah, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, he he knows a lot of people there in Germany. Uh, he tried. The thing is, he's always been telling me he's like, I want you to do this on the on Cage Match. And I'm like, sure, yeah, whatever. And then it's like he never gets back to me. So it's like, <laughs> did you really want me to do it <laughs> or not? Because he's always like, you know more about Mexican wrestling than anyone. What about Joshi wrestling? Uh, yeah, I can do whatever. It's fine, whatever. And it's like, no. Nah. He doesn't even say no. He just says, I'll get back to you any minute now. It's like it never happens. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, my man, like, uh, re- really cool guy. Uh Good takes, obviously. You know, if you run cage match, he probably watches pretty much everything oh, <laughs> in wrestling. Um, so it, that's really cool. We we host our show, the Eastern Larry. It's really cool stuff. Uh, on the Patreon, it's mostly me uh, because he's busy uh, doing. See, that's the thing. The difference between him and me is he has a, a, a like a real life, and I have. And listen, if I'm not talking to like girls or something, uh, like like I mentioned, I'm mostly just doing something with wrestling. That's pretty much my entire life. It's everything I love or sports, like I mentioned earlier. Um, but anyway. The show's really cool, all about Japanese wrestling. We get pretty obscure sometimes, but we also cover New Japan. Um, we did a year-end show with this guy, WH Park, from Post Wrestling. Uh, on there, he was on there. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I do a, a Joshi-exclusive show, uh, Pure Heart, Pure Lariat, which I host with a revolving door of guests. Sometimes I'll have a wrestler on. Sometimes I'll have you know somebody like that was there at the show, at a show with Joshi. Somebody I'll have, uh, a friend of mine or anything like that. It could be anybody. Uh, but I'm looking forward to doing that more coming up in the new year. I still had a good amount of shows, really had some fun interviews too. Uh, I would highly recommend the show, an interview I did with the wrestler named Yappy 
from Ice Ribbon, who's a very close friend of mine as well. Uh, like I said, we had a lot of fun on that show. That was one of my first episodes, but still one of my best, I feel like. Um, also, I host another show, like a, like a third show. <laughs> the, 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 the Patreon, I, the, the thing is the Patreon, I hit you with all kinds of content, but it's not like there's full-fledged stuff really uh there's a show i do on there called the 90s project which i go through top matches of every year i'm up to 92 and the first two shows have been great uh people really like that Uh, i I do i do observer style awards for every year i watched everything using the pwo um yearbooks and that was a tremendous amount of time that that took place in that uh, but still, I I was glad I did it, and the first two years have been awesome. I think I've really carried that show a lot. So you get everything. You get Japanese wrestling. I'll, I'll even review American wrestling on the Patreon, too. Uh, I do a show about this anime show called Tiger, Mas- uh, Tiger Cast W uh, that came out a couple of years ago. I do that with my sister, actually, who's like a really big anime uh, person, like a cosplayer and all that stuff. Uh, so she doesn't really watch wrestling that much, but uh, she does a show about that wrestling-based anime with me on there. So we have a little bit of, like, there's, there's all kinds of stuff on there. And uh, my other show, real quick, is called uh, Lucha Talk, which is obviously all about Lucha Libre, uh, which is another style of wrestling I really like. Not just Japan, but Mexico as well. I host that with this guy, Microman Fever, who translates stuff on tumblr and does all kinds of stuff he's gotten into some weird stuff with conspiracy theories and astrology but it's okay like i said like <laughs> we, we, we we accept him anyway <laughs> pretty much you know but a really really cool guy uh, and also alfredo esparza who's like one of my best friends and he runs luchaworld.com and he's a, like a super smart person when it comes to he also runs re- retro a uh, super smart person when it comes to historical wrestling and lucha and we have a a great amount of fun on a and in 2019, you know it had to be our personalities because the, the lucha scene wasn't doing too hot uh, for the most part that, that year. But we still did our best uh, in there. We still had, there was a couple of great matches. Don't get me wrong. I'm not completely bearing anything. But it wasn't the best year, I would say. So uh, check those shows out if you want to hear more of me. I'm, I, you know, if you look for me, I'm very easy to find when it comes to these things. Uh, I never hold back. I always make uh, you know, a crazy amount of a podcast for your listening pleasure so hopefully everybody checks those out uh, just give us a listen especially uh, some of the bigger shows we do uh, like the wrestle kingdom one or the award shows those are the ones you can really t- check out because they really grasp everything sort of just like this one was the, the startup show that we did james yeah. i think that really grasped the whole year but uh most of all i really got to thank you and shout you out for uh wanting me on and sierra of course for uh you know suggesting me to you I think that's like a you know like a really cool thing, and I was really glad to do it. I think this has turned out even better than I thought it would. So I really look forward to having it for to being on again, and maybe I'll get you on one of my shows if you got some free time. Yeah, and, uh, you know, just, just yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm, awesome. I'm, I can do it, no problem. Awesome, man! I can't wait for that. I, re- I really loved what you brought to the table as well, and I thought we had a hell of a conversation about it. So really, th- thank you so much, man. Definitely, definitely, no problem. Um, so that's the end of the show. Uh, be sure to rate us on whatever app you're using to listen to this. Tell the folks about the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Be sure to check out our friends at Powerslam.tv, the uh, sponsor of the show. If you're a fan of independent pro wrestling, they have over 5,000 hours of footage from all over the world. You can use the code Social Suplex to get your free month's trial. Uh, don't forget to check out ProWrestlingTees.com slash Suplex and pick up some official Social Suplex Podcast Network merchandise. Also, uh, check out the other shows on Social Suplex Podcast Network. On Sundays, we have this show normally, One Nation Radio. On Tuesdays, we have Keeping a Strong Style. On Wednesdays, we have the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast. 
And on every other Wednesday, we have Roman Washes Shit. On Thursdays, we have Get in the Ring. And on Saturdays, we have All Things Elite. Thanks for listening. Later. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.